Most of us got out, but but we're we're missing one, man. The freaking smash. Tell us, tell us. I mean, tell the story, dude. Tell Potent about it. Like the freaking pizza was too good, dude. It was it was too fucking good. We went down there. It was too goddamn good. So we found out that um, some FBI agents ended up, well, some Civil War treasure hunters ended up putting a treasure in a basement with a, in a vault in a jewelry store. So we ended up going through a pizza place. To, to the connecting building. Dude, we tried. We were like, I don't even think we want. Like, did we even get through there? I don't think we scored a single fucking penny. Like, I just no. ate really good pizza. Long story short, potent. There was fucking pizza in the oven. Like, nobody was watching it. It was like three bears or some shit. Like, the basic the bears were gone, and there were like two incredible pies just right there. Yeah, pie. And what was the other one? It was like prosciutto and freaking like uh, Italian sausage and shit with some like broccoli on it. Dude, it was fucking amazing. It was like one of those thin, I, thin New York crust pie. Oh my fucking god! Smash. I don't know what we smoked, but it gave us the ill munchies, and we could not get up. Dude, seriously. And I was like, all right, we got to do this thing. We did. And the time was ticking and they were like, oh, we got to get out of here. Like the cops are going to freaking come. And Wes is still mowing down on this fucking pizza. He's like, oh, there's enough time, man. There's a, he's still, man, he's in jail right now. It's fucking ridiculous. But he got pinched? He got pinched. Dude. He got think. pinched over pizza. Because he didn't show, yeah. He didn't show up at the rendezvous. I mean, I don't know. Maybe like, I don't know. Do you think like he could have, he could have, I guess, gone through with the score, taken it. I don't know. Do you think so? He could have, I don't know. Maybe that's how the pizzas were there. Holy shit. That's dastardly. Can you imagine if West Engine like put those pizzas together, put them in the ovens, tempted us with the goddamn pizza, made us all think that he was the most like tempted with the pizza, and then he actually stole the the freaking gold? I think I think what happened. He was, was the one holding the police. When we were on the way, I had all the bags of the sublingual powder, and it was like a roulette bag. You know, like you have those wings at the at the thing, and one of them super spicy. One of them was CBN. So if he took it, it might have just knocked him out. You think so? So he's yeah. like mowing down on the freaking pizza, and then like an hour later he wakes up. He's like, "What? What's going on?" He's laying with cheese and sauce in his face, snoring on the counter. Yeah, he's just like. Uh, I don't know what you guys are talking about. We're talking about. I don't know. We're talking about pizza. I'm talking about. I, I like pizza. I'm a big fan of pizza. Uh, it's a we're the world's favorite food, actually, uh, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking about pizza. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, we're certainly talking about not talking about any crimes. I don't know why you would think that. Like that's that's obviously not the show, ladies and gentlemen. This show is, though, on the other hand, a weed show, ladies and gentlemen. If you are over the age of twenty-one, you're welcome to hang back, sit back, uh, relax, chill out with us. If you are not twenty-one, if you are under the age of twenty-one, if you're a child, for example, if you're a baby, if you're uh, uh, you know a kitty, basically, if you're basically under the age of twenty-one, get the fuck out, right? Smash, pretty much, just, just leave. Steps gone. Just fucking be gone with you. Bye, Felicia. That kind of thing. You don't know who Felicia yeah, is. Yeah. Go watch, go, go Google, go Google who Felicia is. Then you can know what, bye, bye Felicia. For the meantime, Get bye Felicia. Fuck That's exactly right. That's exactly so, right. Yes. Atomic Spoon's running away with it. If, if he gets over half the month, I guess he's the automatic winner. He right? might just be the automatic winner. Yeah. Like he's getting close. Like we, we, we pretty much like, uh, we're yeah, at five. Wow. Atomic Spoon is uh, running away with the uh, uh, April 1st contest, ladies and gentlemen. If you are unaware of the April 1st contest, ask Atomic Spoon. He apparently knows how to how to freaking play better than anybody. Ladies and gentlemen, whoever's first in the chat gets uh, a point, pretty much, and whoever has the most points at the end of the month uh, uh, wins, pretty much. Atomic Spoon is uh, leading it. I think he's gotten pretty much five out of five so far. So well done, Atomic Spoon. Uh, absolutely well done. Elite, right behind him, T.O., uh, uh, Billy Wonka, Billy Martin, who else in here? Christoph, uh, nice to see you, buddy, a uh, big force. Uh, Shen already in the house, disbanded. Uh, who else in here? Oh. Organic Soul Garden's already here. Frank Grows the Dank right there, my friend. Welcome. Uh, everybody else tuning in. Cheers, my friends. Welcome. 
Don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, that the show is uh, for education, uh, educational and entertainment purposes only. Uh, I almost said purposes. Uh, anyway, uh, ed- educational and entertainment purposes only, ladies and gentlemen. We're fictions. We're, we're fictions of your imagination. We're figments of your imagination. That too. We're fictions of your imagination. Uh, don't emulate us. Don't copy us. Certainly don't get anything wet or dirty, including uh, yourself, obviously. Uh, don't uh, don't get your neighbors or your friends wet or dirty. That'd be weird. Uh Certainly don't get seats wet or dirty, unless you're allowed to, wherever you live, uh, in which case, definitely do that, because uh, you're allowed to. Welcome, Coffee Pod. Uh, what's going on, my friends? Uh, welcome, everybody. <clears throat> we have a, a great guest uh, for the show today. We have, uh, we've had him on the show a couple times, honestly, before, but nice surprise guest. Uh, uh, Brendan from Spectrum King is going to uh, talk about LED lighting, some Spectrum uh, uh, announcements. or Actually, I don't know. Uh, I think you probably have a lot of new stuff to, to tell us, probably some new light fixtures, and I think probably some, uh, yeah, he's nodding, some uh, cool Spectrum stuff. And I don't know, Smash is going to ask him about, like, uh, how do I say this, uh, uh, tuning Spectrums and stuff. I think you're really into uh, ideal spectrums. Yeah, he's just giggling basically with glee right there, ladies and gentlemen. So, uh, yeah. by the way, if you guys would like to ask some LED questions, frankly, I don't know too many people better than uh, Brendan right here. Uh, bring it, pretty much. I don't think you can pretty much challenge Jim too too easily. Uh, in fact, maybe this is a challenge. Maybe I don't know. Maybe Brendan is going to throw it down and be like, challenge me with questions. Bring See what uh, you know, trying to stump him, man. You know, trying to freaking stump him. I would be shocked if I can't get it, but I definitely like all the questions you can bring, you know? Let's we'll see what we got. Let's we'll see, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. So with that said, folks, uh, bring some intelligent questions. Uh, I, I'd love to have some. It was a bit of a spontaneous interview, so of course I have a few things that I'd like to ask Brendan. Mm-hmm. But uh, if you guys would like to supplement with your own questions, please, I'd, I'd be happy to uh, throw them into the, the 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 mix here, so to speak. Ladies and gentlemen, join us in the in the chat here. First of all, join us in the YouTube chat that I was talking about. We have uh, people like Organic Soul Gardens and Frank Grows the Dank and Coffee Pot DGC Weed Nerd is here. Uh, Pierre Toker, welcome. Nice to see. You. I think maybe first time in the chat. Welcome. Billy Martin is in the house. What's going on, buddy? Uh, let's see here. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to post the link here. Since we do have a guest, if you have not been on the show before, these are uh, guest rules, basically. So long story short, if you've not been on the show before, please wait until the guest is gone. You're more than welcome to hang in the chat. You're more than welcome to you know drop some questions, whatever else. But don't come on the show because you know we just don't know each other yet. You might not know the audio setup or whatever else. So just wait a little bit. You're more than welcome to come after. You know, Brendan basically takes off for the evening. But uh, in the meantime, if you have been on the show before, before you're welcome to come back you know if you if uh, you're a regular you know for example if 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 you're on here if you've been on here three or four times you're more than welcome to come on here ask Brennan some questions you know hang back in the chat you know just smoke one you're, you're more than welcome uh welcome I just Justin, made, Justin Bean nice to see you I just made a breakout room so if anyone does that that is new we can put you in a breakout room you'll be able to raise your hand and stuff right and on. we can pull you up so yeah just saying nice man that'll work uh, in the meantime, uh, Samuel Olson, nice to see you, my friend. Welcome. Uh, folks, uh, let me just do a couple announcements. Uh, let me do my little infomercial, but then also right before that, let me uh, tell you about Chronic Table while I'm looking at my website here. Uh, if you guys like to listen to podcasts, I was just actually listening to a freaking hilarious podcast the other day. Uh, yesterday, a friend of mine introduced me to, uh, oh, for fuck's sake, this is worth it, ladies and gentlemen. It's not my podcast, but it's worth it. It was so fucking funny. It was, uh, Oh, I'm going to have to look up the name exactly. But basically, you, you guys can figure it out yourselves. Uh, my dad wrote a porno, something like that. So long story short, this guy basically, he's uh, he and a couple of his friends, it's like a, 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 a they're BBC actors, I think, in real life. So it's like a British podcast, basically. They're all British. Uh, this one dude, they're grown adults, basically. This one dude is a grown adult. His dad, who's like 
70 or something, apparently wrote a pornographic novel, like an erotic novel, and he's not very good at it. Like, it's not like he doesn't have a very good understanding of how, like, the human body works or anything else. Like, he's just kind of like, like, you hear some of the stuff and you're just like, your head is just jarred by the goofiness. So anyway, kind of the genius premise of it is that his son decided to read parts of this book, basically in the entirety, with a couple of his friends, and it is just fucking epically hilarious. So while you're on the way to subscribe to that, ladies and gentlemen, because I'm sure after, after you heard me say that, it is just honestly hilarious. Subscribe to Chronic Table also, ladies and gentlemen, at your podcasting platform of choice. Uh, just like the name of the show. Uh, let's see if I can finally type the name of my own website. That would be very helpful. Uh, if you, uh, you know, if you like to listen to long-form long podcasts, if you like to listen to... Uh, how do I say this? There's there's basically no rush. You know, when someone like uh, Brendan comes on here, there's a lot of folks uh, out there who, uh, I don't know, a lot of shows out there that have maybe a half hour, 15 minutes or something to give to a guest. And, you know, sometimes that's all the guest has. But, and you know, sometimes, how do I say this? If a guest is busy, I don't want to keep them here longer than they want to. But this is one of those shows where, you know, guests and, and, and people that come on here, basically everybody that comes on here, frankly, is a guest. They get to say their piece. You know what I mean? They get to talk. It's a long-form conversation. It's very much, honestly, like your local pub, uh, essentially frequented by, you know, your favorite kind of grow buddies. You know what I mean? Like uh, people who kind of know what they're doing. Uh, people who've been doing it for a while. And they kind of, you know, uh, chill out after work or I don't know, before work or even during work at lunch or something. Tommy Trichomes and, and uh, uh, Charlie's Farmer come to mind. Like they're never really after work. They're just basically between work shifts, essentially. Or with Tommy, with Charlie's Farm, he's like in the middle of work and then he comes and checks in. But anyway. If you guys like that kind of long-form uh, discussion, come check out Chronic Table over at uh, iTunes, Spotify, you name it. Once you do that, my friends, uh, come take a look at my website, fumadoroseedco.com, fumadoro.com. Also, you can also type chronictable.com. I just said uh, uh, the name of the podcast is that, and it'll redirect right to my website. So type in chronictable.com. It'll go straight to here, and uh, Bob's your uncle. You could also, if you forget all those, you could also type fumesofgold.com. That's what Fumidoro is supposed to mean. So fumesofgold.com. It'll redirect just like that. Bob's your uncle. Right to the website, fumidoro.com. F-U-M-I-D-O-R-O.com. Ladies and gentlemen, come take a look at, uh, for example, the Smash and Grab. This was a great idea from Smash. He was like, man, a lot of people like to try, you know, some strains. They'd like to try maybe five beans of this, five beans of that, five beans of something else. But, you know, they don't want to commit to... 15, you know, three packs or 10 packs, you know what I mean? Like, uh, uh, some people just don't have the budget, let's say for a ton of beans. I freaking get it. It was a great idea smashed. So ladies and gentlemen, special price, the smash and grab right there. Basically pick up three, five packs. Uh, you pick them, you uh, email me what you want and, uh, Bob's your uncle. I freaking send it to you. If you'd like, on the other hand, uh, three 10-packs, you can get them right here. This is one of them. Uh, I see which, Morgana and her two friends. You can basically pick up a pack of Morgana, email me what else you want. You want, for example, Lime River Rose, Black Prince Ruby, whatever. Or if you'd like, I can pick them for you. I'd be absolutely happy to, uh, uh, if you tell me, let's say, oh, you know, I live in uh, California or I live in Nevada or I live in Michigan or whatever. I'd be happy to say, oh, you know, I think this would be better. That'd be better. Maybe you tell me what flavors you're into or something. I'd be happy to... Uh, assist you with that, uh, uh, with that, ladies and gentlemen. This one right here is These Witches 3. If you'd like three packs of Morgana, for example, if you'd like to do a, if you live in Oklahoma and you don't have, don't have plant counts and whatever, if you'd like to do a little pheno hunt of Morgana, can't blame you. You're going to find some sweet cherry. You're going to find some sour cherry in that, most likely. You're going to find some uh, uh, wine, some uh, uh, spiced wine cherries. It's going to be some uh, really fun pheno hunting, ladies and gentlemen. In the meantime, if you'd like to try, oh, by the way, the West Engine Swindle Bundle doesn't include any Morgana, uh, but for example, you could get three packs of Lime River Rose, you could get two packs of Black Prince Ruby, pack of Lime River Rose, whatever, you name it, uh, whatever combination. 
that doesn't include Morgana. But in the meantime, right here, one 10-pack of Morgana, one 5-pack of Morgana. You can pick them up individually, ladies and gentlemen, right here. Cuvée F2 by Ruby Jack F2. You're going to be hearing a lot more from me uh, uh, with uh, the Morgana line, basically, in a few different directions. Quite pleased with this, uh, uh, and I'm going to be uh, uh, working with it in the future. In the meantime, if you'd like to try a, a crack at the first generation, arguably maybe the most broad uh, of the generations so far, uh, take a look, my friends, at uh, Morgana. Uh, I don't know if, like, yeah, you, you couldn't really call this like an F1 or whatever. This is just a V1. Let's call this V1. V1 Morgana, pretty much, if you'd like a crack at V1 Morgana, ladies and gentlemen, take a crack at this right here. That was a very, very bad sentence. I set myself up for some, some kind of a great sentence, and then I just did not deliver. <clears throat> But you know what delivers, ladies and gentlemen, the post office if you order Morgana. See, there we go. That was a nice segue. Boom. That was good. Uh, <laughs> pat myself on the back for stupid comments. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, take a look at Lime River Rose. I'm going to wrap this up here in a second. But if you would not mind taking a look at Lime River Rose, I think you're really going to enjoy the lime terps. Uh, I've just been pulling down some of the mom and uh, taking some pictures of uh, Kaffir lime. It's been a while since I've had a chance to grow her. And oh my goodness, I'm really, really fond of it. Uh, a really, really, really distinct lime popsicle. Just great growth pattern. Just greasy as fuck. I fucking love it. Such a, such a, such a a good high too like thumping strong but giggly so i just i really love that like the mom combination the kaffir lime basically if you guys can see right here essentially the lime river rose i probably don't talk about that enough it's kaffir lime by ruby jack f2 the ruby jack f2 is the same father basically that i crossed everything else so far that you guys know about morgana and black prince ruby and thousand one nights and dread persephone you name it even silag of the bat they all have the same father but the mom on this is unique. Uh, that Kaffir Lime uh, was uh, black, well, it is uh, Black Lime Reserve by Jack the Ripper. The Black Lime Reserve was actually from, at the time, Aficionado, I think. It's actually from Mean Gene, but I believe it was borrowed from Aficionado uh, by Subcool. And then, of course, the Jack the Ripper was from Subcool, and they cracked that together. And that was a beautiful, beautiful combination. I think it pulled out all the best parts of the lime with a goofy, giggly, just happy high from that Jack the Ripper. And, kept it thumpingly strong and anyway I'm, I'm really really a big fan of the the mom i think the uh i haven't had a chance to grow the lime river rose but i've heard such lovely things from this is a tester by the way right here uh such lovely things from uh customers actually all these pictures are customers because actually i haven't had a chance to grow lime river rose so pretty much all these pictures you see here unlike most of my uh strains a lot of times have uh, pictures from me these are all basically pictures from like steelbird and who else uh i don't think i have any pictures from west engine up here but uh uh, Kevin uh, over there in Michigan, who else? A couple other folks. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, thank you, by the way, for the tester picks. I really appreciate that. Wrap this up. Uh, don't want you guys to, to get bored of the website, but if you wouldn't mind, take a look. And uh, don't forget, of course, contact page. If you guys ever need to uh, email me, for example, if you have a show idea or if you'd like to ask a question. or Honestly, lately I've been telling people, oh, now that I think about it, I actually have to respond to a couple people. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm backlogged on a couple people that did send me some good responses for trades. But in the meantime, uh, if you guys would like to make some uh, genetic trades, I'm interested. Please do not be offended if I don't immediately jump on the trade because I, I, I have limited space. I don't grow in Oklahoma, so I can't pop 10,000 seeds. I would love to. That'd be wonderful if I could pop every seed that I get. But if I think that I can't pop it in the near future, I'm somewhat unlikely to take it. I have to be honest. So uh, there's just only a limited amount of time. But, you know, I'm also willing to trade clones and stuff like that. So ladies and gentlemen, uh, if you are interested in trading me something, I'd be more than happy to discuss it. Fumador at chronictable.com. And of course, the rest of the links are right there, ladies and gentlemen. 
Take a look and uh, use the coupon code BRAINS with a Z, B-R-A-I-N-Z, for 14% off. And uh, in the meantime, we get to know why we say BRAINS. D, are the BRAINS fresh? Welcome, my friend. Uh, cheers. What's I going on? I off guard. <laughs> He's like, dang it, I got to press the BRAINS button. Yeah, yeah. Right. BRAINS. Nice. Brain. Cheers, buddy. What's going on? Uh... I got pink tuna tonight, and then nice. I got still got some TK cross. That's what he said. Which is pretty dope. Um, Garden's doing good. Uh, I don't know. I guess that's about it for now. Nice man. Here. That's sure, dude. Uh, I forgot to pin the message earlier, but now it's pinned, ladies and gentlemen. So you are welcome to uh, hop on here. Again, guest rules apply. If you've been on the show before, you're welcome to hop on. If you have not been on the show before, uh, please take a, a break a little bit until, uh, you know, until uh, maybe Brendan will hang out the entire evening. But uh, at some point, maybe we'll be like, oh, okay, you know, folks are welcome to hop on. But in the meantime, let's let him uh, uh, talk his, his piece and stuff like that. Uh, welcome, my friends. Uh, welcome, T-Ban, Tortellini, who else have I missed here? Uh, uh, George Grow guy, welcome. Yeah, uh, rest in peace, Gilbert Godfrey. That was kind of a surprise today. Uh, yeah. We've lost kind of a few comedians this year, like uh, Norm Macdonald. Uh, well, in the last, I guess, calendar year or something. Uh, who else? Um, Bob Saget just recently. A few other people. None of them made it to seventy. Kind of crazy. Like I guess their their lives are tough. You know what I mean? Like they 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 tour a lot. Frankly, they do a lot of drugs. Not everybody. Have, I don't know if you know all of them did a lot of drugs, but. That's the stereotype that a lot of comics do a lot of drugs kind of to, to stay on the road. And, and, and I don't know, it's a rough lifestyle. Let's just put it that way. And I think it catches up to them. It's fucking sad. But anyway, Smash, what's going on, buddy? Uh, before we get back to Brendan, uh, what's a good word, buddy? What's up? Uh, um, shit, man, we're just hanging out. I uh, flipped a flower, got two giant fucking apple fritters with the motto flowers going. One, yes, man. One, one's about to come down, a couple are flowering. Um, two. Oh, I put up the new, I put up the strong net. Yeah, second strong net today. I watered. That's about it. Uh, I've been smoking the same. I have like four nubs of this uh, Bubba Cook Blueberry OG left, the one I really like. And then I have a couple nubs of uh, the kryptonite up here. So that's what I'll be smoking. Huh? I'll probably take a dab of some hurricane. So yeah, I too. farm. Uh, speaking of having the last of something, this is some of the very last of the sour Morgana that I had. I was keeping it. I was like, fuck, I got to ration this shit, but I've got some basically coming down so I could finally freaking smoke a little bit more of it. But man, I love this freaking, look how gangly and you know, this freaking scraggly. I love how wild it is. Anyway, it's so fucking good. You hold that anyway, up again? uh, pardon D? You hold that up again? Oh, sure. You can quite see it. Just, kind of an older nug, so it's not as green. But yeah, look how wild it is. <laughs> Love it. Sour cherries and fucking awesome giggles. Uh, you know what? Let's say hello real quick to uh, Charlie's Farm, and then we'll get into the, the interview. Uh, I think he might be setting up still. Hey. He's like, uh, walking around. What's going on, Charlie's Farm? Yeah, I'm the one that I always show. Yeah. And then I'm going to head back, take a plant down, and then head back home. Go right on, man. To the other garden. I have the new one. We have the money. And take a look at that one. Well, and Cheers. I hope everybody's doing well. It's good to see everybody. Oh, man. Can't wait Welcome. to hear, uh, hear the uh, Spectrum King specs. Yeah, man. Cheers, <laughs> right Welcome, Charlie. Nice to see you, dude. 
So uh, speaking of Spectrum King, King conveniently, uh, we have uh, Brendan from Spectrum King here. We don't have to guess. Uh, welcome. Uh, uh, what's the good word, buddy? Uh, what's the, I don't know, what's new? What's new in the word of uh, world of grow? What's, uh, what's the good word? Is it uh, bright and shiny out? There's more than just one, luckily. Uh, we launched another new line of lights and the, the Phoenix line we're referring to it as. Uh, the Phoenix 680 has the highest performance in its weight class. It's got our patented spectrum with more intensity per watt. And also what we did, what we did eight years ago, if you remember our company, we changed the industry. When people were charging 3000 bucks for light, we came out with one that was better for 1279 that kind of changed the game and brought things this way. We were just talking about that on the show, man. Seriously, like uh, that's honestly one of the best freaking things that we could delve into right in the very beginning here. So well, if you did make such a big difference, like we were talking the other day about the gigantic difference in lights and there's wait, always, you know, Smash was talking down. about... I guess go down a little bit. All, we don't have to bring up maybe the names or something, but you know, there's a couple of companies out there that everyone's like, oh, that's super interesting, blah, blah, blah. But the lights cost like $2,500 or $3,000 still to this day. That was a big deal. What sets you, yeah, what what allows you guys to, or how do I say this? Is it a company philosophy? Like, what, how do you guys manage to come in below that and still apparently have a good reputation for quality? I mean, I've seen your lights basically get rained on. Uh, like, how, how are you able to do that where some of these other companies kind of are still up there at 3000 bucks or whatever? Well, um, the, the simplest of terms would be they're, they're just blatantly fucking greedy and disrespectful to the growing public. We're not, we're growers for growers. So my, whenever I would get in with the guys and we get into a little discussion about it, I'm like, listen, we want to make tools that people can use that make sense. You know, think about it. Eight years ago, people were paying sometimes $10 a watt. So if you had a 300 watt light, it was $3,000. We were like, that's that. We're going to give you a 450 watt light for 1279, which was crazy back then. And then what we did this time, we switched it one more time. We're now selling the latest and greatest for a dollar a watt. So our, our mm. Phoenix 680 retails at a 679. Mm. So we just completely changed the game again. More performance, better warranty, better materials, and they cost less. You've always been kind of unapologetically like, uh, like you guys don't take bullshit. You don't bullshit. Like here you are basically just kind of. I don't know. I mean, you're a little bit, you guys, you guys have always been a little bit aggressive with the competition, right? You guys, you're always kind of like, how do I say this? Uh, I mean, I don't know if you have, if you have the biggest, baddest car in the yard, you're going to basically drive it up and kind of rev the engine, I guess. Right. Like, how do I say this? You guys have never really been bashful about kind of just uh, rubbing the lights in people's faces. We don't come back down from comparative analysis, analysis, whether it's truthful or otherwise, we're not going to back down because we know we have a better gadget, right? Mm. We bring it up, we show the numbers, and we don't make up our own numbers. That's the thing that a lot of other companies are still trying to pull off, mm. is that they publish these numbers, which are impossible. Like perfect world scenario in a lab for three seconds doesn't mean that's what you're going to get. Right. You know? So we sign our stuff off to third-party labs, and they come back with, this is what your stuff does according to us. We go, okay, that's what we're going to show you, because mm. that's what you're going to get in real-world scenario. Has anyone, I mean, how do I say this? I'm not a big fan of Amazon. I'm always talking about this. But when you do go to Amazon, because everyone fucking goes to Amazon at some point, right? They're like the freaking devil. Uh, but uh, everyone goes there. There's an epic epidemic these days. When you search up something, basically, you'll find, let's say, your legitimate thing. Sometimes you have to struggle, though, because the first 10 listings will be things that are very much like that thing and have wonderful, ideal, perfect right. specs in a perfect world. You guys can't go through the closet. Mom. Oh, you're having a meeting. even worse for us um, because... Um, we're Spectrum King LED and always have been. And some 
a Chinese company put themselves up on Amazon as King Spectrum. And I was getting these calls. Man, your light broke. Your light broke. I go, where'd you get it? I bought off Amazon. We don't sell lights on Amazon. Was a reason because of all that stuff that you just mentioned. It was right. like, listen, that's a dirty game. We're we're not going to play it. Right. Right. We sell directly to you or to shops that are fair with people, so that you're not dealing with a bunch of crap. Hmm. So these people were calling in with these bad lights, and they were calling us because Amazon told them to call us. No kidding. Is even Amazon mixed the company names up? Wow. You're like. We are Spectrum King LED, an American company in Los right. Angeles, California. Not this. We don't make this product. So I had to get on the phone about 10 times with Amazon people and say, are you in front of a computer? Of course they are. With tech support on a computer. I said, will you please open up this website? Please bring up that customer's order. Look at what the customer bought, where it was made, and look at our stuff. Do you see right. that product there? No, because we don't make it. And then they finally stopped doing it. But it took us a few years to get them to understand we're Spectrum King, we're an American company. Yeah. <laughs> so and how do I, it's a, a great example. Like, How could that light, just even theoretically, how could that light that you got from, like they didn't get the name wrong, how could that light possibly be expected to be halfway decent? Like not, not obviously we're not talking about your light, but the freaking ripoff light. Like you it's know what it is. ideal character. Go ahead. Here's a thing you can do that people don't know about LEDs. Let's just say, we have certain output. We claim it, we advertise it, but we, but we guarantee it. for The new lights, we guarantee it for 60,000 hours. Other people will guarantee maybe 36,000, maybe get 50. We guarantee 60. So if you're going 12, 12, you know, you're looking at a decade of nothing to worry about. The light right. is not going to give you any problems. But what these companies do is they buy materials, they push them to, to 110%. When you first turn on, it's really bright. But it goes off the cliff quickly, degrades rather fast. You know, in a few months, you could have 50% of your original output. You're like, wait, that doesn't look right. And I would have people call me and ask me about it. And guys would say, no, this land, this one's cheaper. I go, go ahead. Yeah. And then they can testify to the fact that this, this is something that I think a lot of people were afraid of in the past that LED lights will degrade over time. And I guess, how do I say this? A few years ago, a lot of us kind of took it on faith that that's not going to happen. I mean, LEDs were not new technology. So, for example, I knew like, okay, these companies, the, some of the legit companies are telling the truth. But I can say from experience, like I have a couple, one of your competitors, but one of the better competitors that I think you'd be like, oh, okay, yeah, I can respect that one light. Uh, I have a couple, a few of those those lights. They have not dimmed for in any perceivable way. You know what I mean? And I can see that from metrics. I can't, I don't just have to guess and see with my imperfect human eye uh, uh, what the story is. Like my metrics are still the same basically over time. You know what I mean? So that, me, that tells me that my lights have not degraded. Go ahead. Basic meter, you know, like even if it's a lux meter, you know, lumen meter, I, I don't care because you want, you want a measurement oh, whatever yeah, you're the perfect. and you want it to be consistent over time. You know, just you same distance, you get that that same output of your fixture, you know it's going right for you. A fixture that's made, that's being pushed too hard, driven too hard, it's gonna be bright, it's gonna, it's gonna degrade much faster. Your curve is expanded. So um, company stuff you get, you're gonna to wanna to look for Q90, not L90. That means, L90 means lumen maintenance is 90%. So 10% of your light's lost, but that's what we see. Plants see differently than we do. We go with Q90, right. quality of light your fixture's giving off, you're still going to have 90% or better five years from now. No problem at all. Interesting. Um, Brendan, I was actually looking at something like a quantum, like what par meter, something like this. Is that 
something that would could be beneficial in the garden to like actually check the efficiencies of these LEDs to see when they are starting to degrade. And I'm sorry, my cats are fucking with my dog. No worries, no. But how you would see if that's a good one you put there, by the way, Smash. How you would see if it's efficient, you take the reading of the fixture, right? And you divide it by the amount of power it's using. There's your truth right there. If your meter tells you a number and you divide that number by the by you put a kilowatt meter on your, your fixture in, a, in, in your outlet and you read yep. it's this many watts, you divide this by that and that's your efficiency. There's that, you can't hide. It's that simple. And people will give you this, you know, sciencey talk and all these things, but that's what the quality of light efficiency is. It's how much density of photons you get per watt that you consume. So if you have a high efficiency fixture, that number, you'll see the U moles per J, micromoles per joule. You'll see, hopefully it's over 2.5, but ours is at 2.75, which is pretty much the best in its weight class. That's third-party lab verified, not some guy says numbers. And the, What's, what is it, uh, I was just wondering the testing, because I know a lot of these companies use the, 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 the sphere uh, testing. Which the sphere, yeah, be more be more uh, clear. It's not, a, not the whole audience doesn't know. So it's uh, you put your light in it and you test your and you test it. It's like a sphere. I'll pull it up as a picture. I don't. I don't know how to. Brendan, you can probably explain it better than I can. It's a ganiosphere. How you spell? It is a zone that goes in. You, you put your fixture in it. It measures the total light it sees in its meter. Its meter is measuring. Typically, these labs still measure four hundred to seven hundred nanometers, which happens to be the visible spectrum of what PAR is based on as well. We send our stuff to a lab that measures what it, plants actually see. So you get the full range of light that plants see. And that you'll see numbers, your PPF, and you'll see your BPF. Your BPF means the quantity of light that you're getting from the range that plants actually use, which is a larger spectrum, more like 350 to 800, not 400 to 700, which is what the standard's been for decades. How do you spell it? G-O-N-I. G-O-N-I. Oh, it's here. Like he's trying to bring up the device. There we go. No, that's oh, somebody. Yeah, that, that, see, that's it right there. On the right, that picture, that's it, opened up, that's it, yes. So some folks basically don't use these to measure. What is the difference uh, qualitatively for, let's say, uh, If you have a, a meter, you have, okay, you have two numbers. You have your total output of a fixture, right? Then you have a specific number you get at a specific distance from your plants. That's why you say people say it's got to be 36 inches from the canopy. That means you're taking your readings at three feet, 36 inches from the fixture, and you check to see if it's even around. That's the way you know your throw is good. But if you know every grower that's really dialed in with the strains they like, they kind of have. It, it might be they might do theirs at 32 inches, but they have their temperature here and their humidity there and their newts this way. So it's it's special sauce. But the light quality that we give off is specific to what the best results of cannabis are. And that's from all of us being growers and, you know, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of growing. And, well, and isn't using the sphere kind of, not I wouldn't say cheating, but like giving that number out, it's not, that light's never going to be that efficient again unless you put it back into a sphere. No, no, you're, 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 mis you're misinterpreting what efficiency is. That number is the overall output of the fixture, right? 
So like this one here, it says 1870 on the PPF, right? So that's it's, it's overall output. I can get a higher number than if I get too close to the light. See, but you want to measure where your plants are going to be. And that's the way we do things to where we, you're getting that number. Now, for example, you could always turn it down if it's too much light or you raise the light up a few more inches to, to lower your reading at the plant canopy. So you want to measure always where your best buds are. And if you strains are different, you have a mixture and then you're kind of juggling. Like I had one friend that would put one of his favorite strains up on a block in his tent because it was always going to be shorter and bushier. And then when you brought it up, it was getting more light and it would be the same height of his OGs, which were stretching a bit more. You know, if you're doing a home tent like that, there's all these tricks, but the quality of spectrum, we got that dialed in. It can, it comes down to the intensity needed for the strains you're growing with is what the distance. So does playing with the spectrum have, would it matter? Like I've always wanted to do something where like, because like, if you know the sun, when it comes up, there's, it puts a different spectrum off than peak day than when it goes to sleep. I was wondering if you ever like mimicked that indoors. Is it worth it or, or do you think it? Can it be done? Yes. So are people doing it? Yes. The problem is it's, it's, it's ridiculously expensive because you need multiple channels with blends of diodes that blend in different ratios as the time of day changes. We okay. measured the time of day with the spectrum how we got it. This really complex thing that a bunch of stoners did was we looked at the sun looked at our plants, the time of day outdoors, and recognized what time of day the plants look best, that were happiest, were most awake, and really going for it. And we said, that's what we got to make, because we want our plants to be going like that all the that time. That seems pretty logical, right? Like, you don't really yeah. care. The plants are not really growing in the morning. They're not really growing in the evening. They're basically growing kind of in the midday or a couple actually, times in the midday the most. What? Actually, no. And here's the irony. The, the, the bookends of your daylight, daytime, the, free, the bandwidths of light that come out trigger them to wake up or go to sleep, okay? Now, they wake up, and they take about two hours to get really busy going in the outdoor environment. So you're, you're already now, you're at maybe 9 o'clock, you know, depending on where you are in the world. Then they really get going 9.30 to about 11.30. And as noon comes around, the sun's up highest. That's when the most blue light is coming through, okay, in the spectrum. So you have that, the... Uh, the, the coolest temperature of the day is at noon, as far as color spectrum measurement goes. And if you would go to your outdoor garden at noon, you'll notice there's no insects around. Specifically at that time of day, the plants are taking a break. They're taking a siesta because that color of bandwidth of light lets them relax because the bugs go away. And as the reds come back and the afternoon kicks back in, most predatory insects see in infrared and UV. So they're really aggressive in sunrise and sunset. That's when the most of those two bandwidths are available. So knowing when the sweet spot was, we just made it to where your plants are going for it when you wake them up. And if you so the sweet them, spot is, uh, I guess I'm not following, the sweet spot is what time of the day, roughly? There's two times a day. UV, right? You got your basically 9.30 to 11.30, and then you're like, gotcha. really, 2.30 to 4.30 kind of thing. Yeah. Of course. You know? So what I was reading... Close to the it, same. It, Hold on. Don't, don't talk over, please. Go ahead. Go so ahead, Brendan. You're starting at you know, your, your extreme reds and purple. Right? Then it comes, then it's getting bluish as the sun comes up, right? And then it's getting reddish, orange, reddish, orange, yellow. And it starts turning in the middle of the day. It goes back to bluish. And then as the day goes on, it starts getting more orange, yellow, and redder, and then more orangey, and then it goes back to the other end. So the, just by studying plants, even if it was other flowering plants, 
they're really awake and alert pushing at those specific times of day when the bandwidths are in their flowering range. If the plants are vegging, they're perfectly happy at sunrise at noon, more so at noon, right? And if you think of the angle of the sun and, and the atmosphere. So it's more right. relevant at flowering cycles than it is during uh, vegetative cycles. Well, on our flowering lights, yes. In our veg lights, we did what's best for veg, what intensities and spectral bandwidths are best for veg. Which is and what, for example, based on. Based actually, on more like closer to the midday sun, but the so, intensity. Yeah, a little bit less. I'm, I've been reading for a long time that 11 to like 2.30 to like 3.30 is when you're like peak UV and like the peak of the day is when your plants are really uptaking everything. Actually, if you look at them, at, at, if you went to your plants at, at noon, they won't be like this. They'll be like that. So take, it, it, they slow down a little bit. They really push more in the later part of that time slot you mentioned. More like okay. They really push okay. more. That's what I was trying to get to. I would have forgotten if I didn't. <laughs> oh, no worries, man. Again, uh, you know, I, I, I get stuck in this stuff because I'm so emphatic about it. So I, I never stop learning more. If something new comes out, I'm reading it. I'm like, oh, no, I know this shit. I don't no, know tell, us, tell us more about this or tell us more about your thinking. Because honestly, I haven't really thought of it. It's a very logical way to look at it. Because how do I say this? You always hear about people kind of hypothetically. And how do I say this? I think this is where you get these kind of buzzwords. I was just watching... Uh, Another great YouTuber, uh, uh, MKBHD, he was talking about electric cars and how they're kind of always, a lot of times, this vaporware, basically. It's very easy to uh, build one. It's very easy to uh, uh, kind of, you know, get money for it, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, hardly anyone is actually making the freaking factories. So uh, it, uh, you hear constantly about people kind of doing this vaporware of, well, we can tune your spectrum. We can do anything. We can do plasma lighting. We can, we can make it like the surface of Venus if we want to. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> no one ever asks you why you would fucking do that, basically, to be honest. Go ahead, Brennan. People do those things because they have hunches or what they mm. suffer from the buddy says syndrome. Somebody right, says, right. hey, you should do this. This is what I'm going to do. You know, oh, I need this. I'm going to try this. Did your company make that? And I go, I always ask, well, what are you trying to do? What's your specific intent? I want, well, we already got, we already done, did that homework. If you want to do it again, you know, you can make it whatever you want. You know, it's custom built light is not cheap because we're good. You know, it's a small quantity and a lot more stuff's involved. So we, we kind of frown on doing that these days, but we've done all the homework and the tests and I stay on top of current science to make sure I didn't miss anything, you know, because there's just think of it this way. 15 years ago, an LED light, LEDs or they did the generations go was 15, 18 months. It's the next generation of diodes. Hmm. So that's like 30 generations of humans have happened in the past decade or so that you get to the point where there's, there's so much better now. And the volumes up there that I can now make you a much, much, much better fixture at a much, much better price because the it's getting larger scale production of parts. We can bring them to you cheaper. It's when you're making small batches of things that the prices are crazy, you know, because you can't, there's no economy of scale. Well, yeah, bulk order is always going right. to be cheaper. Yeah, you price if you order an F-ton, I'd rather if you order one, you know what I mean? It's just the way things are. So do you think UV has its, like, where does UV have its place? Like, cause I, I've been like, okay. that's something I've wanted to add into my spectrum a little bit, but I've okay. always been apprehensive of the bulbs and I've like, I've always thought the LED UVs, but people say they're not worth the shit. Well, hold on. Um, if you're, first of all, as far as, if you want to get something, a UV LED diode, specifically only UV diodes, it's only the past year that ones that I didn't think are good enough to put out in a mass-produced item have been made. 
They're okay. suicidal. They're homicidal. They cook themselves because the UV yeah. light actually eats their own substrate. But the thing about UV light is you don't need a lot of it, and it doesn't need to be on all the time. You're triggering a systemic response in the plants. You're triggering the plant to make more secondary metabolites, aka protect itself, which to us is trichomes more THC. So yes, we want to trick them to producing more, but there's a fine line. You only need, you know, really a couple percent of your overall output of light to be UV to trigger a systemic response. And you could hit a plant over here. And even if you're not touching the other side of that plant, this side here is gonna trigger the whole damn plant to produce that result you're going for. So I'll tell people I had a recipe, it's real simple. Whether I was using an LED fixture or even a damn reptile UV bulb, I would have it on 10, 15 minutes every other hour. You know, cause it's not gonna last as long anyway. And you don't need it all the time. You wanna trigger the plant to induce a systemic response. So I could put it on over here, I could move it around like back in the day, move it around a little bit. And if I lab tested one tent without it and one tent with it, the tent with it always was a little bit better, a little bit more, you know, not just more THC, but just a little bit more flavor depth in the profile. You know, it does induce, okay. you know, secondary metabolites. It does happen. But if you put too much of it, you will F up the DNA of your plant and screw up your whole harvest. You'll get plants that'll do all kinds of things, look like they have rheumatoid arthritis. UV can do serious damage once you break over a dose. It's really light. You don't need a lot. We've always had a little bit in our lights, enough to trigger trichome production without damaging plants. But back in the okay. day, in the beginning of when LEDs came out, no labs measured that. So we could get away with stuff because they weren't measuring it. They only measured 400 to 700 and UV speed below 400. So we've had that a couple was, questions come up. Oh, good. Excuse me. Oh, I'm just going to say that was such a crazy freaking uh, coot likes to say, welcome, pal, uh, a canard. You know, just like a fucking uh, a big fat duck, basically, in, in uh, uh, LEDs. How do I say this? Like uh, the, oh, the uh, McCree curve or whatever they called it. The McCree like curve. one NASA test from like the 1970s or whatever to, to grow. 1973, yeah. Right? To grow weed in space or not to grow plants in space or whatever. And based on that, all these LED companies created all these, you know, purple lights. So right? The McCree curve is accurate. Okay. They didn't base their stuff on the McCree curve. What they did is when they, by used, measuring the spectrum of the McCree curve, they noticed that in there, here's this whole spectrum, right? And they had red and blue. And they said, well, chlorophyll A and chlorophyll B production in plants are only with red and blue. So we're just going to make red and blue only. And that should do everything. Now, just like if you had a grandmother and you go up in the East Coast and made a good sauce, you know there's not only two ingredients in a good sauce. You know, you have to have the rest of the stuff to get the full effect. And because the NASA paper just put out red and blue, the blurples, as, we, as people refer to more, I call them the Spider-Man lights from, that are still being made by some companies, believe it or not. But we knew that wasn't going to do what needed to be done for plants. Why? Because we tried it we, we, and we measured stuff and we did things. And, you know, Rami was doing these things 10, 15 years ago when I knew him before anyone knew what LEDs were, were going on. Um, the, the whole idea, what I would put in his face was, I want to make something which actually works. And I want to get a little kid. I want to yank the show. I go, see that thing up there? That thing? We know that thing works. So we should be modeling whatever we're doing after that thing, meaning the yep. sun. You know? And it comes down to bandwidths of light and intensity. And as the old grower adage means, intensity gets density. You know? So if I have the int right intensity and the right spectrum, I get better results for my plants. Can you talk a little bit too about like UVA and B? Uh, yeah. Which ones help the plant? Which ways? Um, plants use some UVA and UVB. I had someone buy a UVC light. I'm like, please don't put that anywhere near your plants. 
that's going to kill everything because that's what UVC light does kills everything. It's so, like a yeah, it's like a cleaning agent more or less. Sterilizer, right? It's going to whack whatever goes under it. Yeah, but so okay. they use yeah. a little bit of UVA and UVB, and if you think of it this way. The closer to the sun you are, the more intense the light is, okay? The higher up in the mountains you are with your indicas, the more intense the salt. They get less hours a day of it, but it's, it's really blasting when they get it. And there's also more of the UV in things. So that's why you would get some of those colors in your, in your indicas, because they, from the altitude, they were... It's a great point, that. isn't it? Like uh, anybody that goes hiking or something in the mountains, uh, I'm not a mountain climber, but you know, I've certainly mm -hmm. been hiking, you get sunburned super easy when you get up in altitude. Right? Yeah, you, you'll mm -hmm. feel it. It's nice and cool. Yeah, yeah, you get scorched. Especially Harder to breathe, too. Like the oxygen, like everything's a little bit different higher in altitude. I, I actually prefer high altitude, but I'm weird that way. Really? I, I'm always, I'm at sea level pretty much. <laughs> Everybody's different. Uh, how do I say this? Uh, we had a thought earlier. I guess we're meandering around the point, but I'm, I'm really enjoying the the kind of uh, uh, unconventional discussion that we're having a little bit about LED uh, LED lights. So we've talked about a, a lot, kind of just in the conversations here. You know, without having an LED expert on the show, we've talked about. You know, Smash had us had some ideas about uh, tunable spectrums. People will come up all the time about uh, plasma lights. On and on and on. Um, those things uh, where am I getting to? Like, go. I had this thought basically. You were saying that, uh, what was the expression that you just said? Uh, uh, intensity equals density. So, okay, roll with me for a second here. I was trying to kind of uh, uh, understand the quality of light, spectrum of light, and stuff that we use, and trying to kind of, you know, just understand it in my head. And I was also kind of trying to explain it to the chat. I don't know, at the same time, I was not a good combination trying to understand and explain, but still. I was trying to compare it to like photography flash, basically, or photography light. And the best photography flash, you can buy cheap flashes, but they yeah. will be quite inconsistent. And you'll get actually a variety of different pictures. In this case, you won't get a variety of different output densities or yields, but you'll get a variety of different pictures, which actually becomes very oh. difficult to edit consistently. So oh, the skin tone, for example, one time, orange another time. Consistent. And also, if the not only is the light bandwidth you see different in a cheap part like that, they, they, they change. Your intensity is going to go down. So right. what was great when you open the box and plugged it in doesn't mean it's going to be great three months, six months, a year, two years, five years down the line. We did the homework to make sure that when you plug it in, you have 60,000 hours of operation before you have to worry about any of that shit. Yeah, that's pretty dope. When I get my stuff in place, I call it set and forget it. I want to get that thing up there, get them on, and get under it, get to work. Mm -hmm. I don't want to keep wasting time guessing what's going on over my head. I'll check it. You know, I always get a check. I'm like, cool. You know, and now you can get an app on your phone. I mean, I found this free free download. It's oh, yeah. easier. And I'll just I'll bring it up. It'll probably be hard to see my blindness. So yeah, actually, some of, that's one of the questions we had. Uh, is any of the phone apps worth it here? This thing here, I'll bring up the camera. Probably won't show. It's too bright, mm -hmm. but it's called PPFD meter, mm -hmm. and I put it up against our thirty five hundred dollar meter and a couple other you know intermediate meters, and. Uh, Pretty damn close, you know. A few percentage points difference, nothing like crazy. Get an idea work. though. But that's because the CMOS sensor in new cell phones gets such great photo quality that it can see those bandwidths and measure them. So it actually makes sense that you, the mass-produced tiny thing, granted, your cell phone doesn't like super bright light in its face all the time. So don't you spend all day every day blasting your phone's CMOS sensor? You're going to cook it, in your, but it does measure. Pretty damn accurately, and you can calibrate it. 
Oh, it might be uh, Google yeah. only. What what uh, company is it? Home Studio? Aha, Google. Downloading it right now. Android Master Race. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. it right there. That's yeah, yeah the meter you got right there. On, uh, if you guys know, if you guys uh, uh, have a link to the uh, iTunes store, I'd be appreciated. That what is there one? Uh, I don't know. You know that dude Negro that does all the testing for lights and shit. He said that there was an iPhone app that was worth it. Where yeah, there's probably is one. I'm not an iPhone person, so I don't know the app. You know, but I'm sure if you just type in PPFD in, in, in the ice, you're going to find it. You know, there you in go. The Apple Store. And yeah. that and he, he just Steve just brought one up like pretty quickly. Photone Grow Light Meter app. So yeah, there, you can find one for iPhone too. Nice. You, you know, it, even okay. Let's put it this way. Let's say you get a brand new light, and you got your iPhone. And on your iPhone, it measures this number. Well, if three months later at the end of your harvest, you check again with that same phone, it measures the same number. Well, your your point of reference is your own phone. So most likely it's fine. Your, as long as you measure the exact the same distance in the same spot, you'll get the, you should get the same reading. If you don't, then you would question it. You know, you maybe take a look, uh, maybe something's up with this thing. But if you check a kilowatt meter, is it consuming the same power? It's been on for the same amount of time. You should get the same reading of light. With our fixture, you'll get the same reading for five, 10 years. Brennan, uh, is there a difference? I mean, I, I remember watching your guys' videos years ago <clears throat> where you did side-by-side grows with like HPSs and LEDs and your LEDs and other people's companies' LEDs and whatever. Is there fundamentally like that you have seen a... Uh, uh, okay, so the second question is going to be, why do people think uh, that you can grow better weed. I always say, oh, I can grow better, prettier weed with CMH. That's my you know prejudice. I'm always saying, oh, I can grow a little bit. I can grow better yield with LED, but slightly prettier uh, weed with CMH. That's probably not true. And I realize that that's probably not true, but at least in my experience, that's been true. So I guess in the first question is, is there a difference in any of those grow styles really? Go ahead, sorry. If you've been growing under HPS and you switch to CMH, right, you're going to get the same type of heat production, your, your, your environment is not going to change. But if you are HBS guy and now you switch over to LED, you have to change the environment to succeed with a new tool. You can't leave it at what was before. You'll, you'll get a shit yield. You get pretty buzzed. And why is that? Because there's specific environmental conditions you got to use to go with LED. Why is it different? Because HPS and CMHs give off so much infrared light, which we can't see. That's pure heat. So you have your room set to throwing a number in the air, 76 degrees to go under those fixtures. But if you took a, a leaf surface temperature thermometer, you measure the, your plant thinks it's hotter than that. So what I always tell people, if you're coming over from, from a bulb fixture of any type to an LED, go to your best looking bud in light flower and measure the actual temperature the bud thinks it is. Not what you think it is, not what your damn thing on the wall says. Right smack in the middle, big bud, what does it say? And half the time, the guys tell me it's 83, it's 85, it's 88 degrees. So under LED, I tell, well, it's your LED top. Your plan is 85 degrees to match that. It's not hot enough in here. We're not giving off extra infrared to burn your plant. So we actually need natural heat for it to absorb like it would with sunlight. We're not cooking Makes sense. Yeah, makes sense. Your VPD, you want to keep the leaves between 86 and 88 degrees Fahrenheit, ideally. Well, it's in veg, more so. Well, yeah. And then maybe slightly lower than that in flower. 
But because how do I say this? Like uh, I realize I'm being a little bit prejudiced uh, against uh, uh, LEDs. Because how do I say this? You know, when I say oh, I can get a better color or whatever, like I've seen plenty of nice color from uh, LED grows. Like uh, how do I say it? Oh, I can't think of one right now. But there's a bunch of LED growers on Instagram that do beautiful work. You get beautiful purples and everything else. Like that's not an issue. Um, You're gonna get more trichomes always with LED, even if you use it wrong, for the simplest reason is that because our fixtures don't give off all that excess infrared, we're not cooking trichomes. Whereas under HPS, you're always cooking trichomes. So you're always gonna have a little bit less terpenes and a little bit less THC than a good LED did. One of our, we did that episode too with um, you guys again, a side by side with the uh, Fish Ganja guy did that. Yeah. And the other one had infrared lights and UV lights on it versus the Spectrum King, same wattage, it was 400 watts versus 400 watts. And the there was a, both it had a similar expression because the nutrients were the same. It was the same cut from the same mom, but the SK had it was like almost three percent higher THC, and the other one had three percent lower THC but two percent higher CBN because it was heating those trichome heads. Interesting. And you could see that in it's the comparison. It's actually converting into yeah. colorful change. If you get really like your super close up photos, you get a really good trichomes. You'd be the perfect guy for that test because you would actually see the color differences. Mm. It's minute, you know, it's minute. You have to look, but you would see. And then when you lab test it, bam, there it is. There's there's a definite difference. And the full spectrum LED movement was started by Spectrum King. Everyone has copied us. I mean, it's, it's crazy. They went from insulting the living shit of us and tell us we're clowns to now copying everything we make. I remember that. That was really a, a strange time. And I, I remember... <clears throat> Some of the biggest brands, you know, Kind and whatever, that went to the different shows, they would actually make fun of white light. And they would say that it was oh, a yeah. waste of money, a waste of time. Five, six, uh, seven, eight years ago. That's what yeah. all those guys said. Now, where are those companies now? You don't hear about them anymore. Because they didn't get with real and get with the program and what plants, you know. When people saw what our lights were doing versus theirs, it was a very easy choice to make. Our lights cost us and get better results. I'm going to go with that one. You know? It's um, again that kind of vaporware, right? Like, uh, I don't know where those people were sending their lights. Maybe they were just getting investors and never actually delivering lights. Maybe they were just constantly Oh, no, there was a moment, and... time, a moment in time, you know, it's eight years ago up till about five years ago where people drank that Kool-Aid, That's you know, right. and they spent a lot more on marketing. Whoever threw money behind those companies, they had like a $20 million marketing budget. Really? They were like, we're going to show people the truth. Two knuckleheads with a phone, and, and, and you know, that's what we did. You know, we put the put the thing in there. We brought people in, and you don't believe it? Come take a look for yourself. You know, we showed this people. app's actually really good, Brendan. Thank you so much. That's getting people to see the truth and showing them. They're not going to say that's well, that's fake. Well, you're here looking at it. touch, smell. Look, you want to smoke some of it? You know, there's a difference, and. Because of the OCD part of me and, and the other guys, we kept double checking and finding. And I'm, you know, nerd. I have to know what's going on because I have to, my brain's always chasing. Like, want to know, want to know, want to know. So I read white papers. I ask questions. I research stuff. We put practical tries of it. We try new recipes. What about this? If this paper says this, paper says that. If we try this little tweak here, we can make that push to see if this guy's right or this guy's right. You know, and we'll do that homework. And we still come back to the spectrum we came up with all those years ago. We hit a home run and we've improved upon it since. We get more intensity for less power. Hence my coming back to intensity to density. If you're growing a double-ended bulb fixture and you're covering basically a four by six or 24 square feet, right? And you get 
three pounds, you're a happy guy. If I give you a light that uses 680 watts, covers the same area, or basically even a foot more, five by five versus four by six, and you get the same weight, but it tests better, would you be happy mm. if you got, right? So we show people and the maintenance, you know, people don't think about it, but buying a bulb and no one ever does, but you're supposed to replace the reflector insert of those things because the aluminum mm. cooks so much, it becomes brittle and non-reflective after a year. You're supposed to replace the reflector inserts when you change your bulbs, or, you know, on this thing. Well, yeah. that, that takes time. It takes money. You got to take the thing down, you know, you got to let it cool off because it's 600 degrees Fahrenheit when they're on. An LED in a bad day might hit 140. You know, if you have bad airflow, that's you know your LED is heating up. It doesn't like it. But what's a good ambient temperature then for LED? Well, the LED ambient temperature right at the fixture for especially yeah, like, for growing or for the like the, if you were in a touch itself. like if I was in a touch of bulb, right? In theory, it'd be anywhere from 450 to 600 degrees Fahrenheit. If I'm going to touch my LED that's been on a full power, it's going to be warm. It's not going to burn me. The, the driver okay. or power supply might get hotter. And we have units you can mount it on the light or off the light. It's your choice. But we made a bigger heat sink with more fins to help it dissipate heat. But because you have a, an electric fixture which is more efficient, you're getting more light per watt than heat wasted in power burning. So even though engineers measure a watt as a watt as a watt for BTUs for cooling, if you make a more efficient fixture, you're getting more out of it for power it consumes per watt of power. So we can make something. Let me, let me stop you for a moment because actually, actually I think it's a very, un, uh, a very under understood concept. Uh, the idea that an HPS, uh, an LED, a freaking CMH, a CFL bulb for all I care, uh, or a candle, all of those basically are producing the same <laughs> amount of power. A watt is a watt is a watt is a watt. Like, could you, I realize that that's probably really, really, really basic for you, but it, you know, a couple of folks no. are saying, hey, some of this is over my head. So just no, that, 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 that. If you had a fixture, let's say you have a light bulb, right? And a light bulb, you need 60 watts, right? And a 5,000 Kelvin or a 6,500 Kelvin standard off-the-shelf light bulb you're going to grab and throw in a room. Well, if it's a regular light bulb, the filament being heated to produce that light with, the, with the, the phosphorus in it takes 60 watts to give you this much light. Well, you can replace that bulb with an LED fixture that's going to use a fifth, quarter or half that power of a bad one. And it's gonna give you the same amount of light, the same quantity of light with less power use because it's getting more light per watt consumed. It's giving you more light per watt. So if your fixture's well over 90% efficient, which LEDs are, you're getting more light per watt than you would with a bulb, which is maybe 39% efficient to 60% efficient. So your, your, your incredible lot of waste is pure heat, which it's still be to use, right? But if I gave you a fixture with the same wattage as your bulb, it would melt your plants and probably burn your walls. You don't just, it's giving so much more light per watt. You don't need that. If I go outside the best day and I go up in the mountains, I measure the sun with a high end meter. You know, if I hit anywhere near 3000, that's pretty much the max the earth's gonna give. So why would I give you more light than the earth can give to a plant? So with LEDs, we give you what the plant needs and we save you a shit ton of power. And we also give you a fixture which is gonna last many more years where a bulb is degrading from the moment you plug it in. It's just a- And don't day. they need more power than they like to stay too? Like it's a, a thousand watt HPS is actually like 1200 draw? No, well, if 
If you were using the old school core and coil ballast, old school, yeah, it was that it was that inefficient. That was the power supply inefficiency, which is the next step. Driver efficiency in it is what an LED power supply is called versus a ballast, which what a bulb fixture is called. Um, current double-ended bulb fixtures, if it's a thousand watt bulb, you're probably using about a thousand and sixty, thousand and seventy watts of actual power per fixture. If you know some DE fixtures are eleven fifty when you turn them up all the way. That's 1150 at the ball. That's more like 1220 at the wall. So what people found, a lot of DE customers for using for years, they're never going to turn it all the way up because the bulb degrades fast and it changes the spectrum because the bulb in gets hotter. And they found it performs better. If you leave it at a thousand, you can just bring the fixture a little closer enough. With an LED, the beauty is you're never going to get that hot. That heat is what's degrading your, your output over time because you know, it, it still works, but if that heat is 600 degrees Fahrenheit, what you touch, it's way hotter on the inside. Whereas an LED, I could touch it. It's never going to burn me. If I were to open it and not, you know, screw things up and got down to the substrate, that would be, that might, that little tiny microscopic filament you can see in another trace might burn me, but you're never going to touch that and never see it. You know, is you have no risk that way. And then stepping, uh, but wait, there's more to that. That's why we made IP65 rated fixtures which are safe for use in wet and humid environments because we knew we were using them as grow lights. The other thing um, with, with the HPS ballast, if someone has a ham radio or an AM radio, they can find your grow mm -hmm. with a ham radio <laughs> or an AM radio because yep. of the radio interference. Electromagnetic waves, it gives off, yeah. it gives off so much interference that you can trace yeah. it very easily. So if you're trying to be That's on why the a lot of phones fuck up in the room too, right? So, yeah. Yeah. So, so if you're trying to be on the DL, LEDs are the way to go. Yeah, you 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 will not fool your power company. They can measure the the, the return wave off circuits from old school ballast and know what you're doing. Yep. In LA, oh. uh, years yeah, ago, five years ago, they, uh, they retain huh? uh, through all. They have a Citrix database where they can actually go through and they can look up all of your electric usage, even for the day, and the hours, and everything. You're they can look up everything. But what Steve and said is guys drive around in cities with that thing and they just go and they go like this, they write the address down, they radio it in, tell the cops to go kick the door in at the, 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 the and they bust you for that growing and you're out. You know? yeah. They closed like 500 houses in the valley in LA in the past couple of years just by that truck driving around. Well, yeah. well, they do it in the U well, the UK too, they have the same type of stuff. Uh, Australia. They did the Australia? Oh. They, they did two things. They had, they when they did their grid, they put the sensor which measures the type of appliances being used, and they also put sensors in the sewer to measure PPM line. of yep. nutrients for people for the runoff. Yep. So if they didn't get you, oh, electric, they got you with your sewer runoff. Yep. <laughs> really. Um, all right. So let me get these questions real quick off. So ship uh, to the UK. Spectrum uh, King, do you guys ship to the UK? Yeah, we'll ship anywhere. Shipping's brutal right now. But as far as uh, if you're getting our stuff, you could get it from our, uh, we have a distributor in Holland that ships there. If you can go to, I think it's ledparadise.eu is the website. Um, if you can double check that somebody with a computer, I'm not wearing my goggles in front of a computer. I won't do that. Um, it would take me too long and embarrass myself. But <laughs> if I don't have my glasses on, I'm literally going in like this. So the other one was uh, Canada, shipping to Canada. Again, we same, do. Same, same such a thing. 
you know, we had a distributor in town before, but they kept wanting us to push prices up for crazy margins for them. And we're like, no, we want to take care of people. Um, yes, we can ship to Canada, but the nuance with Canada is if you ship there, you have to be your own, you have to have a broker process your border paperwork. So you, you know, you a lot of people use FedEx because they'll do that for you. But if you use any other shipping company, you'd have to have a broker and that could cost a lot. So guys, usually people that buy like a pallet, they don't have a problem with that. But somebody buying a, a one light might get annoyed that you're going to charge an extra 40 or 50 bucks or something to process your paperwork to bring it into Canada. All right. The third one was someone asked, all right, they have a four by four space. What light would he recommend in your lineup? Well, first of all, I would say what height ceiling do you have? What size plants do you typically grow? Because okay. I don't, if, if you're growing, you want to go see a green in a tent and you have a low ceiling, the light we just showed, the, 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 the brand new Phoenix 680 is perfect for that. It's going to cover your whole four by four tent and you can bring it within a foot of your plants and you'll just blast them. You know, you can have three feet of canopy, no problem with it. But if you're growing trees in a big spot, you want a, a point source equivalent and the new Maui's are coming out that are ridiculously bright. Our old 602s did it, the 603, 403, all those lights. I like that one a lot. Hmm. I, I have growers that, that are still showing me pictures of stuff they did on lights we made seven, eight years ago. I love, honestly, the 403 is a killer, man. It's perfect for a 4x4 tent. There's a lot of people running these in greenhouses. Is there greenhouse supplementation lights as well? Hmm. The, six, the 603 is also a lot of that. All right. Uh, 420 Green Goddess. Okay. so. If I want better turps and more trichomes, I should be switching to an LED as opposed to my CMH due to the light spectrum difference. Hold on. Your CMH, is it a 315 or a 630? And what kind of airflow do you have? If, if, if you want to get, you got to get the conditions right for what you're working with, you know, your airflow. If you're in a small tent and, and you know your CMH is going to get hot, you have to have an exhaust fan going and fresh air hopefully being filtered in and circulating around even out your VPDs, you know, microclimates, the roots, you know, the tops are too hot. LED, you're not going to get that heat. You still have to get your VPD and your climate right. So you adjust to the tools you have. Would you get more trichomes with LED? I suspect you would. If under the CMH, you don't have the right airflow, it would, it would damage a bunch of those trichomes. They do have good spectrums, but as far as light output goes, I am not threatened in any way by a CMH. I give so much more light per watt that you could take a 630 and I'll put a four, you know, a 450 watt LED against it and, and I'll go toe-to-toe, -to -toe, no problem. Save you power too. Okay. And the last question, well, I don't know. That's the last one I've seen. Uh, Shen, should I run my LEDs at 100% all the time? How do I determine how far from the plant should I be? In? And I think you're going to go back to saying the app's going to help with that, huh? Well, hold on. No. Um, what strain? Where are you in your growth cycle? What are your objectives? If I don't know what okay. you're growing or what you're doing, I can't answer the question. What am I like being at 100% bench? Hell no. If I'm using one light for my whole cycle, I'm going to have it at 50%, maybe 60% in bench. If I'm doing clones, I'll turn it way to hell down. I look the plants to tell me. I'm looking at those leaves. You know, this strain's happy. It's rocking. It can take a little bit more, right? Oh, now I got them up here. This, this plant's perfect. It likes it this way. This strain doesn't. Well, I shouldn't grow these two guys together because somebody will be unhappy, somebody will be happy. So I try to put strains that are happy together in that intensity. So I might have this row over a specific OG. It might be 
if I'm talking about a 603, it might be 36 inches away. And then one, one row over, I might have some, some hazes. It's going to be 30 inches over. They can take more light. They like more intensity. Okay. They'll eat more. They'll grow faster. They'll finish better. I want to know about the strain and the environment it needs to produce the right intensity for it. You feel just come on. Like, for example, if, if I turn my, my light on, my distance over the canopy is going to change its output as far as the plant's concerned. So if I have it full power and I'm in mid-flower and this strain, I'll have it here, this strain, I'll have it here, this strain, I might have it there. It's, it, I do, it is plant-related. But as a rule of thumb, you're on about 15% for clones, about 50% or so for veg, and you're at 100% early flower all the way through until the last couple of weeks, and you turn down a little bit. If the plants notice a little drop in intensity, just like if you raise your bulb a couple inches, it'll trigger them to finish. I do all that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I run uh, right about 50 to 60 at veg, and then I go up to like 80, 90. And then once I'm in peak flower, I'll just back it to 100 and then drop it down back to 80 once I'm late in flower, I'll drop the temperatures a little bit. Like, like a real senescent. If you were doing, like, if, especially if you're going indicas or indica dominance and you, you, you drop those nighttime temperatures, you'll, those colors will get more vivid. It'll, it'll produce because that's what it's used to. You know, I want to make the environment as right. Again, I come back to the strain. Sorry, I'm harping on it. But if I'm going equatorial sativas, my daytime, nighttime temperatures, my emitting and stuff are all going to be very close. If I'm going to go, if I'm going to bust out some indicas, this flower goes on, my nighttime temperatures are getting colder. And so, and in the last couple of weeks, my daytime temperatures are getting colder and my nighttime a lot colder. And that just, they just, those trichomes pop. The colors, oh. It's so like something I see mistaken a lot is like I use a CMH or a HPS for heat. And I'm like, okay, I understand that. But when the light's off, that's you not producing use it heat. to heat up the room, basically? Yes. That's what well, I hear it a lot. They say they use it for heat in the room or they hold the weather. Yeah, so in Chicago in the wintertime in a basement or in mid-Detroit, I get you need the heat from it. But so the other the other thing too is so like when we grow in greenhouses, especially in Canada or in Colorado, uh, we used to kick our lights on at two or three o'clock in the morning and that would run until dawn uh, to make the day longer for veg. And the other reason why it was again, it, it heats the heats the thing up, but also it's not just about heating the plants up. It's the fact that that water, the aquaponics water is warm going through the root system. And when the plants, when the lights are on, the plant's going to start uptaking a lot more warm water through the root system. So you're kind of heating it up both through the upper part of the plant and the lower part of the plant at the same time and ensuring that if something does go wrong, at least the plants are intaking as much warm water as you can. Well, one of the truths about bulb fixtures, particularly double-ended bulbs, was that they were made for greenhouses in Northern Europe to grow plants in winter. So if you look at a greenhouse and you take a spectroradiometer to measure the quality of light you're getting inside, well, the glazing of a greenhouse blocks all your reds and UV. So you're, 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 the temperature you're getting effectively is something that doesn't exist on earth and you confuse plants. So if you throw a red spectrum type heat fixture up there, you're getting heat, you're also getting what the glass is blocking out coming back. So you're getting a better natural spectrum for your plants to blend between the natural light and that lighted fixture. You're in, in certain environments to extend veg, they would have the lights on longer. Like I know plenty of guys that have them on 18 hours a day. So the sun's out and where they're located, maybe eight hours a day. 
their, their, the bookends, you know, and they have a, a PAR sensor, which when they hit the intensity they want, the lights get turned down and then turned off. In the afternoon, they come back on a bit and go, and then taper off at the end. So they're getting that length of day, you know, the, the DLI, the daily light integral that they need for best optimal growth. Well, what I'm like, what I get confused at is that, like, so you need the light bulb for heat. So, what do you do when you shut your lights off? Because it's got to be such a drastic drop off, you know? In greenhouses, they would use propane cannons to blow hot air in there, you know? Um, I I, use, uh, up in Salinas, California, I met a guy who's had an outside boiler room. And what he did is a smart dude. He didn't put it under his pot, his plants. He put it right over the root zone between the stalks and it's copper tubing with aluminum fins on it. And he's running hot water through it all night. So it could be 25 degrees outside his greenhouse and sometimes with 30, 35, 40 degrees and his plants at the rhizosphere and underneath from the warm air coming up from the copper tubing thinks it's 60. Oh, that's a good fucking idea. I could like do a research system for heat. Well, again, in Florida, you know, they are having all their citrus trees, a couple bad frosts where their guys throwing tents over them and just putting on their, their patio, you know, light eaters, space eaters. They're throwing tents over their trees and keeping them alive so they wouldn't freeze and die so they'd have some harvest. You know, um, people have been doing this for ages. I mean, there's plenty of rose bush farmers been doing this since the Second World War. They knew you can, the plants like a certain range of temperatures. Let's make our environment like that. Reproduce it as I, best we can, you know. And when you study these same kind of plants, like we all do, we all, you know, anybody here can see a, a bunch of weed plants and, and we'll, we may have differing opinions on the effect, but we'll all say that one looks fucking awesome. That one looks good. That one looks like shit because we know what a good plant looks like. You might like colors differently than me or this and that, but a healthy plant, you'll get very few fights between us. What's healthy, what's unhealthy, we'll all point at it too. So we know what we want. We know how to get it to reproduce the right environment for that. Let's just do that. That's why I separate my strains. If these guys like it warmer and colder or whatever, I want to put those guys together with people like them. So that's that room or that whatever room I'm doing is getting those best conditions for those plants right there. And it might just be a couple degrees difference, might be more intensity, might be less feed, more feed. Yeah. I was going to say, um, in terms of the tuning the spectrum, I think you had such a good uh, perspective of it earlier. You were like, look, we wanted basically to figure out when the plants grow their best and then, you know, what the spectrum is that time of the day and we're going to do that. It makes fucking sense. I mean, what else are you going to do? I mean, fuck, you want to grow weed? I mean, what are you going to do it the wrong way on purpose? Uh, like teach them wrong as a joke, you know, on purpose. But how do I say this? I guess as I said that, I was like, okay, there is a reason maybe to, to tune the spectrum in theory. And now this is a question for you. Is there anything to this? Is there smoke here where there's you know, some fire, whatever stupid metaphor? If you wanted to, let's say, boost hypothetical, we're just going to make up some terpenes right now. I don't know which terpenes are boosted by what, but we're just going to make it up. THCV. Or if you wanted to boost CBN, or you wanted to boost uh, transneridol that the freaking potent's always talking about. If you wanted to boost something, could you? I'd say no. I suspect there is something to it, but I would say no one has actually studied it to a point to verify if any of that's true. The hyperbole, the suppositions, absolutely. There's plenty of them in my head too. The vaporware. But the what about so what is? There's um, there's some information. There's there's two or three papers out right now on CBD specifically. Uh, and THC ratios, and that uh, uh, UV 
being an uh, increasing THC expression, reducing CBD expression. Induces. Yeah. Um, uh, so if you're trying to grow uh, CBD specifically, you might want to lay off the UV uh, or use a UV filter on your greenhouse filter. Or just wait till your, your trichomes are completely amber and it's already breaking down into the ratios go back the other way. If you if you harvest where the trichomes are clearer, you have more THC and less of the secondaries. If, if you wait later, it kind of starts shifting. Yeah, but usually with CBD, you harvest about a week or two before you would normally harvest for THC. If it's a CBD dominant strain, but still yeah. your trichomes, you're looking at that strain for that specific effect. Yeah. If you're taking THC dominant strains, you can actually change your ratios of when you harvest. Yeah. And the intensity. I would, we nerd out on this stuff. I'm sorry. If, if no, don't apologize on this show. That's exactly why this show basically lasts for a few hours. We pretty much nerd out on this kind of stuff on this show. Um, how do I say this? Uh, I guess I was going to babble about the the freaking terpenes and stuff again for a little bit. That kind of doesn't make any sense. Um, like production, but that's what your terpenes. Listen, just ten years ago, they thought there were thirteen terpenes. There's over two hundred hmm. right now, and I see you know, we're oh, not least, done figuring. Yeah. Right, we're nowhere near done. It's it's a brand new world, and and there's new stuff. The quote, the Big Lebowski, new shit's come right. to light, man. Right. So yeah, man. it's always going to be Complex some cool case. stuff for us to learn and find out about. You know, did you know about THCV or THCG two years ago? No, I didn't because nobody had any paper reading about it. I still blow people's minds all the time. Anytime I tell a woman, oh, there's a terpene basically that like it might be the dominant terpene one of these days in some strains called THCV. It gives you the anti munchies. They're like, shut the fuck up. It's always funny what different people are interested in with weed and stuff. You know what I mean? Some people just want to be stoned and play video games. Some people are like, want the anti-munchies. You know, it's just, it's really hilarious what everyone is into. DVDV is supposed to be Viagra for women. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Straight up. And they hear that too. They're like, wait, what? Tell me more. Um, there's a bunch of strains that, that work libido differently on men or on women. And it's pretty comical at times. But um, yeah, that's where that cokehead slut strain comes from. <laughs> But we always talk Probably. about how there was a <laughs> the worst that don't know, there was a strain at Emerald <laughs> Cup one year. I was I was shopping for seeds at Emerald Cup one year, and there one of the menus literally it said cokehead slut, and I was just imagining some like twenty one year old girl she's hired like her first day, and some grandma comes in and she's like, "I need something that, that to kill my pain and it won't put me to sleep." And she's like, "Try okay, this cokehead slut." <laughs> what? <laughs> That's pretty fucking. Problem with strain names are they're subjective, and if you know you call it this something which is very similar, is on on other part of the world's called that. But then I can take your strain and the way I grow it versus the way he grows it or he grows it or she grows it, it's going to show differently by how you fed it, what environment you gave it, the quality of light you you know all these things play into. It's a very malleable plant. You can make it do a lot of different things by triggering results you want. Like when guys are been you know, hunting, right? You're not just looking for one thing and you, you pop a bunch of those seeds and out of those, that next generation, you go, well, these ones look what I was trying to get. These ones are a little bit different. I don't know if I'm gonna, st- I might separate them from the herd and grow them a different way to see what they give me. But once I got consistency with these guys that, I'm, that give me the traits that I'm looking for, then I'm gonna flower those ones out and say, yeah, these are right. Or I'm gonna take one of those other ones I put somewhere else to try them to know what I'm going to, someone's going to breed with. You know what you're looking for when you're growing something, when you're familiar with it. So you want to, you learn over time how to trigger, whether it's 
bigger yield, better quality, different look. You can you can change it. And your recipes and the way you affect the plant, your nutrients and your environment, you can change the properties of the plant. So your lab tests for yours of the same strain won't match mine. Same genetics. But, on the crop but it won't match, you know, like, and you can you can induce a little bit more by triggering reactions, whether it's you know, UV, whether it's temperature, you know, like with indicas, if you know, because I all I did was think about it gets pretty damn cold up there. And then one day a friend of mine took me to one of his grows I didn't even know he had, it was way up high. And when lights went out, he was bringing in air and he was up at like 8,000 feet. That air was coming in 45 degrees during the summer. And his indicas looked like Disneyland for adults, just magical, you know, and they were really good smoke. And I'm like, I was thinking this, and this is going back a long time ago, you know, but I was thinking this and they go, I'm gonna try to reproduce the idea I just had by changing my temperatures day night at the end of my cycle and see what happens. And that's when I noticed that your indicas colors really jump and pop. If towards the end of flower, your daytime temperature comes down a few degrees, your intensity comes down a little bit, and your nighttime temperature goes down a lot. And that's the environment they come from. So all I was trying to do is reproduce their natural environment. I'm staring at the plant going, I got to do this, which is cool. But if I make it more like where it comes from, what will it give me different? And it does present differently. You, you're sculpting the way when you're growing. All of us could have the same cut and grow it. And our end results aren't going to be identical. Some of ours might be pretty close because our growth styles aren't that different. But you can, you, you can morph it quite a bit. I mean, it's an interesting way to, to put it. Oh, cheers, Charlie. Yeah. Go ahead. I was just saying it's a, it's a, almost a uh, technique of, uh, of crop standard of oh. doing you know exactly what you want manipulating the plant for a certain result. Basically, if, if you, if you and I were twins and we were separated at birth and, and raised by different parents, we would look similar, but we wouldn't look the same. Want to be happy? I just read. I just read yesterday that there is technically a chance that any one set of parents can actually have a clone, uh, like two two kids that are clones. It's one in 8.5 million to That's one. All? Yeah, it's not even that much. You're like, so there's probably a couple of families around where there's literally like a fucking couple of clones. You're like, wait, why? We already had a kid like that. So literally like you'll have a kid and then you'll have a whole separate kid, but that actually, that separate kid happens to be a clone in one in 8.5 million to one, whatever. Anyway. Um, the family that they all look, you could say like that, they all record these. Every, there's a, like 11 of them, two parents and nine kids. And then we, I call them General Motors, like every year there was a new model. And they all look, there's no the mistake. Rules. They, they, they all look the same. They all look the same. Boys, girls, they just look the same. <laughs> so that's funny. What's the family in the. Uh... And you might pick two of us out, go, oh, these guys are probably related. They're probably cousins and friends, maybe. They don't look alike. Ahead of the times. <laughs> What's the family on uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? They're, they're like rivals of the bar. Uh, oh, yeah. They're always sweaty oh, and drinking milk. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can't think of it. I can't think of them either. Yeah, yeah, I uh, yeah exactly. Yeah. Uh, 420 Green Goddess said uh, she's smoking the jelly bean. Uh, that's uh, sweet uh, from uh, Miss Jill. How, how nice is that? Uh, I was going to ask you... Um, I think I was going to ask you basically kind of in that same vein, like, uh, can you, I don't know, maybe this is an abstract question. So maybe, maybe it's good. Maybe it's not. Can you fake terroir essentially? Like if you're growing, I like the way you said, basically you're sculpting as a grower, as a, as a, as a, 
your uh, parallel. I don't know, an indoor farmer or whatever. Can you, well, I guess I'll, I'll hand it off to you in a second. I guess what I'm trying to say is terroir essentially is, um, it's, in fact, I was trying to look up just now, you know, what is the difference between terroir and Appalachian? Appalachian is a specific name for a place. So it's basically from the area of Champaign, where it's from no, like Kentucky. Louis, Kentucky bourbon is an Appalachian. I've been seven years. You're not going to explain anything French to me. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. So, yeah. Terroir is the, the earth you grow it in, the region, the soil on your feet. Appalachian is the name of the specific spot it came from. So can I replicate? The whole idea is if I have a stream, which is an Afghan, you know, if I wanted to get really carried away, I would have stolen a soil sample from where I pulled the plant, right? To know what its natural environment requirements are. I would have measured the altitude that it came from, right? If I'm going to try to get really like hell-bent on making it look exactly. And you can do all these things now. I mean, you can do the shit on Google. You know, you can check the, the barometric pressure. You can check. You could have somebody send you a soil sample. As yes. soon as you said that, my first thought was potent. Like, he's sitting right next to you. Uh, he collects IMOs probably just about everywhere he fucking goes, or, or at least he could anyway. Uh, he could uh, 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 he could create what the... Uh, uh, What's the other one? Mike. Not the, just the IMO, but he could create the... the well, anyway, he could create a bunch of indigenous ferments and basically use that. Anyway, go ahead. I'm kind of uh, babbling over you. Is there, isn't there a website online that, like, um, I seem to remember there's, like, an agricultural website or a mining website that has, like, what the ground minerals are in the different places? Well, I can't remember the name of the website. Here, right? I mean, like, in, if you were, for example, like in California, there's, like, 10 different regions in that state, like completely different environments. It's such a damn big area. You know, then there's areas like West Texas, we have like a couple hundred miles of the exact same, nothing, you know, like it's just it. Like, but so it really is specific. If you have a specific wine or like, that's why the French are so about their wines Italians, because this side of the hill, is not the mule. Over here, I'm talking where I could throw a rock to, the ground's different. You, they can grow the same grape, the same thing, the same exposition. It won't taste the same. And it's grown side by side. Literally, I could throw a rock from this place to that place, but that stuff is not the same. Um, so it's subjective because we're getting weed from somebody. Somebody grows really good weed. We First of all, we want to find out what the strain is if we like it. And where'd you get it? Is your cut or you buy seeds where you get the beans at? I'm going to get those, right? And I'm going to try to grow it. I'm trying to replicate what my brain imprinted from when I smoked this guy's flower. I don't know what it's going to look like. I suspect by the, you know, the cured buzz things I'm going to see. You know, back in the day, we couldn't go online and find anything. I couldn't ask anybody. I couldn't go, hey, man, I heard you're growing this. What, what was it looking like? I couldn't do that. So we got really kind of hell bent at looking at the stuff. And then when we grew it out, we, you know, smoked, we're like, this is pretty cool. but. Maybe change just change that. You start noticing traits and things, and they become what you want to see in the plant. Now, we may both grow a good plant, but he may push us a slight way different. It's not going to be a drastic change, but that's to get the results that he has in mind. Now, at the end of our lab test, we both have 28% THC, but our turf profile is a little bit different, and it's subjective to who likes what smoke better. Hmm. Yeah. But the plant can be sculpted, not drastically, but you can fine tune by either replicating the natural environment or by triggering a response that you're looking for. Like you may like say with UV or a reptile bulb, this, you know, certain bandwidths of light that people would play with things. The problem with people with, with switching from HPS to LED was 
it looks like this. This is what they saw the plant look like for years growing under these fixtures. Now he switched to this one. He will not listen to me about the right conditions to succeed under this one because he's always grown this way. So now he puts a new light source in there, expecting it to look like it did over here. That what he's familiar with. It's not going to look the same. You switch light sources, the LED plant's going to be shorter, squattier, and denser. And if you have your VPD and things in balance, it's going to be really, really oily too. You know, and is it better if a lab test says it has more more stuff? To my eyes, that that's a win. But this guy may be. This is what he's used to smoking his HPS flower. That's what he likes. Now so I've, with it, I've gotten a better, higher THC, more trichomes, pretty looking bud. But the the high is different because the the balance of of chirps in it. Is not the same as what he got under this one. Most people prefer the LED grown in a side-by-side blind test us. They like this one here is really, really good because it does change the high, you know, the secondary metabolite production improvement does change the high. I like it better. So, you know, personal flavor. I've noticed like some genetics are, are just inherently stretchy, but a lot of the time I, I mitigate like stretch just with light intensity. Well, yeah, light intensity and bandwidths with an LED, yes, you can, you can actually get your plants to slow down. The reason why, and it's funny, but you, you can think of it, like Skywalker OG. Why was it called Skywalker OG? Because the damn thing shot for the ceiling. Because the bandwidth of light it was getting from bulbs at the time, you know, 25 years ago, 20 years ago, when, when the, the dude made it in the valley, you know, that's what he had to grow with. Well, the plants would get very stretchy. So your internodal spacing, meaning your, your distance between branching buds, you know, coming up it, under LEDs, it's going to be much tighter. The plant's going to be shorter. So I grew his plant years ago, and I brought him in the show, and I said, and he said, what do you think? That was pretty cool, man. I like the, I like the aromas of it and everything. And I go, well, does it remind you of anything? He's like, uh, and he's naming all these, like, really obtuse and out there things, and I just start laughing. He goes, "Will you laugh?" I go, "Dude, this is your Skywalker cut going under LED." And he's like, "No way, man! It's, it's not the same." I go, "Dude," and Robbie came in. He was totally, totally. We, this is the the tray of plants you see in this room going to all these different light sources. Is your tray of Skywalker we started with? All of you guys, and they look different, tasted different, presented differently under the different environments and light sources. And again, we oh. came back to. I think even if you guys had the same everything, it still would be a little bit different just from where you live. Yeah, the barometric pressure in the air, your VPD, you know, your meter might measure different than mine in a few points, change it a few degrees. Absolutely. Will it be drastic difference? No. You know, but uh, I personally am not looking to grow the coarse light of weed. I don't want bottom shelf quality stuff. I'm, I'm not going to smoke a pound a day like some people might be capable of. Uh, but I know what I like, you know, and I, I, I want something that's a certain way, but then the results I like work for a large portion of people. I don't want to be couch locked where I can't function because I got a lot of shit I got to do. So I like stuff that take, I've, I've had a lot of broken bones and accidents. I've broken my neck, broken my skull, impacted my spine. I've done a lot of fun stuff. So I deal with a lot of pain and inflammation. So I deal with strains that nick that down like the OG did. I'm not, I generally don't smoke, but when I'm in pain, I can't get knocked out. So I knew I could have a nice big grip on that and it's going to keep me loose for as long as we're talking or sitting in a chair. But that's what works for me. 
I have friends that swear by this strain or that strain, and the strains they swear by make me paranoid as so I don't touch it. You know, our body chemistries are different. There's not one size fits all for any clothing, any food. It's no different with weed. It's very subjective to what you, the consumer, like. You know, what works for you? If somebody's new to it, well, then I would say, why do you want to smoke weed? I want to get high, okay? What kind of high are you looking for? You want to be giddy and creative and, and, and goofball? You're going to go over here to these guys. You want to be this way, you want to be that way, or you be, or you want to be not the, out. That's these guys over here. You know, what are you looking to do? I always ask people when they're growing, you know, what, what do you want better of? And they, they, once they tell me, I will tell them how to get those results with our lights and what to do to get that. Why? Because we've been through it and we've tried. I wish I could have asked people these kinds of questions back in the day. It was impossible. You could not talk to anyone about this in the 70s. You could not. <laughs> so you just trial and error and figure it out. And at the end, is it any good? People go, yeah, man, I want more of this. Like, well, I did something right. But then we learn stuff. And, you know, and, the, you know, and I've been around, I'm lucky enough to travel the world a bit and see other ideas about it. Other ways looking at it completely through curveballs and, oh, I got to figure that out. At the end of the day, it was the environment, the conditions they gave it, which induced those results. I feel so, like the best is yet to come with weed, honestly. You know, it's a, a little bit of a, a, a I don't know, it's a little bit of a platitude or whatever, I guess, but I feel like it's true. You know, no, no, we're at the threshold of a whole new game. Totally agree with you, man. Those outrageous new strains, right? Yeah, man, straight up. No, there's going to be some crazy new stuff out there. Actually, speaking of uh, outrageous new strains and, 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 uh, I think the best new cannabinoids are going to be still coming. I don't know, best new, that sounds like a freaking hot new freaking reality show. But uh, some of the most prominent cannabinoids might yet be just not even discovered yet. You know what I mean? Like we didn't know about THCV until recently. We didn't know about CBD until we were It's more than that. It's more than that. Because yes, you have those THC plus, you know, whatever the letters right, are, exactly. about, right? Very That's a whole family of cannabinoids. But all these other chirp profiles and things, now we're finding out like, the absolute positive aspects of, of you know, beta carophylline, which like, what the is, you know, we didn't even know, we never even heard the damn words a few years ago, a dozen years ago. Nobody had any idea what it was. Now we're finding out not only <laughs> is it really good for uh, losing your mind, which I am, uh, it's good for your mental faculties, it's good for your heart. It's also good to regenerate your cells and it also will prevent the growth of cancer. Okay, so, you know, carophylline oxide, humulene, we didn't know what the hell it was. Major thing, great for people with arthritis. You know, all these great benefits are coming out of this plant. And again, for thousands of years, people have been using them for these reasons, but we couldn't quantify it. Therefore, it was snake oil or it was, you know, old folks talk. There was no truth to it. We're finding out more and more. There's absolutely truth to those things. They knew what they were doing. And we're actually going to be able to quantify it and tell you why. It's these compounds mixed together with this and that, and this gives you that result, you know? And then with different body chemistry people, there's a Canadian company that's already figured out it's not perfect, but they could, they could actually do a DNA test on you and tell you what strains will have an effect on you, what type of effect, because there's no one size fits all, but if you're this profile, genetically speaking, you need to avoid these. These will be good for you. This will be good for this, this will be good for that. That's what we're getting towards. Dialing in per person. 
You know, you come in, you go blip, you put your touch your finger in the thing, it's like a drop of blood, and 10 minutes later, they go, So we recommend that, you know, give you your readout. It's going to come to that. It's not that far away. But that's if you're looking for a specific recovery condition. Doesn't still doesn't train people who smoke it to get high. What kind of high do they want? We'll know the types. I mean, it stands of the to reason that in the future there will be something like that too. I don't know that that's the case, but uh, it may well be that there will be an artificial intelligence engine that will basically tell you, like, no, you're going to prefer scampi with uh, garlic sauce. Like it'll tell you the food that you'd enjoy tonight. You'll be like, okay. oh, you're feeling. Uh, down Actually, in the weather tonight it's uh such and such uh, temperature tonight blah 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 your uh, uh metabolic pressure is blah 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 your blood pressure is blah, blah, blah. i think you'd like the freaking pasta and then you know maybe it'll be true your fridge is going to tell you this chicken is perfect condition now to make da, 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 da. right they run your refrigerator door on the screen they're already putting that out that's crazy. There's, there's two different um companies doing it i actually heard a talk from one of those companies doing the blood works <laughs> that was you Knocking things over and breaking stuff. Anyway, get to the blood work. The best um, is when a dog farts and wakes itself up and then like looks like what? What happened? Did that? Yeah. <laughs> um, so my lights are going off soon. I'm at twelve twelve. Check it out real quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, go ahead, Bowden. I put the second scrognet oh. up today. I just like oh here I'm, me viewers kind of like seeing the garden, but I put the second scrog up today. We're in the twenty gallons. Um, it's a 600 watt light R spec. Um, but yeah, everything's looking really good. Uh, I have another scrognet if I need it. Um, I have a little bit more room. Well, actually, this is kind of why I wanted. Uh, I have a little bit more room up here to play with. I'm pretty sure I'll be fine. Yeah, but you're right now, your distance to the light looks to me be about 18, 20 inches. 23. 23? So you can get, when you're in flower, you can be a foot from that thing and you'll be okay. Mm. Okay. Yeah. It's I just like, flipped, I so I'll just start. That, uh, when the bed, if you take a reading of one foot from it with a par meter, you're probably in that one. You're probably like 800 or something like that. It's not going to hurt okay. your pants at all. All right, the cool. Good to know. I just went from 80% all the way up to 100%. On the LED, mm-hmm. and um, I'll, I'll lower it down a little bit as we come into the next couple of days. All right, thank you. Yeah, that's kind of what I wanted to ask because I, I always never, I stay around twenty inches away. I always have. Well, again, if you're looking for a specific result that you're familiar with, now if you want to push things and go towards the best result with that plant, you want to play science games and training games. That's where I nerd out. So. I would ask about the strain, your temperature, humidity, what are you feeding it? And I would ask your meter readings at the canopy, what are you looking to do? Well, we can go to here. This is yeah. where we're at this week, you know? I'd like to push things to, to the performance point. Oh, yeah. I'm in hmm. organic, uh, 20 gallons, 600 LED, uh, HLG. Hmm. Um, heat, so my heat set at 81. Where's your probe at? In the middle of the canopy. Where? Is it in the plants or is it under the light? It's like right near the soil. That's down low. Yeah. Just, you know, keep in mind that down low that your temperature is always going to be a lower reading. So your canopy up top is probably more like 85, 86, maybe even 90. Do you have a lower rate? 
I got this. I make sure I have multiple ones. So okay. I have the one near the soil, and then I have one right here just to just to make sure it doesn't get too hot on the canopy. Yeah. Okay. Got gotcha. you. Um, I would like to add another one in the middle, but there's no hanger from the light, so I would have I to end it. You no, know what I mean? Think about it be dangling it over or. As long as those two meters are calibrated somewhat the same, you got a fairly accurate range you're looking at. Give you a good idea. This is controlling temperature. It's set to 80. Mm -hmm. And then I have inferred controlling humidity. But your humidity is too low. If you're pushing for going or LED, that's too low. You would look at the VPD chart. I like to send you one or you can dig it off the site if you're on it. I leave it lower so it, because when I close it up, it will go up to like 60. But I like it going up to like 62 and then cycling out and then going back up to 62. I try to keep everything the same. Yeah. And then, like at night, I have everything set. So the low is uh, 56. So at night when the temps drop a little bit from obviously the light going off and stuff, uh, the heater does a little bit more work, but it doesn't keep it exactly 80 because I have it near the soil. And the heater comes in right there. Okay, well, it's, it's going to circulate in the tent and it's going to build up top and then push down as it fills in. So it's going to take, you know, probably 10, 15 minutes to get warm in the canopy. Okay. Unless you have super high CFM, then it's like a damn hot blow dryer. So I don't know. I don't yeah, I don't know I what kind of flow rate of air you have. Two, I have this one always on. I have there's another fan back there. There's an outtake up here, and there's an outtake I, down here. There's a down there and a fan on a timer. Huh? Is your exhaust fan on a timer or is it always on? No, it kicks on for it's with this. So oh, it's triggered by a temperature. So it's triggered by a temperature. Okay. A thermal sense humidity. Yeah. Yeah, triggered by humidity. So if the humidity gets too high, it will kick on. And, and if it stays on all the time, it will just keep cycling air. Right. Okay. Seems to know. I, obviously, I would nerd out, you know, like there's things I would do, but that's, if you're getting results that you like, good. But I would, what would you do? Actually, that's that. a great uh, freaking. That's uh, a great idea for a segment, Brendan. Like, what would you nerd out on a place like this? Yeah, how would you to, nerd out right here? Like, you know, you like you if if you were to soup up the hot rod, what would you do? I would I would be measuring, you know, right there at the plant. I'd be measuring the temperature of right above the plants. I would be measuring my temperature and humidity in specific spots of the canopy, right? So I then I would average out that to know. Is my airflow right? And if, if my temperature down low and humidity down low is my humidity is much higher, my temperature is lower, I know I don't have good airflow. So I'd start playing with my up, down, and all around air in the tent to balance it out. And I would take new readings. Then when they got where I wanted it to be, then I'd be training my plant and I'd be down that strain in by what's its normal cycle, where is it from, what intensity does it want. And then I would play with my light distance over the canopy based on the push I want to give it. And I generally try to push plants. So I would have that light, if he's just entered in the flower, I'll give it a couple of days to acclimate and I'd bring that thing at 100%. I'd bring it down six inches easily closer to plant and watch what they do. If they're jumping up like this and running, I'll turn up, bring it a little closer. Once I see them, that's they're going to here. They're not toppling up. They're not turning. So I know I haven't given them too much light, but they're really cranked out like this. 
I know that this strain likes it at that distance. Then I'll play my temperature and humidity a little bit and see what it does. And I'll find yeah. a spot where it's there and I go, this strain likes it like this. Let's go. Feed it. Oh, my you know? lights went out. No worries. So, you know, you, you can look at a leafly or something like that and you say, well, this strain is a, it's a nine-week flowering strain. And they say it likes this. Well, yeah, I'm going to start feeding it at a certain level. And I'm going to watch what it looks at. I'm going to look at the veins of the leaves. This one needs a little more manganese or whatever specific mineral, even if it's something as simple as CalMag. You know, they, this strain needs more of that. You know, and the, the leaves will tell me by looking at them. You know, look at them, their veins. And when they're all happy, green, and lush and pointed like this, I know I'm doing something right for that, those plants. And I'll keep doing that. And generally speaking, if I push plants that way, they usually finish anywhere from three to 10 days sooner because they're being pushed the whole way. They're not getting 85% of what they want, the nutrients and feed. So they're going to grow at a certain rate. If you're getting them in a sweet spot and you're pushing, they're going to come along with you. They're, they're ready to go. That's cool. Mm -hmm. By the way, welcome. Uh, I haven't had a chance to welcome to uh, both Val and uh, Charlie's Farm. What's going on, folks? Cheers, Charlie's. Good, man. No, yeah, we said hi on the, in the car when I'm on my way in. Oh, that's right. That's right. It's been a bit. It's all good, uh, though. No, I'm just nervous. Do you no, have any questions, uh, Charlie's Farm? I, I think you've uh, said no. stuff in the past about uh, well, I, I stuff. Well, I was talking about, you know, basically he, he's talking about crop staining when you're really, you know, dialing in a plant and you want it to come out a certain way. It's a form of crop steering. I mean, you can't get any better than that. You know, his I've been following Brendan for like 10 years at least. Hmm. Been around there. He was one of the very first people on YouTube that I ever found. Just um, just by chance, he was on my homepage. And I was like, oh, who's Spectrum King? And um, when he had the ladder and he was doing the side-by-sides like he was saying. He was doing the HBSs and he was doing the... Uh, you don't believe it you want to come and see it we'll show you and we yeah. took big risks but the whole point was as we became yeah. able legally to actually discuss these things i was more than happy to teach people to not make all the effed up mistakes i made along the way if i can save you a bunch of time your own money and to get a better result hell yeah I, it's a victory for me too because i know all the stupid things i had to do because i could not ask people questions you know I had sure. to learn how to do things very hands-on. And if I screwed up, that was on me. Yeah. I've done double-ended with LEDs. I've uh I've done a I've done a checkerboard between the double ended and the LEDs. Mm -hmm. And um I didn't I didn't adjust my my uh my environment. I just kind of kept it right where I always kept it and had a great performance on it actually. Mm -hmm. I did find that it was less stretch with the under the LEDs, um, mm -hmm. even with the crossover from the the DEs, and then, oh. um, and then, uh, but I did find that uh, I couldn't do a, as hard of a dry back because then the tops of my uh, the top my tops of my colas would get uh, extremely dense, like too dense on the LED side. So that was the one thing I had to make sure that I didn't do such a dry back on the uh, LED under the LED lights. But other than that, yeah, and I saw I saw uh, I used to watch uh, Dr. J you three. He had the the six hundred the SK six hundred or something. When he was, uh, he had that little room, and he had, I think he had four of them. They cranked it, my God, and they got the good penetration. I mean, this was, you know, you're talking at least five years ago, six years ago, when he was running the, uh, the 600, the Spectrum Kings, and uh, he was getting some great performance out of those things. 
then your latest one when you had the had the hose right on the right on the light. <laughs> I love that. It's always fun to see. Well, beat them know, up and see what they do. If and people want to know if they're built to last and built a certain way, you figure just show them. You know that why there's a lot of creative storytelling. Luckily, as it gets bigger, the industry there's 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 less creative storytellers, but there's still some out there who are you know selling schlock and selling a bad notion. Uh, the more people are like yourself, the writer telling people what we've done and what truth is and what works, the better we all get. The game improves. You know, it's like Fumi said a little while ago, we're not anywhere near the finish line of, of weed development. We're at the starting line. You know, we're, it's just opening up. We're all learning and cross-pollinating ideas, cross-pollinating strains, inventing new stuff, nutrients, different lights, studying what they do. It's all new. There are all these compounds coming out. What do they do? And if this one's with this one and that one, what result do you get? This all new cannabinoid science, you know, cannabinology. <laughs> it's all new. It's fun for me. I like it. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's my life. Right? It's the fact that I can grow legally. Hmm? I said, just the fact that we can grow, well, the majority can grow legally now. I never thought yeah. that would happen in my life. I, so. it, it was it stuck in, when I came back to the United States. I was living in Europe. I came back in two thousand one. It, it was like, what planet did I step onto? Because you know, I, I got I got legally involved in stuff in businesses selling nutrients and all these things. When when I left the country in ninety four, I mean, you couldn't even say the word, you know. And in the eighties yeah. or the seventies, there's no effing way. We used to have like a base, baseball coach hand gesture signals that communicate what you wanted and what was going to do and how we were going to do it. You couldn't say anything. <laughs> you couldn't, you know? So now we can discuss this openly, you know? You can be there working your garden, enjoying yourself and having to discuss what we want to find out about these things. It's This, this is going to grow into something huge that we all can learn from if we want to, you know? It's a fun yeah. game, fun time to be in it. Yeah, in the 70s, we'd go to uh, Worms Way in Worcester, and uh, you had to be careful because the cops would freaking take your license plate back. Right. Honestly, back then, we had no idea there was a male or a female plant. And this, we didn't know. It was just weed. We used to use album covers to shake them and roll the seeds out and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Frisbees, man. We about feminized plants. I mean, you know, <laughs> sense of 165 Frisbees, that's what we used to use. One but, well, besides the album covers at our house, but when we were out and about, because I was remember a when did, like people start talking that you make the sense of me, and then you have to smoke the sense of me. Well, we, I, you know, I grew up yeah. by New York City, but the Spanish guys that just means no seeds, man. It just means yeah. when I plant no seeds. But we thought it was the coolest thing. We didn't know. We learned, you know. And as you learn as a male and female plant, how do you tell the difference? What do you look for? You know, yeah. I, you know, I'm sure Fumi's very well versed in that those languages and those details. The see, now we know a difference. Then we're getting towards what stuff we like and what effect we're going for and what feeling we get. And my friends all dig this. So I'm going to grow this one because I know my friends are going to dig it and I can still make some money. That's the way it was. You know, we started going, growing and inquisitive minds trying to figure out new stuff. How do we make it better? There was no names. (laughs) I always laugh at the names. There were no names back then. What are you kidding me? 15 years ago, two pounds of light, you were somebody. Yeah. You were like, you know, then like what a six was it? I guess it's about six years ago, people started getting, you know, more in a regular three pounds plus a light. And people are like, damn, that's badass. How'd you do that? Like, it's amazing, you know? And then, you know, I've met guys who got more than that. And I've met guys that got ridiculously great yields, but the strains they were growing, 
you would not willingly want to smoke any of it. It's absolutely atrocious. But can it happen? Yes. But the strain that we thought they'd only get a pound and a half, we're getting three pounds with that strain these days. You know, it's only a 15 year difference from when it was impossible to, this is what we get now. And now we know there's all these other compounds and they have different effects. And there's actually white papers coming out from, you know, accredited universities around the world about what terpenes do what and why. This is what we found. These are the results we found. Here's the chemistry involved. That's all I ever want to know, how to cure cancer, how to fix this, how to fix that. It's all in the plant. It's all in there like a good sauce. And it's on us to learn which ones do what, why, what do we need them for? If we only smoke it high, we know the feel we get from this specific strain and that strain. Now that's great. That's, I'm not against it in any way. But if we want to dial it into medical grade for specific purposes, which is what people are trying to get a lot of out of this plant, um, we're, we're just stepped in the doorway of a very, very, very long staircase up. Yeah. Oh, I think it's all see. important. You know, like uh, when we talk about the medical use, that's extremely important. But honestly, we, we really dramatically underappreciate the, uh, the, the requirement, honestly, frankly, for, you know, honestly, frankly, the requirement for human beings to recreate. It's been shown over and over again that physically having time off vacation, right. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, is disproportionately productive, uh, uh, disproportionately um, enhancing okay. for productivity, for happiness, for well-being, et cetera, et cetera. So it stands to reason that literally just having fun is something that probably would be similar, that actually is sort of disproportionately compared to the investment required, uh, makes you happier, makes you healthier, makes you live longer, on and on and on, just literally just taking a fucking breather, getting high for a little bit, you know what I mean? Being happy for 20 minutes, you God forbid, right? And stress. You know, you're going to put 10 years back on their life. You're going to give them a better quality of life like that. You know, somebody with digestive issues that can't eat because they've got Crohn's disease and they have all these weird things going on. Bam, there's strains to take care of that. You know, yeah, that's right, man. I've met quite a few people. It's, it's hard to imagine people that have no appetite because of health reasons or right. anything else. And physically, until they smoke weed, they don't have an appetite. Right. It's challenging to live when you don't eat. You know what I mean? If you've ever been very in challenging biology for long-term survival, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. It's you can trigger. There's strains, and again, the science of which strain does it. Why does the strain do it? What's in it that induces those reactions in this group of people? We're at the, that's we're at the beginning of it. Now, again, this plant's been used medicinally for ten thousand years, and there were people who said things like I said earlier. But we're now learning to prove that a whole lot of that was true, and then some. And now we need to know why they do these things. Oh, that's that's cool. That paper that's a pretty plant right there. I should pull that paper. I sent you. Well, you're not um, going to read the whole thing, but Steve just brought up a, a, a white paper. Uh, you definitely sent it. it. If you want to nerd out and you, you're willing to read very thick scientific documentation, uh, this paper is very good. Put it in chat first. Yeah, put it in chat. See if people want to do that. But uh, it's it's deep. It's thick. But it explains very well what the, the new terpenes they found and what they found they're good for already through thorough lab tests and things. It's pretty cool. Uh, and uh, strawberry, how to induce again? Coming back to what we did with our lights, I, I was going for specific reactions. So was Rami, and you know the tests we're doing, and people wanted better quality and better yields. So we made lights that gave the intensity and the bandwidths to give you bigger yields and better quality. You know, it, because that's what the people want. Everyone wants more, no pun intended. It's another product of mine for a different day. But the, the, the thing is, 
the science we can share today, we can we can explain it. We can actually validate the theories. Some of these theories, the Chinese medicine, five thousand years old, but we're proving a lot of them true. I, I can't see what that says, but oh, it's just my room. Uh, I I always I love being able to monitor it, monitor it when the lights go off. Sure. So I make sure I could uh, charge it and stuff, so it doesn't spike. Like if it spikes, I get alarms and stuff. Alerts. You program it in. If yeah. Controls. Yeah. I think it, it changed. It honestly changed the like game for me because knowing having multiple data points and knowing more in the grow in general just helped me dial it in even more. Well, you take the the actual data. That's a good point you brought up. Is that we have suppositions, things we've done for years. We get good results. We, 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 we make assumptions about those results based on getting what we get consistently. Now, if I have the data logging things, and the data is telling me that I need to change this environment, this much temperature, this much humidity, and now what I thought was great was actually only good, and I just made it great because the data told me where to hit the spot, and I've documented what I got with the variations of environment. And you start being able to see how to create your own Frankenstein. You're, you're getting the best out of this strain or this plant you can get by dialing in the environment, the nutrients, the CO2. It's all a dance. You know, the bandwidths of light, the intensity, the distance that you get for what that plant wants. When you hit that zone, the aroma around happy flowering plants, you smile. You don't know whatever was wrong in your world a minute ago is left you. Because that aroma of what, when it's right, you can't forget it. And then when you have it, you're always, that's what you're looking for every time. You get the plants to where they're at that spot where they're just off-gassing, you know, they're basically breathing and consuming more nutrients. They're letting you know they're happy. I can hear you guys with fish tank. Yeah, by the way, no, I think it's like, like one of the dogs drinking. <laughs> they have like yeah. oh, 15 oh, fucking dogs in that yeah. house. It's pretty, Pluto it's pretty is badass. decided to be in the middle of everything, whether I want him to be or not. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm looking, actually, I'm trying. Steve, what's a good VPD start to use? That's a good question. Or either of you, Brendan. I don't know if you have one. I mean, a chart. I mean, you could bring up my chart. I mean, but I put it. I think he has one on the spectrum. I have one that says that for. I basically made one which is roughly for indicas and roughly for sativas. You know, um, but there's plenty of them on there. If you just go to Google and type in VPD chart, you'll find dozens of them. Yeah. So they're all pretty much. Yeah. Okay. That's what. Why is there a difference, uh, uh, Brendan, for indicas versus sativas? Is it where they're from or what? um, temperature and humidity, just a few degrees difference where you get better performance from. Thinking, you know, a sativa is equatorial, so it's always going to be hotter and more humid there than it is up high in the mountains. So, yeah. Oh, they just changed the site. Um, oh. I don't know. It might be in the, the, the supports. Or I don't even, I don't look at the downloads. Click downloads. Scroll down. I got it. I got it. in. I'll find it. Hmm. Anyway, but there's plenty of VPD charts you can bring up. That's one there. A bunch of companies that are different. But if you look, you, you go to the sweet spot where on this particular chart, the lime green in the middle there, and you just match the temperature with the humidity. And what does that mean is that the, the temperature holds moisture in the air in balance. And it's a pressure okay. rating. That's what you got there. So when you stay so in the I'll... sweet spot, for example, so if, if you look there and I go under my LEDs, I want to be 85 degrees, right? 
So, granted, my eyes suck. I can't read this thing from here, but uh. I so on the left, 80. it goes from 52 all the way to 133. So, uh, so we got 84. Right, right that's temperature Fahrenheit. So I go to 85. You know, it's, I see 86 there. Yeah. So let's, let's take the 86 is right smack in the middle. And I go to the green there. And I know that's the humidity I should be at for perfect. I think that says 62. Is that 64, what it? 64, yeah, 64, 64 to 60. Right. So if I stay in there, with I'm going to be good. My, my temperature humidity is going to be in balance. Right, and then if I'm doing a, a sativa, I might go that degree or a little bit hotter. If I go to indigo, I might go a couple degrees cooler because I'm just trying to replicate his natural environment. So sativa's daytime, nighttime temperature is not going to change that much because in the equator the temperature doesn't change that much from day to night. It's like seven degrees Fahrenheit, you know. Whereas with so, the indigo, temperature is quite quite substantial. So at my leaf surface right now, I'm seventy-seven point two, so seventy-seven. And then I'm 53.5. That's why I said your temperature is too low when I saw your humidity. So your humidity is too low and temperature is low. You should be, your leaf surface temperature under that LED should be 83, 85 degrees. Well, it's off right I now. Know, when it's lights on, yes. And then okay. so if you're 70, let's say if you're at 83, and then because it's a sativa, I would only go down to 76 degrees. Lights off. Oh, when I when I shut the tent, it goes up to like eighty one. Well, actually, that's ironic. Is normally speaking, lights out with plants. The sun's down. It's usually a little bit cooler, not hotter. Well, I'm so, yeah. When the lights are on, when I shut it up, it goes eighty one, and it will stay right around seventy seven when lights are off. Seventy five to seventy seven, depending on the temperature outside. Your temperature's not changing that much even light. That's okay with with sativas, but if it's an indica. Yeah, it's going to want that that temperature differential to be a little bit more, you know, more like ten to fifteen. Late flower, I might even be fifteen to twenty. Yeah, I do. I do drop it off towards the end of flower, but I try. I I try whatever temperature I'm working with. I try to stay within, like like you said, wherever the green is. Even if I'm in the light green a little bit, as long as I'm yeah. like it, it seems like you're good around one to. But again, that that's the range from from you know it's if, if we stay in the green, well the, the pale lime or the, the dark lime, you know you have a you have a it's not a drastic difference in in, uh, in humidity levels, but strain related, I might lean one way or the other depending on the, what I'm setting up that specific environment for. So that's why I made a chart for sativa dominance, you know, sativa sativa dominance, the one for indica just basics for something for people to have an idea. But Can you talk at, about that a bit, uh, uh, Brendan? Because um... I used to hear about this more. Uh, I used to hear about uh, people basically saying, oh, you know, you can't mix uh, cultivars in a tent, you know, for, let's say, for example, not uh, not talking about a professional grow that, that has, uh, you know, a thousand of the same plant or, you know, clones, whatever. I'm talking about, you know, home growers. A lot of us basically are home uh, uh, growers. Right. Uh, folks would say, yeah, you can't mix uh, German poison with a freaking uh, uh, OG. It's just it's not going to make any sense or whatever. You can't mix squat phenotypes with uh, uh, stretchy phenotypes. And yeah. you've said a little bit of the same. I kind of disagree. I think that you can actually uh, uh, find ways to to, to, to train them and basically, basically I do it all the time. So I know that there are ways to essentially uh, put well, you, very you disparate things in the same environment. But how do I say this? Um, go ahead. It seems like you're basically champion of the there best. There are ways for you to get the results that you want to see. Is that the ultimate best of this strain or that strain? Perhaps not. 
Mm-hmm. I'm saying that I'm pushing things to get them to as far as they can go. Gotcha. Right? I'm pushing them to get. I want to see what I can get these things to go to. Gotcha. And I know if I go this string, that string, that string together, the first two are going to be perfectly happy. And number three is not going to be happy because he eats differently. He's from a different microclimate. It's not going to be quite the same. Can I make the plant look good and be and be decent? Yes. But can I optimize it? Like really push it? No. Because this plant needs this feed regime on this schedule. It's it's a nine-week flower strain. This is an eight-week flower strain. This one needs this stuff. I'm going to be supplementing feeding this one all the time. I'm going to, like I said earlier, the way back when we started, I said I had a friend who used to make strains and he used to put one of them on top of a cinder block because he knew it was never going to be a big plant, but he wanted to get enough intense light and he wanted to finish about the same way as the other ones. And he would do that and he would push them off to the side where it got more air because that plant was a mountain plant and it wanted more air, wanted to be cooler. And he left the sativas on the other side where it got too hot. And that's his way of kind of microclimate producing. Can you get results you're happy with? A lot of people can. I'm talking about pushing each individual strain to get the most out of them. To see all of them alert the same way with the leaves and the, the trichome formation of the buds, you know, and I can't do that with one size fits all treatment. I can get happy plants. I can get good results. But if I want to get the ultimate best of this plant, I want to study it. And then I want to set it up with either plants that like it the same way or isolate it for what it wants. If it's that damn good. Fair enough. Uh, it, it, with that in mind. Um, okay. Do these questions gel together or not? Sort of. Let me let me ask you maybe two questions instead of one. How do you do that? So how do you? Uh, how uh, so? So we know light is a component. Obviously, you are a lighting specialist, right? But you've been talking about uh, all this time, like you can basically maximize uh, cultivars. Let's say you do have, let's say, some uh, very land racy African cultivars, and then you also have some nice land racy Mexican cultivars. And wouldn't you know it? Coot stops by and he throws some seeds at you, and you get some nice land racy Thai cultivars. How would you deal with all those different things? But you could you could pick something else for all I care. It, it could yeah, be something you need to. How do you change this? If I want to optimize each one, I want to study its natural environment. And then in that natural environment, what's normal? And the guy tells me this one, it gets two and a half pounds in these conditions. That's what I've gotten with it. This is my strain, right? And my guy over here says, my strain, I get this result, that result, but it finishes faster because it's an auto flower custom hybrid and it's done in 49 days. Well, they're not going to work out so well together. They have different requirements. Can I get them to look good and finish? Sure. Can I get the best of both worlds in the same spot? No. I can optimize one or the other. If they, if I get lucky and they both like the same things, I can slap them together and push them the same way, feed them the same way, the environment the same way. But generally speaking, to really dial in, and that's the guy who's going to get 20%, 25% bigger yield than you with your strain is... He figured that one out. He isolated it. He goes, you know what? It looks amazing, but my buds are bigger. If I'm selling my weight, <laughs> I want bigger buds. I want better looking buds too, because I want a top back quality. So I want to push it to get the optimum results that the lab test says. I'm going to get the weight, quality, yield, and out it goes. Somebody may say, I go this way. I only get this yield, but I really like these results. I can't argue with somebody who's happy with what they have. No, that's the way you like it. That doesn't mean it's absolutely the best you can do with it, but to do to get the absolute best, you got to push it to find out how far you can go with it. 
You might hit the wall, you might go off a cliff and have to start over again. But you don't know until you dance on the razor's edge that you're getting cut. You push that plant to the where now you know what its limitations are or perceived for so far you've gone. You could then mix it with other strains you've pushed the same way. You know, these guys, I can put these three, four strains together and feed them the same environment, the same, they're cool. They, they like the same stuff. I might have one, I have to go, this thing, I love it, but I can't grow with anything else because it wants it this way and it wants it that way and it wants me to feed like this. I gotta mix a different reservoir to feed these guys. So they don't all eat the same and their natural environment they come from, you would get soil samples which would give you indications of the, of the microbiome and of the microflora, fauna, and, and the soil content minerals. And if you look at some trace minerals, I mean, Steve and I have talked about this. I mean, there's like, have you ever used the word strontium in your life? Probably not. But what a difference, you know, one one hundredth of one percent to five one hundredths of one percent make in your yield. But you would never know that. Strontium, isn't it a radioactive heavy metal? Uh, so I like that being in the soil. Or? It actually it actually induces plants to, to maintain and process calcium better. So it's one of those magic bullets. Manganese, people always mix up manganese and magnesium. They are not the same thing. No. You know, iron, little things, molybdenum, the word nobody can say. You know, that stuff has a huge difference in visual appeal and, and finished result if you use it right for the strain. And that comes from studying the strains. You know, so you, you have a nutrient blend dance. I mean, sure, you mix different things. You don't feed everybody the same, you know? You, you've got to put families together. When Steve and I have seen some people and we, we shook our heads, this guy had, he showed us a list. He opened up his thing and his list was like pages of strains he was growing in open fields together. Oh yeah, like three, yeah. two pages front and back, all these different strains. It's like, he goes, what do you think? I was like, give me a pen, I'll start crossing them off. Yeah. You know? I don't want to be mean to him, but I'm like, uh, that was probably not the best choice you could have made, but he well, wanted to see he did. The first year you grow in a place, it's nice to shotgun blast a bunch of stuff just to see what mm -hmm. likes your climate. But then after that, yeah. you gotta hone in on shit. Talk about the micronutrient. Strontium is not uh, radioactive, it looks like. I was getting no, it's that not. something else. Well, yeah. It is, however, highly chemically reactive. So this would be something that would probably bind to... Uh, and it's been telling you that a tiny soil. amount goes a long way. A very minuscule amount does the magic. But you would, you know, you never use the word. But certain strains like that with molybdenum, another one, you know, molybdenum is a magic thing for certain strains. You can get huge improvements in change in quality of plant with it. But a lot of nutrients don't even have it. Definitely true. I remember uh, I've joked about this before because I think not one, but two different nutrient companies. I remember at one of the Indo Expos a few years ago was heavily pushing that their line was based on uh, boron. And I was like, oh, that's pretty funny. I mean, you actually need boron in the soil. You don't, you don't need all that much. But these couple different brands were like, one of them was super expensive too. For like, for each bottle, it was like twice as expensive as Canna. And literally their whole thing, it was just like a boron. Like every every bottle had boron in it. And I was like, what yeah. fucking boron do you need? I don't even know. Like, like you can just sprinkle some boric acid on that shit. But I mean, whatever. I don't know. Um, you get a whole pound of boric acid, sodium borate. Like the fucking grocery like store, yeah. Seven dollars. <laughs> You're like a big bag. Yeah. <laughs> Walk around all baller. How much last, boron I have, baby? The last you a decade or more. So, you know, I tell people I use diatomaceous earth. There's a lot well, of trace minerals in it and stuff. Well, you could buy food bread, you know, huge sack off. Why well, would you go buy some liquid thing for a hundred bucks? You can buy a fifty pound bag and have it right. delivered for like one fifty bucks. While we're on the topic of the boric acid, though, 
one of the best things you can sprinkle around your kitchen, in your laundry room, in your bathrooms and stuff. You got ants, especially sugar ants and stuff getting in the house or cockroaches from mm-hmm. a neighbor in your apartment complex, anything like that. Sprinkle that shit all around and that'll kill all of them. We, it'll completely stop them. But once they've crossed it a few times and cleaned themselves, they die. So worst part is you can basically give them a poison that they feed to themselves. It's kind of brutal, but you you mix like what is it, honey or a, a wet sugar? How, fuck, how do I do it? Powdered you sugar, know, powdered sugar, and boric acid is the what we there use. There you go. Uh, but then you have to make it kind of uh, you have to make it stick together. I can't remember how I do that. Or anyway, you can Google that. Cornstarch, there you go. And they'll literally like take that back uh, and feed it to their uh, uh, hive or what do you call it, uh, 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 colony and kill the rest of the ants. So it's, it's yep. kind of brutal. But uh, what was it's a good way? It won't hurt your dogs, your cats, your birds, right. anything, your children, the mouse. Right. It's safe for all that stuff. Uh, well, speaking of, uh, basically speaking of this, speaking of micronutri- micronutrients and stuff, I don't know, Brendan, maybe this is an appropriate question for you. Maybe not. I guess I, um, I hope it is because I've been interested in this. And I think you're one of the kind of people that understands this uh, at least. So you live in France and France is big on wine. <laughs> basically, that's the kind of relevant, por- uh, relevant portion there. And there's always been this expression that great wine must suffer. Uh, we haven't talked about this for a while. We used to joke about this a little bit when Spartan Grown used to come on. And I remember have uh, or I've heard a few people, like wine experts, basically kind of, <laughs> you know, a little bit over their nose, a little bit, just a tiny little bit over their nose, talk about compared to wheat people. They'd be like, well, wine is very difficult to grow because uh, you can't just, you know, fill the fruit. You must, uh, you must make... I can't even remember, honestly, because I'm not a wine expert, but they would basically paint a picture to me that the wine itself must do some counterintuitive things. Uh, that So how do I say this? If you wanted to make grape juice, you make big old fat grapes. That's all. You just grow big old fat grapes. Yeah. But if you want wine, you actually have to stress the grapes a little bit. Yeah, just the like grapes cannabis. Have to stress a bit. The thing is that actually cannabis, people don't really realize this, that actually cannabis, the best cannabis, has been stressed a little bit. And it's kind of a paradox of cannabis that you don't actually want it necessarily to be the happiest possible plant. You want to stress it a little bit. Go ahead. He's, you're, you're chafing. Because there's a big point about stressing the plant. You can trigger results by triggering balance of light and intensity and things at time. We want more secondary metabolites and, and things from our plants. So we found a way to trigger them to produce more. And I could, I could do that with insect carcasses. I could do that with light. I can do that with temperature and different mm-hmm. feed things. But if we're pushing the plant to get the most out of it from our perspective, I don't know how to ask the plant if it's happy with what I did. I'm just looking at it saying it looks like it's growing really, really, really well. Well, it is. It are, these are these two different processes. Like we can see that the plant is objectively growing well by, for example, you can see that it's praying, it's growing rapidly, it's, mm-hmm. it seems to be photosynthesizing through color. But then, for example, the trichomes that we're actually interested in, all the rest of it is essentially uh, scaffolding, but we're interested in the window dressing on the scaffolding, actually. And that window dressing is a stress response largely from the plant, right? Like that, that the trichomes are there to prevent... Response bugs to get on there to create a little microclimate for the plants on and on and on and they seem to fill up with the most interesting terpenes when we stress them a bit right or or is that is that fair to say or no we're well we're triggering it yes it's a form of stress it's not high stress but we're triggering specific results we're inducing them to produce those metabolites Mm. and we can trick them into that or trigger them into that yes it's a stressor but it's clearly not hurting the plant 
you know, it's a fine line of how far you're going to push it, stress it to where you're going to, you're, you're counterintuitive. That's a good problem. point. That's a good point. What would happen if you were to hurt the plant, so to speak? It'll freak out and stop producing. It'll just go, I fuck you, I quit. So you'll have essentially the opposite result. You'll basically produce, right. let's say, less THC, less terpenes, and so on and so forth. And less yield. Hmm. Like if you, if you press it too hard the wrong way, you, 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 you've gone the wrong way. So that's why I said we're pushing towards the edge of the razor blade. When it cuts, we know we've gone too far. You know, we're trying to find out how far can this we take this thing. And we've gone from a one and a half pounds to two pounds 15 years ago. You were kicking ass taking names, sir. If you don't get three plus, you suck today. You know? That's just the mics commercial growers. I mean, your calling card is your, your COAs and your yields. So, you know, this is what I get with my stuff. We're going to ask you if I'm interviewing somebody for a grow job, I'm going to say, okay, it's great. You show me your Instagram page. That's great. Show me your COAs. Show me your yields. See, that's something that I'm actually harping on fairly often on this show. And uh, I get a little bit of pushback sometimes from people like Smash and stuff. And I get I get why, because it, it takes a little bit of the fun out of growing. When you mm-hmm. do keep track of, let's say, your yields and your, like, right. I don't know, your margins, how much of like, money you spend on shit, you know, on and on and on. Uh, those things are useful, if nothing else, if you were to, at some point in your life, decide to become a grower. You, right. you might actually want to know that information. Like you won't have a resume, let's say, where you can say, oh, I've been growing for so-and-so for 10 years. You can go ask him. You'd have to, on the other hand, there are still plenty of people from what I understand that are actually interested in, in home grower type people who are good, but you'd have to be able to fucking back it up. You'd have to be able to tell them like, no, I've been consistently doing such and such. I and did, such right. and such. That's how I did it. But then they have to scale that model up towards, mm. you know, yes, yeah, you were awesome with 12 lights. Well, we have mm. 1200. This is a common problem, right? Yeah. So, if you're going to scale up to that level of production, how do you work? Because if you don't work efficiently, there's no effing way you're going to be able to, even in your head, even if you have an army of people doing it, yeah. to, to orchestrate that and dance it, like Steve's done big groups like that, you know, it's not an easy thing to do to conduct that orchestra. Hmm. If you have the experience and you, you can convey it in a way that, make, that humans will work with you, because some people know it, but they're assholes or can't communicate, you know, you have to find a way to make that whole dance work on a larger scale. Growers I know that grow good weed, I said, I think I can help you get better weed and save you a lot of money. And, and whether it's lights, whether it's nutrients, whether it's a little thing I noticed that I can bring to them that helps them get that little something something, that's why I'm here. I enjoy that. I, I can't help it. I'm always studying, looking to figure out a way to get better. I was talking to a friend of mine not too long ago after uh, Dr. Faust. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Uh, Potent certainly knows who he is. You're nodding your head. Yes. Uh, for anyone who's not familiar, he founded BioAg, and he's basically kind of the fulvic acid guy, uh, fulvic humic, humic acid guy. <clears throat> he's also the one guy that Coot says he always looks up to. So as, as we know, Coot doesn't usually say he likes, uh, looks up to people, but he actually does say he looks up to, to Dr. Faust. Dr. Faust this was very interesting for my friend was like, holy shit, that's an interesting concept. Kind of like from, from, from a different perspective than, than uh, my friend was used to. Um, he studied and practiced this for about 20 years. I believe he studied limiting factors in mm-hmm. agriculture. And basically he went from grow to grow to grow. And still to this day, apparently it influences his, his thinking because he brought it up in discussion on my show and so on. He goes around or went around to farms to figure out what was the limiting factor in the production. So not rather, how do I say this? Not, uh, I don't know, um, 
I think a lot of people, you know, my friend basically was thinking it from a different perspective, like, how, how, how could I increase my sports performance or something? You know, how could I, how could I be bigger, faster, stronger? This is from the ba- This is from the other end. You want to be bigger, faster, stronger, but what is the thing that is keeping you from doing that? As opposed to what is the thing you could actively do it? You're 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 being kept from it. It's a very interesting conceptual thing. You, you, may, um, you may be you may be doing something which is directly affecting the result you want. Correct. Yeah. And because he's looking at it from a different set of eyes, he go, "Well, if you change this one thing, hmm. you know." It might be a couple things, but if you if you have fresh eyes on something for someone who knows that game, you know he's he's done his homework. He's he's got decades of real research and stuff in him to know that this is what the wall you're hitting and why. It makes perfect sense that somebody who's you know walked the walk, talked the talk, did the homework, and didn't just say I think this is the same as last time, but actually lab tests and verified the data is where we're going with it. You know, if you can consistently replicate your strain and the data backs you up, you're medical grade. That's what they're looking for. That's what everybody wants. If you buy aspirin, you want it to be this strong this week and this strong next week. You want it to be consistently the same. Hmm. To know that, we have to log all the data. How did we get there? What nutrients do we use? What was our temperature? What was our humidity on? Day one, day two, day three, day 47, day six. You know, what were all my variables? From seed to skill factors, you have to document those, don't you? Burdenville, um, uh, documenting your stress factors, sure. And, um, yeah, because there's I'm looking for the paper, it's actually pretty good, and I'll post it. Go ahead, uh, if uh, just a quick promo for the Discord, if you happen to like who and stuff, he's been hanging out on Discord, so go on the Discord and come hang out. And uh, he's been in live chat, just, just saying. It's true. Uh, speaking of which, I haven't been promoting the Discord enough, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we have a Discord. Uh, rather, I have a Discord. Everybody else uh, uh, hangs out there, and it's uh, a ton of fun. Smash is in there every day. Uh, Coot's been in there quite a few times. Uh, we have a good time. Smash is in there almost all the time, uh, almost every day, frankly. You're, you're dabbing with uh, Steelburn and a bunch of folks uh, you know, hanging out. Welcome, folks. Welcome to come and join us. Uh, we'll, I'll post the link here in a second. I think folks have been posting the link, but uh, I'll post another one. And uh, you guys are welcome to hop on here. Uh, by the way, Brendan, I don't mean to monopolize your entire evening. Oh, I just clicked the link instead of posting it. Sorry, apparently I'm tired <laughs> too. Uh, so how do I say this? You're more than welcome to hang out. You're, you know, this is one of those long form shows. Potent knows this. Like we hang out. I mean, I think you know this because I've seen you in the background. But uh, you don't feel like if you if you have other things to do. We can perfectly wrap it up. We can move on to something else. You can, uh, for example, you know what? If if you'd like to tell us a bit about your lights, you've had a, a we've had a really interesting abstract discussion. Perhaps you'd like to tell us something specific about your lights. I don't know. This would be a great chance for you to shine. I'll keep it simple. We lost a, a new line of lights, the Phoenix line. Um, the the Phoenix six eighty has got the highest performance per watt of any fixture in its weight class. We get more light per dollar spent, and we did something else again. We changed the game where. We're literally charging you a dollar a watt for the highest performing fixture in the market. So we're, we're making a better fixture with better components at a better price for you. Um, gardener tested, grower tested, battle tested, lab tested, and verified. Hmm. Uh, we're kind of OCD about getting the best results in plants. And whether you want all the way up to a 1,050 watt LED bazooka or down to a, a lower wattage one that you want to grow something small or quiet, we make something a tool for each job. Uh, take a look at spectrumkingled.com or the Instagram. We have all those 
fun social media stuff that I rarely look at. I have to be honest. Um, I'm all about getting the results, real, real lights over plants and making things which are easy for people to work with, to put together. You know, the, the fixture you can lift with one finger. You're putting up a hundred lights in a facility. We literally save you a ton, no pun intended, versus the competitor's lights. And if you're going at home, you don't want to hang something, which you feel like you have to be Arnold Schwarzenegger lift over your head. You want to be able to flip it up and go. Man, it's not a joke. I mean, my LED lights are very heavy and cumbersome to move around. The Phoenix line light, the, the main body comes out and folds open. You can lift it with one finger. It's super light. Crazy yeah. light. I mean, literally, the power supply probably weighs more than the rest of the fixture. It does. And the two together are just 20 pounds, which is, you know, significantly lighter than any other light out there. If you get a 680-watt light from anybody else, I think the closest one is 27 pounds. And there's ones that go up to 50 pounds, whereas ours is 20 pounds. That's All a massive things. safety issue. Uh, it came up in the chat earlier that there's a lot of states now that are actually requiring LED lights in commercial yep. grows. It's only a matter of time before they require that in home grows too, which is honestly not that stupid of an idea. I mean, the, the HPS bulbs, it's a fucking like a, would you say how many hundreds of degrees is the surface on there? If that thing breaks sure. and falls on something? hundred, yeah. yeah. A higher wattage bulb. Right. Yeah. But it's a fire hazard. It's a heat hazard. It's a power hazard. Yeah. And it's also a landfill hazard. So, you know, technology is changing. I mean, if you look at Energy Star appliances, you know, they, they, you get better ratings and rebates on things that perform better to save power. Why? Because if you save power and your neighbor saves power and people on the street save power, the grid where you're at can service more people or more importantly, can be more stable. And in, in big cities with massive HBS grows, when those things turned on, they were taking down neighborhoods. So, you know, the, the, the use of power and then if it's a summertime, and any grow in the Southwest of the United States and even the South in summer, it's so hot. If you have things that are already 600 degrees, your ACs never turn off. You just right. go through so much power to maintain and grow. And that becomes a bigger part of your operational cost. Or you're just so, going to be fighting yeah. against yourself. Yeah. Right. right I just right. heard, uh, who was it? Uh, I want to say Mr. Grow It, I think, on uh, Michigan Grows. He was talking about how he just basically stops growing in the summertime because it gets too hot. Well, that sucks. You know, like you can't do a perpetual grow that way. You can't really have a living soil that way. I mean, I guess you can have a cover crop or something you're just running. But uh, still, like, uh, that that sucks. It'd be better if you could grow all year round, you know. I imagine you could probably do that with a... I spoke to a friend of mine that's up in Edson, Alberta. It's snowing there today. Huh. And so, <laughs> you know, he's so, like, my ground's so frozen. I'm going to have to get greenhouses to put heaters in. I'm like, yeah, you are. There's no way you do you're not going to break through the ice to plant something right now. Well, the other thing too, it just depends on your growth style. Like, mm -hmm. I don't think you could grow. Well, you might be able to grow acreage in this high heat, but we grew up. I grew up down the Cote Divide. It would get up to 115 there, and we just did wicking beds, so the plants always had access to water. And we had them in big, giant wicking beds that were like, I don't know, five or six feet wide by, um, you know, 14 or 18 feet long. With just a rubber pond liner in the bottom with a, a, a pipe cut out maybe five or six inches up so it would act as an overflow drain. Then we had a pipe that went down and we filled that up with just river rock and stuff and gravel. Hmm. And then put a layer of shade cloth and then all the soil on top and then put the plants in there. And then we just fill, take a, a hose and fill that water up for some nutrients or whatever down there. Uh, and, and fill that up, and then the plants always had like you know drinkable water. And we were, and as long as they have you know tons of water, you know 
you can grow cannabis and you know 100 degrees. i know it's not uncommon in oklahoma during the day and in, in july and august to get 105 110 in the greenhouses mm-hmm. it's not ideal but sometimes when it's brutal outside and you and it's super high humidity it's hard to get that you know without ac units it's hard to get nevada. that temp down guy same thing brought nevada had growing sativas at 115 degrees yeah but he was keeping his roots cool and aerated and moist and the plant was like as long as i got that i'm cool that is just not growing some of the plants things. like it yeah i mean especially in the daytime uh, we, we've talked about this i mean uh 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 how do I say this? Well, I mean, I don't know. Everybody, I think, has watched Kevin Jodry videos on YouTube. He's talked about this quite a bit. Uh, I guess I can't think of anybody else who's talked about it. So I guess I would have mentioned somebody else, but I mean, whatever. Uh, how do I say this? He's talked quite a bit about how uh, severe temperature swings are excellent for cannabis, basically. I mean, probably not every single strain, but they can be spectacular in outdoor cannabis when it's 120 degrees out in California, and then it drops to 50 degrees at night. That push-pull basically puts just fucking grease on the plants. Uh, how do I say this? Uh, Potent, you and I were talking to uh, Nick Risden up in Michigan, and he was talking about how uh, the bourbon is the same way. There's this constant push-pull, evidently. That's one of the reasons, apparently, I've heard that about Kentucky, that it's uh, the weather. He was saying that, that the weather is completely changeable from one minute to the next uh, uh it'll be completely something different and so it's constantly pushing and pulling uh the whiskey in and out of the barrel basically and oxygenating de-oxygenating uh, uh the triggering freaking, uh, the plant's responses that yeah the plant's going to protect itself it's going to trigger the responses yeah. the plant's going to get harder it's going to get and that strains that succeed in that are the ones you want to take cuts of because now you know who's good for that neighborhood hmm. not everybody likes it but when you find the ones that do you grow more of them in that area I mean, that's the thing, right? Like in the future, hopefully you won't all be growing runts or white runts or whatever from Oklahoma to Florida to wherever. Like hopefully it'll be something that grows super well in Oklahoma in 110 degree weather or, you know, in, in, in Texas in 100 and whatever the shit they have there, blah, blah, blah. Right. Yeah. Lime River Rose. That's it. Exactly. D. Lime River Rose. Thank you. Um, Grows well, by the way, everywhere. I have that up a little Steve. <laughs> My best. Being high. At least you're not showing uh, porn or something. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> show a shopping cart full of all that's, kinds of funky things, yeah. Because that's never happened on this show. That's literally never Here's happened. Here's everyone. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, by the way, uh, folks, uh, I think this is the relaxing portion of the show. Uh, Brendan, like I said, you're more than welcome to hang out, but uh, how do I say it? Uh, I, we've pestered you with more than enough questions. Uh, right, folks, you're welcome to hop, hop on it's here and shoot the shit. Um, um, thanks for having me in here, man. Cheers, dude. Yeah. Um, well, you can show that. That's another product of mine. It's a microbial line called More. Tell us about it. Basically, we found a way to have 700 plus species living in a bound solution that you can store for a while and it'll still work and it, it, it's a mixture of aerobes and anaerobes so not only will it get your system cleaner <coughs> it'll help your plants root faster if you go to our ig grow with more you'll see you know testimonials of just ridiculous rooting and, and trike production because we're stimulating the plant and process get nutrient cycling break up all the things that are built up around your roots so your plants are clean and happy your roots look like hollywood teeth they're just just bright white Fat, fat roots. I can get roots like my fingers on cuts that are this tall. You know, hmm. I, I love it. 
And is it I mostly never for uh, synthetics, living soil, all of the above? What? Yes. The only thing is that obviously, if you're a sterile environment grower, know that you would be adding microbials and a lot of them. And then what we did is we made a thing called what we call the BCT, which is a biocatalyzing unit. So for commercial grows, we actually brew it on site. So I'm just shipping you a recharge packet of that you just dry powder, you drop in, let it brew in our systems, and uh, it's producing it you 24 seven. Just have it go from there into a reservoir, and then you pull from the reservoir into Dosatron or whatever you know mode you do things. Hmm. Keeps your stuff cleaner, roots faster, gets your plants healthier, and fights off more things. Cool. Any. If you use trays and drains, all your things will be cleaner from the inlet to the outlet. You won't have buildup, biofilm and sludge and stuff because it has, there's microbes processing it. And around the plants, it's turning it back into plant available food. If it's downstream, it's breaking it down to a format where it's not blocking anything and you can flush it out. Um, I was gonna be, so, well, no, actually, now that I think about it, it's kind of funny. Have you and uh, Potent had a one-on-one uh, -on -one fist fight between Moore and IMOs? We have not because there's, there's different applications. Steve's IMOs are more of exactly that. They're treating specific insect regimens. Mm -hmm. We're just trying to well, keep your plants growing healthier, happier. But he's he's used more. He knows what he can do. Yeah, it works good in aquaponic systems for keeping the, the plants roots white, especially. And the heat, we had noticed a big difference in the hotter water temperatures in Oklahoma. Seemed to keep the, the roots a little whiter, a little cleaner. Cool. But we, you know, we get, but my one of my words I came up with years ago, trichaliciousness. I mean, mm. you can see that the, the plants just, just produce. It's, it's magic. I love it. But look at, I mean, the roots <clears throat> wrapping like that, like literally, if you have the cloth buckets, they're all pruning themselves, but it looks like a pin cushion. They're just roots coming through everywhere. Oh, there's a, yeah. There you go. Yeah, look at those fat roots and a little cut. Look at that. So when you know you're triggering specific microbials in an environment, actually trigger plants by producing the hormone to make them give bigger roots. And it's not a synthetic hormone. Like indole acetic acid is nature's rooting hormone. And there's species of bacteria that actually create that when they're in a rhizosphere. And a lot of people, you would use butyric acid, which is a synthetic hormone, which will get you roots. A lot of expensive rooting products would have that in it. But it's also questionable as a carcinogen, and perhaps that's not something humans should consume. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I always try to go about things as organically as possible. I study plants and find out the good, the bad, and the ugly. When we came across more, I mean, in my own head, I thought I was contradicting myself till we did our homework in labs and everything else. Like, no. We really do have a way to keep hundreds of species more viable, alive, and in balance. Aerobes and anaerobes, all ready to go. Because they've grown up in competition, they survive in environments that are considered hostile. And if you have specifically bred microbial species that are one-trick ponies, for lack of a, a nicer term, um, and you put them in a, in a commercial environment, they're decimated because they never competed to exist. When you have species that are raised together, the strong survive, and you have a much better product to bring forth to people. Hmm. That's what we found. And again, if you want to contact more about trying it, just fill out the form and go for it. See for yourself. For me, it's always been put up or shut up. We know what we got. 
We want you to see with your own eyes. I've used it in a couple of different aquaponic systems now too. Again, it's totally fish safe. Uh, that much I can say. Works good. I dig that, Brendan. That uh, you're never really bullshitting about uh, you know hypotheticals. You know, you're always kind of showing like, here's the weed we grow with it. You yeah. Know, like, not like uh, you could grow weed with this. We, we recommend it. This would be fucking great if you tried it. No, here's the weed we grew with it. Try it. Many of places people grow all different ways, different style, different stuff. But when you show people with real results, this is what they're actually getting with it. Right in your face. You want to click on their stuff, find them, talk to them. You can. Big commercial growers are using it. Other people are getting quality because it, it does work. I've worked with many products over the past few decades. I've stuck with the ones that I believe in, the philosophy of the product, and what we're doing. We're giving better stuff for people to get better results and not doing it as greedy fuckers like some companies are. I mean, have you thought about having a private plane? No. Yes. Well, if it sounds great. But it could good. It was like so you can help out with like Doctors Without Borders and stuff like that. Well, Doctors Without Borders, people donate them flights so they can write them off in their taxes. If you, you see what it costs to, to, to dock and maintain a plane, hell no. It's worse than a boat. Yeah. What's a boat? It's a hole in the water. You throw your money. You know? It, uh, it, I've it's actually... Like, Someone in the car industry was like at their local airport. They built these nice ass hangers. Might not be the problem. They bought these nice ass hangers and shit. And he just he doesn't store any planes in there. It's just cars. And there's like he can have parties in there. There's like a bar. It's so cool. But there, yeah, he's like it's like it is cheaper than like a a a garage. Like if I, it's like about. It just makes more sense to have the big open space, you know? Well, I know people that bought them and grew them into grow ops. You know, they bought old hangers. You know, but it, it's insulation and piping and everything else and power is always going to be an issue because if you're parking cars or, or docking a plane, you're you're running a few thousand watts of lights. You're not running a hundred thousand watts of lights, which you would do that square feet if you're growing it. Um, I'm just saying... I'm even discharging if I, my Teslas. Even if I made an F ton of money, I'm not the flashy guy who has to have a plane and a gold watch and all this stuff. That's not me. I'm still going to be the nerd trying to figure out the way to do something better. So, yeah. That's good. That's, that's fun. And like having I, money, wait. that does not mean that you're happy. I want, to buy, I want to buy a watch. You know, I might buy a nicer guitar. More of them. That's one of my, you know... That's why I have a whole shit ton of bases. Oh, what, what are you going to play for us? Uh, right now, not a damn thing. But <laughs> <laughs> right now, I'm going to finish the sentence and get more more Gatorade. Acoustic <laughs> ovation. But, but I thought we were friends. I tried. Okay. If you if you win your millions, you can always say no. You can always say no. That's all. Yeah, that's you know. We ask. You can always say no. I, I would, okay. If you want to buy a plane with your millions, I will never stop you. It's not my bag. I have cousins who are pilots. I would say, Jorah, can you pick me up? If I was really in that kind of thing, but you know, even a friend of mine who did own a plane, he sold it because he realized, even though he's worth millions, it just costs too much to maintain it. If you don't have a job or something, but you need to use that thing. Three times a week. There's no point in going to one. Yeah, a lot of pilots. 
use it as their job. Like they either fly to their job or, or they fly for their job or it's it's weird. I know I know a couple of pilots. I want an ultra light. You guys know that. The like with I don't even need a license. My uncle flew an ultralight up to when he was 80 years old. He lived to be 87 and he used to be flying ultralight at 80 years old. Like first we took him out, you know, it took him, my, my cousin was a former Air Force pilot, his son. They take him out, you know, the desert and they go the right time of day. But my uncle was a pilot, the first jets in Korea, my uncle flew back then. And then he was an air traffic controller. He was called the chief by everybody. So the chief at 80 was flying a little damn ultralight. And when the wind was in his face, he was barely moving, you know, you hear that thing screaming, like, then he would turn and come around into the wind and start booking again. Then he would turn and come back up and just be crawling and come back up to us. He'd only be like, a, you know, 150, 200 feet up, too. Yeah, yeah that's well, actually, we use those for spraying. The, a lot of the um, farmers yeah. out here, they do have, um, they spray crops and stuff like that. There's a difference between an ultralight and a bush plane, too. So a bush plane, you don't need a full pilot's license. You need a bush pilot's license, which is a little bit less strenuous, but it's yeah. still a pilot's license. But in either event, you're saying that a lightweight plane, but an ultralight is literally like a damn hang lighter with an engine on your back. You know, it's just yeah, I'll show you like the one I was looking at. Yeah. Bring, if you bring one up, smash the one you're looking at. But... My uncle was flying a thing, a little metal frame, tiny little bicycle, you know, wheels, and like a hang glider over his head, basically. With like a like a swamp fucking fan spinning right behind his back that was blowing him through the air. This, this is the one, the kid I would like. Oh, that's that's more of a plane, yeah. You get the real ultralight. That's a one-person one. Yeah, well, you can't. You can do two people, but it, these, these little motors—they're not meant for it. Yeah, yeah, you're only doing like fifty. Like I think the max fifty horsepower now. That's when you see those guys in, on a day with the wind in their face. It looks like they're standing still because the motor's not strong enough to, to fight it. Is they start going off to an angle into it to get pulled. Is it based on aircraft weight or engine? Capacity weight, or weight and engine capacity, yeah. Both, yeah. It has a here. Let me see if I can look it up. What, what qualifies as an ultralight? Yeah, what's the yeah. biggest ultralight that you can do? It's still qualified, I guess. Mm-hmm. Bring another tree. Well, yeah. Weighs, uh, weighs less than 254 pounds for our, uh, 115 kilograms, empty weight, uh, excluding floats and safety devices. Has a minimum fuel capacity of five gallons, does not exceed 55 knots, 63 miles an hour, 102 kilometers an hour. Calibrated airspeed at full power in level flight. You're, you're not going far. That's so you're limiting. Yeah, you can't really go very far with that. But that's the so, whole thing. You get out in the middle of nowhere and you fly around a field, but it's cool as hell because you're exposed to the elements. You feel everything. Yeah, that's true. You know, I like one of those experimentals. Uh, the the I guess they I guess they are called bush planes, but uh, bush planes like, are what dope. Are they called? Yeah, with the big old freaking tires, you can land on a freaking hill or whatever. Right. That just seems like so much fun. Yeah, 
And those yeah, are like uh, Lars was saying that the plane's a half a million. I think if you want to get a jet or something, it's like a, you know at, at least that. But like yeah. a propeller plane, you can get those sometimes for twenty thousand, twenty five thousand dollars. Yeah, but a Cessna one fifty two. Have you ever flown <clears> one? It's like being in a Volkswagen Bug in a bumpy road in the sky. It's not a pleasant experience. Hmm. If you're not, if you're like thirty five hundred feet to five thousand feet on a nice day, fine. But if there's any push bend in the wind, you man, it's it's a rough go. So yeah, you can have them. But these are the best ultralight designs, um, allegedly. That's more about what my uncle was flying. Go up that one, number one there. Mm. That kind of thing. Except his was exposed. There was no windscreen. It was that kind of body with no windscreen. It was wind in the space. See, this is the air bike I want. It's like more like a plane. It's one of the cheaper ones to get into it. Pull it came out. Pull a Fabio wow. without a windscreen. There you go. That's the one pushing the, the right. The fucking goose. My wife has a bragging point. She was a flight attendant for 15 years. She got to fly. You know, pilot used to let them fly every once in a while. And she flew at 747. Oh, yeah. so look, you can get something <laughs> to land on water yeah. too. Half capacity. I like Full that crew, one. half capacity. She I like that one a lot. That's, That's a seaplane. Yeah. You can land. You can take that on trips and just jump lake to lake. Lake jumper, you'd be dragging, you know, hey, meet me outside, man, tomorrow. I'm going to go camping. I'll fly across the lake. I just cruise in. And just, just land it by the water and cruise yeah, up. Look, at, look at this one, though. That's like a plane. That's Is like a Cessna 152, just a hair smaller. Yeah. It's the Marlin light. It's a modified version of the Marlin and blah, 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 ultra light. That, uh, that looks heavier than 254 pounds, though. Uh, it's, it's an ultra light. Oh, but it only goes 24 knots. Jesus, that, that thing barely moves. Stall speed is 27 miles. Go, go up one, go up one, other, go, go up, scroll up. That little tiny thing. That's what the guys used to ride. You're totally exposed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. with a hand glider, right? Yep, yep. with a hand glider yep, yep, over yep, your yep. head. Yep. Like that. Right. Yeah, that's what my parents' friends used to have. My uncle is 80 years old flying that contraption. <laughs> See, I would be down to like maybe try to if I bought one of the nicer ones, maybe something like the the that one or like let's see. Well, what about paragliding? You can get into paragliding for like six to eight grand. Yeah, but yeah. I would just like to. It would be cool to like plan a trip to like oh I'm gonna go to Michigan because it's not that far. You know, I'm gonna go to like, Michigan in a fucking ultralight smash with the shit. The, yeah, what the People fuck? People are going to cross the U.S. <laughs> Isn't that you said? Fucking, you dude, no. travel the country in a Model T. He's going to cut, no. He's going to fly right across Canadian airspace. That's the guy's going to cut the short way. You'd have to land every, like, every 90 minutes and fill up, and you'd have to be near an airfield. Like, that's, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah. <laughs> He's wearing fucking goggles and a scarf. <laughs> I'm going to do it. Doghouse. <laughs> came from behind <laughs> like tint fucking beans in the sky well and I say <laughs> a big big giant red scarf that's it that's it how many miles hold on how many miles does the five gallons get you miles miles if it's windy you won't go anywhere and you fly backwards exactly oh, yeah you gotta you plan things you take off a Massachusetts. Supply into when? Minimum of five gallons. Minimum of five gallons. A gallon of gas weighs what? Eight pounds, something like that? So you have 40 pounds. You're weak. Usually 50 to 20 foot long. 
180 miles without refueling. Right. So where you know you just stop you, every where, where are you miles? in your Massachusetts? No, you stop every hundred miles. What? But you have to have somewhere you can stop. That means you have to find areas. Yeah, you have to you have to plan it out like really good. <laughs> You'd have to have it would, Boomy, it would be uh, fun. <laughs> you wouldn't you wouldn't do it if you like could plan it out and try to do something. I would want to. Oh my God. That would make a that would make a great YouTube video. It'd be it'd be like the Lord of the Rings in slow motion, like slowest smuggler. It's more realistic in like a bush plane, but be a guy on the ground walking, going, "Will you get down here?" Exactly. So, so fucking walking, like walking for cancer guy beats him. I got you. Get down here. Yeah. You're violating both state yeah. law. You're not qualified to do so, that. Get down. If you're flying into the wind, you're going about 60 miles an hour. 50 miles an hour. That's if you're no wind. If there's any wind, you're not going 50. That's your max speed. You're stopping every two hours, then change. I was telling you, when my uncle's flying the thing in the wind, it looked like he wasn't going anywhere. <laughs> then he would turn and go sideways the wind, he would shoot the other way. And then when he's with the wind, he would then he'd get his 50 miles an hour and he'd go for like Three minutes, four minutes, get a couple miles away. <laughs> so, and you go back. so you just you take a draft and you go up and yeah. then you just dive bomb. You go there you go, and then you go back up exactly. again. That's all it is. <laughs> so the max max speed sixty five miles an hour. Yeah, like riding so over you the, have, the dunes and stuff. You have cool. to plan it, but it would be cool. You get a bunch it's of Taco Bell. And then you make sure you find a nice group of abortion protesters to let it roost. You can't, you can't, you can't go over gathering. <laughs> um, but no, it's more realistic in like yeah. a bush plane. It's like a, it's an actual plane. This is what people use in remote areas. Sure. That's a bit more realistic. Yeah, the bush planes are nice. Hold on, let me see if I can. They use a lot of bush plane. Yeah, at least if any weather happens, you're going to be okay in a bush plane. Yeah. I used to make some parts for the for planes. I don't know. You have to be incredible. Tolerance levels are incredibly slow. Look at that fucking thing. There you go. Oh, that red one there. That was like a $2 million plane. Yeah. The Draco? That one no. The Draco, yeah. Look at that. Where was that one? It was like a race you have plane. To get that one. Look at this one. The Double Ender Project. Who named a plane after Steve's dog? Did you give him permission? I'm going to pay you a licensing fee. Right. Yeah, that's the guy. He has enormous teeth. Steve. This is other, this oh, is other plane. Crazy big. Where are the front wings? Where are the front wings? You're going to need those to fly. Just saying. That's what they say. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like a pod racer, really. <laughs> that's, there you go. Well, yeah, this is where, yeah, it just doesn't have the wings attached. It's the same, I think it's the same wings as this Draco. He crashed it like three times and rebuilt it. <laughs> Every time you say Draco, my dog's head pops in. I was like, what? Mm. Uh, what I don't know what the max mean? capacity for these ones are. What's the specs of a hold on, let me see. Yeah. But <laughs> my dog says, that, uh, take Bush your name out of your goddamn mouth. Draco. <laughs> you should have told me that. You should have. Hey, hey, 
You know, you don't want to. You don't want to play the black chick head game with Draco. He's he, he's gonna he can get you even through the screen. No, no, no. Harper's the one that goes. No, on. she. Well, she's the assassin. She's Maggie the fluffy Mark. assassin. Is what her nickname is for Harper. Yeah. <laughs> Draco can open his mouth so big like a crocodile. He could grab your skull, no problem. Yeah. Oh, so could my glares. I'm an Irish wolfhound. But he yawns like a crocodile. Like his teeth are open, like eighteen. Like it's crazy. He can fit my face in his mouth, yeah. no problem. Same with Glare. Hold on, at least if I can get him over here. Or I call him horse. <laughs> Glare. Glenn, I'll get him. You'll love him. I'm just trying to get my tank to be quiet because he's like oh. producing back back there. Yeah. Good boy. Good boy, yeah. Yeah. Where's the side? Wolfhound mix? No. Really? Yeah. He's just, battle? He's just a jerk. He doesn't like mix. heat. What? That mm. looks like a Scottish like wolfhound. No, he's an Irish wolfhound. I saw his parents. I went up to Minnesota and got him myself. He's a fawn. He's a fawn. Um, when we had his brother, his brother was bigger. Well, he was just, he just ate more. Um, well, we're, but just when, gonna, we're just going to tell Drake not to take a look because wolves and wolfhounds kind of don't, it's not their not, thing, not man. The it's like bloods. Yeah. You know? Can't have that happen. Sorry. No friends for you. Ix no me on Oh, what? He's a good big guy, though. I don't like each other. He's a... Oh. Mortal enemies. I don't mourn. I don't know. He's very simple. The size is why it's though. How tall is he at the shoulder? 36 inches. Yeah, so... Drake Draco's approaching that. He's not full-grown yet. Oh. Yo, he's got... Look at the size. Yeah. Uh, what did he again? He's not very heavy. He's still growing. I'm guessing he's probably around 85 pounds. That guy's, probably, that guy's probably 120 or something. I can see it. Yeah, down. he's 120, but he's a lightweight. Yeah. He doesn't eat. His brother was 180 pounds. Yeah. I mean, like, he was like 36 inches. I can show you the same weight in low rider wide light. Because my, my blue dog, not even up to my knee, but he's, he's this wide and he's 120. No fat. He's just a little tank. Okay, uh, he's a muscle. Yeah. Muscle is it? Oh, oh, look at you, muscle boy. Can you, I don't think you can see him down here, but uh, oh, okay. I do. There we go. You can see the friends. Who's the other friends? He's like, I work out. This is Bluto. And he's my, <laughs> oh, he's my pet tank. Oh, he's beautiful. Yeah, he's a good and, and then it's, it's a mess. Hey, where'd I go? Get him, get him, get him. Oh. But he's right. He's just Steve and I are tall, so oh. you know he he's six three barefoot. So, but Draco's he's up here, and then he's going to jump on me and shoot for the attention. All right. All right. This. This. Anyways, we have our menagerie of creatures, and we have a cat that rules them all. Yeah. All cats are cool. I like to get a kitty. Cats on timeout. Oh, hold on. Speaking of cat, hold on, wait. I'll show you just for just so we can have the pop up of my video. That's go. why I, I was yelling earlier. The cat was fucking with the dog. <laughs> always always goes in like and like takes I don't know, it's just fuck with the dog. I don't even know what it does. It just sits there and stares at him. He's like, What the fuck are you looking at? It's so funny, and I'm like, get your cats away from the dog. 
Jesus. Well, the, the dogs here early on would go up to the cat fast, and the cat would let them come right to his face. And then if they, came, if they looked their head lower, he'd slap the living shit out of them. So, you know, Killer, his name is Killer for a reason. He's a gorgeous little black and white, looks like this kind of little thing, but he will squat the living hell out of anything that gets too close to him. So he's the, the ruler of the roost. Really <laughs> Otherwise, he's, he's zen. Yeah, he's really zen most of the time. But when they get into it, my dogs learned very quickly not to bother Killer. Because <laughs> 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 he thrashed them. You know? and, uh, and Bluto, being the determined soul that he was, wanted to be his buddy. And it took a while to where he could walk up to him. As long as he didn't look straight at him, he could lay down by him. But if he made direct eye contact, what? <laughs> He's a cartoon. He's a good dude, though. Hop on, folks. This is the uh, BSing portion of the show. You guys are welcome to come and uh, it's, it's, it's funny. I, I <clears throat> took out my... Oh, go ahead. Me and uh, Brendan Rust and Jordan River went mushroom hunting. That looks fun. On Sunday, that was fun. We found a bunch of morels. That was super cool. I didn't even realize you guys had morels out there. Are they good? Oh, yeah. I think they're everywhere, aren't huh. they? Yeah, they're, they're, good they're, yeah, they're in pretty much all like lower That's forty-eight cool. of these. Wow. Um, the only thing to... I, I I said this before though. The only reason I don't like going out looking for mushrooms is I live in like Pickville, so like. You walk in the woods, you get at least five. Like the dogs get at least ten picks a year. And like I started to spray oh, my yard. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, I started to That's spray cool. my yard with like uh, cedar. I buy this uh, organic, like essential oil mix and stuff. Pretty much, you don't let the dogs out for a day in the backyard, and it seemed to work pretty good last year. It, I'm gonna use it again this year and see if it was anything else I did, but. It went from like they used to get like ten to fifteen a, a year. Last year they only got like three, three or four. So I don't know. Uh huh. You get those big deer ticks there. Well, yeah, we have all. We I think we have both kinds. We have the Lyme disease ticks and we have the big ticks. We mostly just have the Lone Star ticks out here, which they're bigger. Well, they're bigger than some of the itty bitty ones you get out east, but. They they can make you um, allergic to beef. They have a little white spot on their back, so you gotta like like what I we always do. I'll take um I'll, we'll go to the dollar store if we're gonna go out hiking, and we'll get those uh, cheap like dollar store flea collars and put them on our ankles because you can get like a ten pack for like about four bucks or whatever, and then you just put All them right. bitches on your ankles and it keeps the chiggers and the and the ticks off. So uh, you're smart cookie. Walking around with cat flea collars in his ankles is a fashion statement and it functional too. Yeah, just make sure you have socks on, you know, with that shit on your skin. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's good oh, to know. Uh, oh, we don't like to wear socks. You, oh, the other thing too is a lot of the guys will put them through their shoelaces or something. You know, that's another thing you can do, but I still think it's better to put it around your ankle, uh, especially if you're going to be working out all day out, you know, and it's, or hiking for hours and hours and hours. It's just easier that way. Uh, I've seen, yeah, I've seen people put like tape on their ankles and it's worked pretty good. You'd probably work better if you had tape with Vaseline. Thing went wrong. Try again. Uh, yeah, Google said you're a creep. 
Where is the stuff I use? <laughs> that was fun. I was just thinking about uh, how with the packages of like um, Frontline and shit, they always say like uh, wait an yeah. hour or whatever before taking the dog to the water. And the reason why is that actually if you take, it's like imidacloprid, right? It's it's one of those, uh, uh, the, it's one of the banned pesticides for cannabis, actually. Uh, yeah. What do they used to call it for cannabis? Not in, whatever yeah. the fuck it was called. Anyway, um, it's a nerve toxin, basically. And uh, it kills shellfish and any aquatic kind of uh, uh, invertebrates, basically, like a fucking motherfucker. It's basically like just instant assassination. So one dog... If it jumps in there, basically, if you applied like even one drop of that stuff on there within like an hour, it'll kill like an entire river's worth of invertebrates. It's like it's this like is the stuff I use. The river. Cinnamon oil, cedar oil, uh, uh, clove oil, water, sodium. What's that? L'oreal. Sodium laurel sulfate. What was interesting, the some of these essential oil products were actually some of the best ones, and the mm -hmm. russet might. I, I don't know if anyone watched the uh, uh, Susan Wainwright Evans had a, a free webinar on YouTube the other day, or Zoom, or whatever the fuck it was. I think it was Zoom, um, and had a whole thing about russets, and they found that some of those different essential oil ones actually were were actually last year. I didn't get any. Like I put it on the. Let's say, uh, I, so look, two years ago, I got spider mites and I figured it was from, I have like a pine tree. They're not like pine trees, but they're like bushes, uh, like a pine bush. And I got them one year. So last year I sprayed that essential oil on the bushes themselves. I sprayed it over them and I didn't seem to get anything towards my yard this year. It seemed to work really well. You didn't get the spider bite from pines. I'll tell you that. Yeah. They're not going to host on that. You probably walked by something and had them jump off you or the dog. You didn't even know. Yeah. Yeah. More likely you walked through grass or something yeah. that had them. They can jump a couple feet. So the thing you can't even see. I anything. thought there was some for like juniper bushes. Or strawberries. Strawberries yeah. are notorious. Oh, I do have a little set of strawberries, maybe. Yeah, if you have. But when I sprayed everything last year before everything sprouted, and it worked pretty well. So, so just assume that you have spider mites if you bought strawberry starts from the store, like straight up. No, they've been here forever since I moved in. Those strawberries have been growing. Just assume they also have spider mites. Yeah, the odds are the odds are like substantial. I meant I meant blueberries too, and the blueberries would be really good. Uh, here they're on the other side of the, the yard uh i leave so everyone talks about Spencer, like your, your audio is coming and going really shitty oh my hold on i'm probably leaning against my mic Maybe. so um what was that go oh so everyone complains about like gophers and moles and stuff like that but i've never like really had a problem with them because i leave like the strawberries that have been growing there i've never really ate i just kind of leave them and compost them uh, because it's such a small little section. So I've noticed all the rabbits go on the molds and whatever, just bother with that stuff and not my garden, like the cannabis plant. Uh, well, we had really good luck growing um, Kokona, which is a ground cherry. It's like a nightshade family uh, that has um, 
Everything in the nightshade family is high in histamines and other toxic compounds and roots um, that are moles and voles and pocket gophers and shit don't like. So um, you can grow them, ground cherries, tomatillos, uh, and others. Yeah, chrysanthemums, lemongrass, all of those you can plant at the base of your plants to, to intertwine the root systems to try and protect your cannabis. Um, we had That's really cool. good luck with that cocona. Uh, we, we bought the seeds through Baker Creek. You can get through there. Cocoa, Cocona. I don't remember the exact spelling of it. Um, but it's a, a ground cherry, a nightshade family. I mean, even the, the, in the old school old countries, the people would grow specific accompanying plants by their, their grapevines to keep the bugs away. Because they knew which plants the bugs wanted nothing to do with. Yeah. Once you know which plants those are, you just plant them around your stuff outside. And that's your defense. You don't need to buy chemicals at all. Bruce spider mites. Mm -hmm. Well, spider mites. Uh, you bet. What's the humidity in the room? No, no. This is, this was outdoors. Oh, I've I've actually been very lucky, and I've outdoors, have never contaminated contaminated the indoor garden. Outdoors in the, in the spring, I go with persimilis, put, uh, and then I'll go to California. Yeah, summer rolls around. Haven't yet. Got <laughs> to contaminate it into a garden. <laughs> yeah. You... Yeah, you smash, right? That's it. That's the point. Caveat. That's yeah. why I said I've been lucky. And like I've dealt with everything outside, but I haven't brought it indoors. I like, I do the whole changing and shit. Like before I go in the basement, I try to take a shower. I try to be as clean as possible, but you know. That's the standard SOPs you got to follow. I mean, that's the, the way you get. You know, the right way to protect your stuff is to not contaminate it. If you went from one go to the next, when I, whenever I'm out and seeing people and I, I go to a grow that, that I'd sense is bad, I call my next appointment and tell them I'm going to be late or, I, or whatever so I can go change and get other stuff. I'm not going to bring when I suspect anything to the next place or home, you know? So, like, if I'm going to see new people, I actually bring a change of clothes and stuff with me in the car just in case, you know? Um it's a respect thing, but it's more logical if, if you don't want to bring that in your garden or anyone else's. You know, you just don't want to do that. Don't be that guy. <laughs> One of the big ones of the decontamination. Mm. But going back to what Steve was saying, once you find the accompanying plants that can that emit the pheromones and compounds that those bugs don't like, you have you've built up your own defense system. You might want to uh, those are spruce mites. They're, those probably wouldn't host on cannabis. Yeah, I, I, read, I just I found it and I was like, maybe they somehow the wind blew them from my those trees. To the, I'll bring you outside one day and I'll show you what. Uh, I'll take a picture and put it in our chat. There's the army of dogs. Uh, a lot of different insects. Uh, a lot of different insects can actually feed on uh, cannabis. For instance. Um, Salanova aphids, the aphids that really go after um, uh, lettuce in particular, when they climb onto cannabis they t and start feeding on it, they turn black and die and fall off the plant. They cannot handle the resin and some of the other compounds in cannabis. So it just depends on what species of aphid that you get. On the, you know, not every species of aphid can feed on cannabis. You know, there's only I think anything that lives on a spruce tree is, spruce tree is pretty yeah, fucking yeah. hardy. What's the gentleman's name it's from uh, that channel, uh, Danithal? He just Zenthal. posted that video about uh, the, the Zenthanol. 
Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. 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 He just posted about the, the Vice Food Day. He posts some really fantastic stuff. He gets right in there and shows you exactly what he's supposed to do. Good videos of Rude Aphids. Yeah, same with you, oh. Steve. You, you, some of those details, some of those videos that you posted, just amazing how close up you get on those. You can really see what you what you really because that's what it is. It's taking no. the time to find what you're looking for because no. people don't usually take the time. They think they look at a couple of leaves and oh, I'm good. No, you know no. I mean? it's not you that. Yeah, you got to inspect those leaves and they oh, take God. time. Yeah, they are those gross bastards. Ugh. Damn, that's a lot of them too. Yeah. I feel dirty just seeing the video. There you go. Uh, Those root aphids in all their glory. And all life stages. So bad. So there's the, the juvenile. I know if you've ever dealt with those fuckers, you want to just like yeah, burn your I had a bad in DWC with different So that's the winged off. one is the winged form of the adults. Those yeah, are the yeah. same. All all three same of those species, are the same yeah. species. Just different ages. Yeah. Yeah. Different different life stages. Yeah. yeah. And there's I got egg. here. I, that's what I got, and I and I wasn't here enough because I was I was I, we just bought a house and we were moving to another house, and so I couldn't. I just moved here, and all I did was want to maintain the plant. So I was getting down here with the DWC just enough to to change all the buckets out. I think I had about 50, 45, 50. but um, I actually put some of them because they were getting so big into forty five gallon bins, you know, and just uh, you know cut a hole out of the cover, dropping that part right now. But um, I, I mistook them as fungus gnats at first. And a week later, they, man, I had to cut everything. Yeah, but they, you, plus you're multiplied. the older, the older. Oh the, yeah, oh, oh yeah, yeah. You punch in the nose. I I walk into places, I smell that, and I tell them they got root rot and death, and they go, "How do you know?" I I go, "Yeah, right over here." Oh, man, <laughs> they just, they just, oh, yeah. oh my god! I could have scooped them out of one of the five gallon buckets. They were float. I mean, not forty five gallon tubs. I had. Totes. I could have scooped them out with a fishing net. <laughs> Jesus. That's how bad I had them. Yeah, I had them. So I didn't get down here for like a week and they just exploded. In high humidity, high heat. They were loving life, man, just sucking off my roots. <laughs> oh my God. I'll get it as long as I live. <laughs> that particular video I posted is the worst I've ever seen with the root aphids. Yeah, it's just that must have smelled so horrible. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, yeah. Kids are happy they smell great. When they're not happy, they smell terrible. Death, well, that one, death, you know? There was so much feeding on it. Oh, yeah. Future fun. Nothing to Decaying and composting is a totally different thing. <laughs> Rotting vegetation. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, um, I've seen, I've seen the, I've it's seen. It's not even composting, it's just rotting. I've seen equal density, and I think I've posted pictures on on Fumi's show too of of the bong aphids, the ones that grow up in the canopy, the cannabis aphids, Philadelphia, yeah, Philadelphia yeah, yeah. cannabis. Um, uh, I've had a uh, uh, pictures are uh, I've seen that there was one girl in Colorado in particular I remember that was just covered that bad, but in the top half of the plants with aphids, and it was like, man, when why did you not try to do something before it got this bad? Like, what the fuck, right? What the hell's wrong with you? Right. <laughs> it's so fast that if you're not paying any attention. Any prevention at all? Any, yeah. Any preventatives you're doing at all? Like even inspecting your plants? <laughs> right. right. That's what I'm saying. When, like, especially with just visually, well, just a visual inspection. Sorry. I don't know. 
I mean, so the root root bound bugs are a little bit harder to come by. You have to wait till, till like you either have to look at your soil a lot or get up close with it or wait till there's an effect like for the root bound. But like if you get spider mites or something, you should be quick on those. Anything on the leaf, you should be able to spot. If you look at your garden enough, like I call it scouting. I like stand in front of my garden and just kind of look at things for like 20 minutes to see. Like, obviously, I'm not just standing in the same spot, but like, it, like you got to scout yourself and stuff for this. Like, it's it's you be, be pulling leaves every other day, every third day, pulling leaves and doing an inspection just randomly, you know, on every plant around the guy, just randomly on top, bottom, middle, you know, uh, out is you know, just doing a full inspection. Oh, this stuff smells like fucking that's, the way, that's my belief, anyway. That's what yeah. I gotta do. That's just what I gotta do. I'm not that's trying to tell Look at all the skeletons wow. from the leaf above it. There's the bottom of yeah. that. There's the bottom of the leaf. I wasn't joking uh, when I said they were the same density. That's just <laughs> a nightmare. Absolute nightmare. Yeah, and you can see nightmare. again. You have the lives. winged adults. You have the regular yeah, adults. It's, it's over. And then you have the nymphs. It's, it's over. It's over. That it's done. That's yeah. it's over. It's like it's <laughs> still living lives, man. Thank you. But again, winged adults and regular. Yeah. There's some peppers. Every stage. Whatever greenhouse so I mean, there's so many there. Yeah. Victoria. Multiple stage. Oh, yeah. Then you have um, beet curly top virus. Yeah. This is a little presentation I did for the Akpong Association. Um, Swiss, yeah. uh, mosaic virus. And then you have the caterpillars, the tobacco buttworm. Um, I've never really like. Wow, that's that's an interesting photo. <laughs> Little baby grasshoppers all hatching yeah. on the same plant. Grasshoppers. Scorpion. We found it. Oh yeah. Uh, Mendo dope always finds like rattlesnakes and scorpions. <laughs> that's <laughs> bad. Light flies going on too. Yeah, that's bad. I mean, that that's like nightmare material nice, for me. Nice close up of the root aphids. Really yeah, want to see what they look like up close. Like awful. <laughs> you know, you got the two freaking pipes out the back, man. I tell you, no. Goldstein got a lot of uh, cojones. He was uh, stress testing like products for spider mites and shit, and I'm like, ugh. These guys are cool. These are, um, they call, in Oklahoma, they call them skeeter eaters. I forget what they're actually called, the real name for them, the robber flies, I think they are. But these guys, this is like a three or four inch grasshopper. This is a huge grasshopper, and they just annihilate them. They'll eat like a fuck ton a day. They're really good to keep around. You don't want to swat them or anything. They bite you, too, if you fuck with them. They do. Horse flies. Nice spider. There go. Spider white. Horse flies. Nice thrips. Thrips, Jesus. Yeah. Uh, hey, thrips look kind of cool, though. What's going to be this fucking Oh. Silkworms. They munch the shit. So they, uh, they, they, they're the ones that tent your buds together in a little yeah. things. Just like yeah. a little, little frog. Cool ass fucking tree frog chilling in there. 
Anyways. So he'll buy out a perma warrior saying, holy fuck, I want to burn my phone now. I know I'm feeling <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm feeling it. I can't eat it anymore, right? <laughs> Please make it stop. scratching at you like, oh, my The joys of do- cannabis consulting. You get to see all kinds of brilliant ideas on pest control. And Supreme inside. Grape is actually nailing it. He says, this is the shit we need every couple of weeks to keep us reminded to stay on, stay on IPM. <laughs> That's the thing. Integrated pest management has to be integrated into your fucking grow. People it's forget that that's what it means. Everyday do, yeah. Whether you have bugs or not, you assume that you always have bugs. If you act as if you always have bugs, then you will potentially never have bugs. I mean, I guess if you're acting yeah, well. Oh, you know, well, if you, you treat your plants to get them healthy enough, the bugs will eat them. <laughs> yes, but you know, if you catch them early enough, they're a nuisance, not a not a problem. Mm-hmm. That's a good way to put it. Make sure your soil's already breaking down what the bugs are made out of. So if you do have something come in, they're not going to want to stay around. The, the dead bug carcasses will trigger the plants to produce the chitinase enzyme. The chitinase uh-huh. enzyme breaks down the micropolymer, which is the exoskeleton of insects. So if they suck the juice out of the plant, it'll it'll rot their intestines and kill them. Same thing so, with the malted barley. It is the, right. you the can, chitinase, too. And you can actually get that from uh, alfalfa meal, too. But yeah. you... you the chitosan, the chitinase enzyme, that bugs, it's an absolute no-no. That's, they're done. You can see white flies under a microscope. Stick their tendril in, take their first sip, and freeze and die in that spot. So if you trigger your plant with all the insect carcasses to produce the chitinase enzyme, your plant has, if you will, predatory insects look for the easy kill. So our egos are offended that we have these insects. But if your plants are super healthy, the nine times out of 10, you're not going to get a major infestation of any of these things. True. If you get a major infestation of these things, your plants are not as healthy as you believe them to be. Your plants, or, they, they exude um, pheromones. So let me say, I'm done. Come get me. You well, know? That, sometimes you just get the bad luck too. Of sure. Blooms of local shit. Or somebody gets you cuts that are dirty. And you didn't think that, yeah. you know, like to give well, me things like, out of your side of your strength. Yeah. You got to sterilize everything. Like, that's yeah. how I got. Yeah. That's how I got russet mites. That's how I got. Dip. Uh, I almost certainly did not get root aphids actually from an outside source. Actually, I'm pretty sure. Go figure. This is a fucking weird one. I'm pretty sure at this point, especially after having, you know, the benefit of a lot of time now. I'm pretty sure, and this was, by the way, the breeder that bred Dog Walker was the guy that told me this. And I was like, at the time, I was like, no fucking way. You know what? Literally, as as time goes on, I think he was right. Ants brought aphids into my fucking grow and began farming those aphids. <laughs> yeah. Grow. So like, No fucking yeah. way. Yes fucking yeah. way. They, they it's a big thing. Right there. They're, they're right outside, and they come in the house all the time, every single year. There's no reason why they couldn't bring in aphids. Well, the other thing that's too, exactly well, certain times of year. I mean, shit. I just found a winged adult on one of the outside collection cards out in Georgia. They're already flying around um, wow. in the outdoor. And then at in Oklahoma, we have those root aphids that I showed you in that video. Those are ones that are living naturally in the marshes and shit outside here and in greenhouses and stuff. So they can just come in through your ventilation. If you have a gap in your thrip screening or anything, they can come in. Yeah, that's how I got thrips once. I had a bird's nest up in one of the intakes. They yeah, you vent. They didn't put a pre-filter in. So. You'll find yeah. a way. Yeah. Yeah. You vent from outdoors. You've got to put a filter. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Birds, they carry thrips like like 
like their neighbors, you know what I mean? Like best friends. Damn, this stuff, I'm going to be sad. This stuff's gone. Oh, what strain is that again, uh, Smash? The Bubba Kush, the Blueberry OG. Oh, it really mix. It's, it's the uh, mm, Walter's Mixberry. You know, like when I break it up, I can just smell like Mixberries. Uh, there are folks who say that Bubba Kush is basically just Hindu Kush. What are your thoughts, Smash? So, um, Brendan's going to take off. Brendan, it was, it was a pleasure talking to you, man. It was a, a delightful hang. Uh, I think we learned a ton about lights. Go ahead. We all need it. Cheers, buddy. Spectrum King LED, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, Yeah, man, he was. He's got that deal on the 400, 420. Yeah, they had some nice sales, actually. Right up. 420. I think I closet. Closet, what is it? company that blew up like that apparently over the problems i'm not kind of that surprised but there's a couple of them too that also had like there's a lot of boards um with certain designs that collect insects in them like ladybugs and stuff and the way the housing is they fall down into like the circuit boards and then they start short circuiting shit great that's how so i the two fires that i've with not been there for but looked at the equipment afterwards both of them were that scenario where they had a lot of ladybugs or some other beneficial insect that was flying around getting into the top of them dying from the heat or the fan or whatever the fuck uh, and that so that's 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 where i've seen those issues but i haven't seen it with spectrum kings at all but i have seen it with two of the hlg we had on catch fire with someone i know and there's another company that had another light catch fire yeah, I'm actually I'm looking on buying another light soon. Uh, coming up here, um, 
I need a veg space, like a decent size. I have a hundred right now, HLG obviously. Oh, not obviously lighthouse but... Fresnels. Get one of those. Get like a decommissioned lighthouse. Uh, oh, dude, I was looking on what is it, the government auction website? They're like auctioning <laughs> off lighthouses for fifteen hundred bucks. How do you I buy mean, the lighthouse? Do you buy like sorry, fifteen thousand dollars, and you own a lighthouse? And then you can like live there, or what? Yeah, you, you whatever you want to do with fun. it. <laughs> go, go. The downside is that you have to walk up the fucking stairs every goddamn day. No, it's actually it's six miles <laughs> off coast. Oh, and then you got to do that every time you go to the groceries. You got to fucking kayak six miles to shore. The middle of the hurricanes and the, on the bright side nobody can fuck with you no bill collectors no who else ex-wives uh hey honey i'm going grocery shopping see you in three days see you in three days i'm going grocery shopping all right so which one i like this one the best oh for fuck's sake what the shit is that oh my god it's not even attached to the ground <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> but I know you would, because you can fly your your ultralight. You can dock it right at the top. Oh, I don't think I would ever buy one of these. The host your own. This is cool. His handmade dirigible. <laughs> I'm going to put a crypto bank on there. Actually, hey, I'll be like, like, you know, one of those cranes. Your home state selling, your home state selling uh, a homestead on Washington Crossing for 32000 in PA. It looks like that thing looks like it's been there forever. But I would live, no, nah, I don't think I would ever think, I don't think I would ever live on one of these. It just seems like it's, oof, that one's even worse. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's That's like, yeah. It looks like a murder pack. Meeting some chick in a bar and you drive out to the pier and be like, get in the boat. Come to my house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get in the boat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, 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 how tall are those? Because the implication. <laughs> <laughs> but on the bright side, it comes with all the herring you can eat. <laughs> uh, let's see what, what else can we look at. Well, how much would it be if you scrapped it? That's a lot of Cessna. The salvage on that would be a pain in the ass. Yeah, right. By the way, last call, oh. ladies and gentlemen, uh, uh, we're going to be smoking yeah. a joint here, and then I think we might uh, retire for the evening. Oh, anyone uh, want to get a boat? This isn't a bad deal. We're doing a boat, school, or sheriff's office. Okay, 6,000 bucks, does it even float? I don't know. Yeah. 
Better flow. It's more of an auction. Most likely it does. They have to renew some of their equipment. No, that's not true. Not a government auction. They sell it as is. Mm. Bullet holes and all. Yeah, pretty much. I would buy something like this, Miami Vice style. Right. <laughs> I mean, you're going to need it for your dirigible and your ultralight. I really would do something for ultralight. I, it seems like a fun thing to like plan a trip and go like, I mean, a hundred miles is a decent trip, like to go camping at least. No, you're right. You're just going to have to rely on your extensive network of pen pals and, uh, no, you just have to find, enthusiasts. you just have to find smaller, like get that ham radio out. Exactly. No, you just Hello, have to find I'm small. flying above your country. I'd like to rendezvous with you fine people. Field trips. So you're saying we need a place where we can have field trips. So like we need to have a club where we have like a big, a couple coach buses and that we can go on field trips and have big giant meetups. It's not exactly you're going on the field trip. It's kind of like the field trip is coming to you. Like um, Smash yeah. basically flies yeah. in and then right. meets you. And then we you have to wear those. Well, if you're trying to come say hi. Right, come on, Smash. Come say hi to me. I won't come to Cali. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Another I'm in Illinois. Wrong place. Oh, okay, good. I thought you were in Cali. Yeah. No, I'm in Illinois. For some reason, I feel like he's playing an accordion the entire time he's flying. Whatever. Should I get one of these? You're terrible. Turn We'll turn this into a burnout truck, Steve. Okay, so I realize now that that photo was not loading poorly. It's just a really fucked up looking car. Oh, right. No, I think it's honestly a horrible picture, too. Okay. It's actually Daihatsu. Cool. Daihatsu. Yeah, it's one of those, like, cave trucks. Like it's like a parrot-looking kind of vehicle. Mm. Cars are just going for so much more money now. This website was not this much money. Like, look, a fucking 2003 Ford Explorer is almost going for $4,000, and it's got six bidders on it. Yeah, we've been talking about that on the show. Like, uh, shitty-ass used shit boxes basically go for... Look at this. 1994 Ford F-350, $10,000. That truck you could have got, like, four years ago for, like, three grand. I would get a bus. That'd be cool. Get like a. But you ever see those people that like turn buses into like motor homes? I guess you would say that'd be fun to do. Unfortunately, we see a lot of that here. Uh, I guess there are folks that do uh, 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 like a fancy. I wouldn't in live in the fucking thing, but I would travel in one. Hmm. But gas is like I don't know. Gas is becoming a lot of money too. So that's. You might as well get start like making EV shit. I really, I really am invested in hybrid. I really like the technology. I think it's gonna surpass just straight electric when better batteries come out and they have better regen systems too. I mean, the regenerative braking systems are good, but they probably can become more efficient. Uh, maybe. I figured things were kind of the, the, the hybrid EVs had kind of that ship had sailed and that only really Toyota was super invested in that. I thought uh, pretty much everybody else is just going for all full on EVs. Ford's got high, actually every company offers hybrid yeah. and EVs now almost. Yeah. 
It's the same Brendan I went to bed. He he just bought a, a one of the Hyundai hybrid EVs. It's like a oh. gas and other so you can. Oh, right on. It's good because like if you need to go or there's nothing else. Like in California, when the power was out and all, um, you know, you can still get the fuck out of there. But it's mostly electric most of the time. Hmm. Yeah, that's my, uh, the, the Ford, it's a 2020 Ford Fusion hybrid titanium, whatever. I don't know what the, the package, I guess. But it has like regenerative braking, it has EV, and then a motor. So, like, it's actually pretty quick for being. Uh, hybrid too. Um, like I'm not saying fast, fast, but I don't actually know if it is electric. I, I don't know. I've never really looked at it. Does it only use gas and electric? Just like where does it use it? You know, I never looked that stuff up with the cars. Like where are they using the electric? Where are they using the gas? Like if I step on the gas, am I using gas and electric? Like what? Like I don't, I, know, I don't know because electric motors are just ridiculously torquey. Like, uh, Steve, you can attest to this. These electric cars are just crazy fast. Zero to like 100, 120. I've got a chance to drive one of the nicer Teslas. When you stomp that fucking pedal, holy you're stuck in the seat. Yeah, you're stuck. I, I, the drag I think they say it's the fastest acceleration. Yeah, it is. Hands down. It's, the only thing that's even close to it is a motorcycle. Like that's that's literally the only thing that's that's even the same kind of experience. But the um, I used to drive. Uh, I think some of the higher terrible with the gas versus electric. It's just you hit the pedal and it's just instant boom. It's fucking great. It's so some fun. of the new higher horsepower because all right, the Tesla is about a thousand horsepower with instant Jesus. torque. Uh, it's like a thousand twenty-three. I think it's got three motors in it, or something like that. That's what equals the thousand horsepowers between them, I guess. So in theory, uh, some of those crazy Swedish cars and stuff could be faster, but I mean, you got to spend like two million dollars, right? Mm-hmm. Wait until they do an all-electric for like a four-motor car. That's going to be a fast car. And when they uh, when they figure out better electric motors, it's just going to get better and better, like gas did for ages actually a gas in like f1 and stuff is still advancing they still do constant research and develop uh, development on f1 cars and gas sure. lean engines and shit yeah because i mean but there are theoretical limits you know like they're basically right. shaving off yeah. the, the the freaking wheel with the the gas engine it's not that it's not like they're going to double gas mileage or something on an f1 car anytime soon Oh, they want more power, if anything. They don't care what the gas they use. And most of them use an alcohol-based gas, probably. Well, I know I do when I race. I can't remember right now what they use. Uh, it depends on what you want. So, like, if you want to do, like, an E85, that'll help it run a little bit cooler. So, it's a pros and cons, so it's actually going to be determined on your car. E85 is nice. I like the flex fuel stuff. They just changed yeah. that today to... So Biden just changed gasoline to be 15% ethanol now instead of 10 Did you know? Today. So sorry to cut you off. Did you know that, like, if you were to look at our gas versus, like, over in the UK, we bitch that, like, or they say that their gas is so expensive, but they actually have, like, the 
is the better quality gas though. You know, I forget like the different values that we have over here. I think Europe has better standards than us. We do. Not everything. And it's Not like on the gas route. One thing about European stuff like that is so like Europe regulates what the leach rate is on different chemical compounds and how common household items. So the plastics and shit that you use in your everyday life, the different chemicals that you're exposed to, what is the leach rate of giving compounds from those? uh, And they have acceptable levels for that. United States doesn't even regulate that at all. How fucked is that? No, that's not very good. And well, then, so it sounds like we have a lot of cleanup then if we were actually to go sample, do a lot of sampling. But luckily, hemp is very good at remediating some of those things, right? Oh, someone here says I drive a Tesla. I don't drive a Tesla. I've, I've worked with the guy that had a really nice Tesla for a while. He let me drive it. I don't have a Tesla. <laughs> I wish I had a Tesla, but I don't have one. I actually, I have a funny story. I have a funny story. My cousin had his Tesla and I guess he had it for less than a week. He was driving around Chicago. He got rear-ended. He got rear-ended. So he lost his Tesla within a week. That sucked. <laughs> Wait, he got rear-ended. So, so he's going to get a new Tesla now. Yeah, he had to get it. Yeah, but uh, still, it's the whole, you know, you're so excited. Oh, you just got your brand new car, uh, you know. Yeah, and gone. Very, like, less than a week. You see that kid? There was some 15-year-old that stole his dad's Tesla. Did you see that yesterday or whatever? And drifted it sideways into a fucking um, gas pump and immediately, like, caught fire. Damn. Well, that car is completely fucking gone. And those battery fires are crazy. Never, You got to get the fuck away from those things. So when I, no, when I race, um, I usually use it like Ignite Red. They've actually been one of the predominant fuels lately in the uh, racing scene. Uh, next to VP, VP makes a good product too, but I like Ignite better for race fuel. Just saying. Um, it's just like anyone see that dude with a rented Tesla that jumps like 100 feet? Yes. I, mean, I think they actually found out who did it. How are they not? There's a thousand know, people how there. How they not? Like you, uh, the guy rented the fucking thing. Like his name is on the fucking thing. How, how All right, yeah. Mm-hmm. And Alex Toy was there. One of the one of the biggest car YouTubers out there right now. Like, like, how are they not going to figure it out? Like, it was like. So what yeah, happened is the one dude didn't want to snitch on his friend. That I understand, but still. Uh, yeah, but there were so many people there, like it was ridiculous. So after a, a Tesla meetup, they all had like a Tesla meetup and shit. So after this meetup, the guy was like, "Oh, let's go to where David Dobrik dumped this Tesla." And Alex Toy gets out, and he's standing there, and the guy goes down the street, and he never came, he never practiced or went over it. He just floored it up the hill and just took off, and then landed like. Uh, a hundred feet down, and the only reason they stopped is because a car hit it. Hmm. Like they hit a back of a car. Oof. Jesus. That's that guy they hit the So they say a lot of the batteries, um, and like if we ever use like pressurized fuels or, or anything, 
they they decompress so or they de like pressurize so fast that it's not that lethal. Um, it's it's because it's pressurized. It's like everyone's worried about like the batteries and stuff. Yeah, they they have they can catch fire in general. That's why they're cooled and heated. They have an optimum optimum range to run. You know what I mean? What's the point? Uh, I don't understand what the point is though. I forgot too. That's it. Uh, batteries are cool. Uh, oh. James Chrysler is asking. I heard lithium batteries for electric cars are horrible for the environment. I think they used to be. Uh, I don't. I don't know that that's true anymore. I think that the, you can recycle them to a large degree. Um, I mean, everything has a cost. You know what I mean? Like the reality of things is that everything has a cost in life. If you make something. And it has a footprint, it has an environmental cost, it has a financial cost, on and on. And, you know, you can either burn fuel, you can have batteries, you could do, there's a few companies that are trying to work on fuel cells, that has its own costs, you know, whatever. Oh, I remember. So, batteries, like, people say they're real dangerous, but they're actually pretty secure for the most part with fires. Uh, it has to be really on. It has to be really on fire to catch one of those batteries. Like they're pretty well structured, um, and like they're and where they're placed, the act like they're. It's so hard to get to the battery because where they're placed in the car, you literally have to crumple the car or jump over something, or you know what I mean? Because it's underneath. It's not in the front or the back where an impact's really happening or the sides. And even if it is on the sides a little bit, it still has a crust rate. I mean, what you're describing basically is the technological progression of cars. You know, when, when gas cars used to be, I mean, shit, like the 1950s and 1960s, they were fucking shit boxes. If they got into a wreck, they blew up. You know what I mean? Or they just instantly caught on fire. Uh, it took a while for cars, people to figure out how to build cars that even if they get into a massive wreck, don't catch on fire, don't do this, don't do that. I got in a wreck one time, uh, someone T-boned me, and I, I don't know how I didn't actually end up getting in like an explosion because the gas tank was right behind me. It was a truck, like it was a smaller truck, and the gas tank was right behind me, and it was cracked in half, just leaking gas all over the fucking ground. <laughs> uh, as I got out of the freaking truck, basically, and I was all stunned and whatever. But uh, even that, Obviously, the hot parts of the car and stuff were nowhere close enough that it could have like ignited the car. Yeah, so that you can get like, unlucky though. Like it can happen. I've seen it in a race car stuff. Like especially when you're using high test like alcohol gas. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, race cars are different. I mean, that shit is um, and everything else. Yeah, uh, hydrogen also. Like if the system does get punctured, it decompresses so fast that there's no real like pullback with there's a fire in like one of the new i don't know what are they the toyota made one a hydrogen car it's a pressurized tank so if it if it crashes and it's cracked it depressurizes so fast where it doesn't matter but usually if it doesn't decompress you're good so it's not really like people always worried about them exploding but they never really explode like that like you know it's never like I, I think that's a that would be a cool source of like fuel hydrogen. I think it sounds It'd be fun if uh, some of these companies. I mean, what you're describing is that there's a lot of folks that have uh, misconceptions about uh, technology, and there are a lot of people just have fundamental misconceptions about how technology works and the downsides of it and so on. Uh, how do I say? Uh, sometimes people will misunderestimate how 
bad gasoline is because we're used to it. It's just part of our lives, but we'll overestimate, like you're saying, how bad, let's say, batteries or fuel cells or whatever else might be. Famously, nuclear power is one of these things that when you objectively look at the the freaking statistics, it's actually one of the safest possible uses of power. It has its own freaking costs. It has its own issues. Of course, everything has its own issues. But when we're talking about like, you know, specifically, let's say safety or cost per watt or whatever else, actually nuclear power is quite, uh, 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 quite good, but it has this negative connotation among a lot of people. And so how do I say it's not even uh, part of the discussion? Oh, shit. Have you ever, I've actually just heard about propane cars a little while ago, like Gas prices were so high that they were trending. They, they actually, need propane. In Europe, they have propane cars. I've driven a propane car actually in Europe, and it was uh, it was not really that different. It was really not that different. It got oh, uh, you know what runs on propane stupid, a lot of the time? Stupid gas mileage. I remember. I mean, I remember, I think I ended up having to spend like it's the weirdest car to fill up because literally you fill it up with like a propane tank at the front. Yeah, of the it's pressurized. Yeah, uh, but I think I spent. 10 bucks in propane i ended up driving like 250 300 miles or something it was dumb it was it was really weird i couldn't figure out why why that was not more common oh but uh i didn't have a very high top speed i think like it drove normally but i think the top speed was only like 50 miles an hour or something yeah i don't really know what the downside of it is um you know what a lot of americans know what uh forklifts in factories are ran on propane um a lot of the time they're in on propane uh you'll see a forklift with a a big ass uh tank on the back and that's propane it's not gas running into those those things right i on. think it's cool that that'd be cool to see I'd, I'd like to see a car run on propane right on. well we'll figure that shit out <coughs> pardon me Pick up the uh, let's, uh, let's say our good evenings and how was uh, it off the line <laughs> was that Charlie's? I was the propane car off the line. <laughs> yeah, right. I was just trying to remember. It's been a while. I don't. I don't think it was that slow. It was kind of peppy. Uh, yeah, I, I would doubt it. Went, to be honest, no man, that'd be cool. Yeah, all the lot better for our environment. I think so. Yeah. That's a fact. Um, hold on. I got a video of propane powered race cars are taking over the track. We're gonna take one of those plants now. That's my project. Nice, Charlie. Oh, I've never so heard. Yeah, of we're ending a little bit early. Just got a ton of stuff to do, man. Got my own. Uh... Oh, look at that! Look oh, at the car. That thing is sick. Oh wait, did it do a burnout? Oh, rolling burnout. Interesting. That's funny. That's Hank Hill's favorite car. God damn it, Mabe. Pocket sale. See me selling propane and then they trying to stop me. That's it. Uh, didn't Peggy Hill like her steaks well done? Oh, no, 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 no. One time. Nope. No, no, no. Never mind. Do you, do you, do you have a... You had a leather shop called Propane and Propane Accessories. <laughs> nice. Awesome. Still one of my favorite shows. I mean, it was honestly I like a Hank good Hill. show. Yeah, it was a really good show. 
Okay. Yeah. You know, they're still putting out Simpsons, Family Guys. No, I don't think they're putting in any more Futurama. No, no, no. Futurama just got respawned with all the original voice actors agreeing to come back as of like the last month. <laughs> and Beavis and Butthead's coming out too. They got new ones coming. Fuck you know, yeah. King of the Hill got canceled because of uh, Seth MacFarlane. You know, they were trying to make one for the Cleveland show, which on. You know, that's the reason why it got canceled. They're thinking about a reboot of King of the Hill. Making a mage, the older. That's what it looks yeah, like. They got, they got all like, I don't know. Fuck. Except two of the actors are dead. Mom Petty and friggin' what's her name? There was the voice of uh, Luann. She's she passed away too. You know, I loved her in that, that movie. Um, even though it was like a little bit past my time, I still like it. Is um, oh god, what is it? When they're uh, she's she's with the rich kids. What was he called? Blonde that was in you know the Aerosmith videos that was friends with Liv Tyler. They have hmm. um, Silverstone. Uh, Silverstone. Yeah, and they were in high school. You know, a dude from um the black dude from um, um the, you know that metal oh, comedy there. They did the Cleveland funny. show. That was funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I haven't just been nah, so late. I don't know. I've never seen that one. Clueless. That's the movie I'm thinking of. Clueless. Oh, what? Back in what the movie? 90s. Oh, with Alicia Silverstone? Alicia Silverstone. Yeah, yeah. I the love girl her. That was, they, the girl that they propped up, you know, that they, you know, that the, the one that just moved there and they made her all snobby and everything. Rolling with the homie. And uh, oh, she's man. dead. She's the one who did the voice of Luann. And did you know that the voice of Bobby's done by a girl? An actress? Huh. That doesn't surprise me. Bart Simpson? Yeah, right. too. Awesome. Yeah, she's cool. I saw her in a couple of series she did. She was really good. The Bud Simpson uh, lady is actually really cool about it. Like, why you see her all the time? She's a Scientologist, but uh, yeah, yeah. that's one of those things. You're like, it's cool. I don't know. Yeah, it's like Tom. What's his name? Uh, Tom Cruise. Yeah, that's, that's Tom Cruise's major downside. No, it's the thing. Like, I, I really like him as an actor. Like, honestly, I, I don't think I've ever seen him in something that he wasn't, like, exceptionally good at. But it's, dude, he's a, but yeah, it's, but yeah, it's just no getting around that. That's some, like, All right, I'll be the first, I'll be the first to bounce. Just do it. Yeah, now that we got on the list. Or, Smash, 20. Uh, Instagram, YouTube, most uh, platforms, Discord, 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 coming out. It's always a good ass time. Uh, uh, you're cutting it out a little bit. Uh, sorry, I'm leaning up against my mic to play. Uh, Fumador Discord coming out Thursdays. I do a show coming out tomorrow. We have uh, Whiskey Wednesday. So I don't drink, but I'll have a coffee. So, cheers, everyone. Have a good night. Cheers, bud. Have a good one. Val, go for it. Yes, <coughs> Um, hi, I'm Valerie, or Val, who cares? Uh, um, I would follow me on Instagram at always sweet. And I have a Discord. I'm going to start a cannabis coalition. And sorry, it was just, it's been a late night. Um, yeah, I'm done. Thank you. Well, good job.
Uh, Charlie's Farm. Yes, uh, always a pleasure, my friend. How about you? Uh, any way to reach awesome. you or uh, yeah. final thoughts, weird, words of wisdom? Go for it. Yeah. Yeah, here. Be good to each other. You want to act well to us and you will not be disappointed. Yeah. It's a win-win. Sure you know, I'm always uh, honored that you have me. I'll see you hopefully tomorrow night. Yeah, everybody. Yeah, man. See you tomorrow. Guys. Uh, always, uh, no, it's what a humble guy, like, honestly. Uh, his stories are always fucking super interesting. He's always like, Oh, sorry for babbling, and everyone's like enraptured by his goddamn stories. Super humble guy, that Charlie's farm right there. Uh, potent, floor's yours, buddy. Go for it. Yeah, you can find me at Palm Ponics on YouTube. Um, well. SoundCloud, iTunes, all the things. Um, you can also check out um, my class over apmjclass.com. <clears throat> you can use coupon code AP420 uh, in order to um, get uh, 75 bucks off the class right now, now through uh, Earth Day. Uh, so definitely check that out. Uh, yeah. And then uh, you can find my YouTube channel, where you where all of our live content is over at Potent Products on YouTube, uh, and then uh, an audio format on all the different other platforms. We will be back again this week. I know we took a couple of weeks off. I was traveling across the East Coast and some other stuff. It was kind of hard for me to juggle guests and not having 100% certainty that I was going to have internet connection while I was out there. So now that uh, I'm not traveling and all that, we'll be back to our normal schedule. We have Little River Aquaponics this Thursday. So, yeah. Sweet. Alrighty, ladies and gentlemen, that leaves me. I'll be your uh, guide, your shaman, for the rest of this uh, show. Ladies and gentlemen, come join us with the soft sounds. Of, I don't even know what I'm fucking babbling about right now. I'm trying to find my freaking page here, but I've opened up so many goddamn tabs that I can't find the right one. All right, we'll just open up a new one. Here we go. Ah, there we go. I found it. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't have to babble anymore. There goes potent. Ladies and gentlemen, join me. Over here, you can, uh, oh, by the way, don't forget to uh, subscribe to the, the uh, podcast. Please listen to uh, Chronic Table over at iTunes, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, where else? Pandora, Google Podcasts, your freaking name it, Stitcher, Overcast, a bunch of different places. Chronic Table is the name of the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Pardon me. I have not yet uploaded or even actually edited this week's uh, uh, podcast. My apologies, ladies and gentlemen. Had some technical issues. For some reason, YouTube was like halfway down today. It was really bizarre. Like the the the, the main the creator page and stuff. Just couldn't get to it. Weirdest, weirdest, weirdest thing. Anyway, it's working again. So uh, I managed to download the episode. But in the meantime, uh, it's going to be until tomorrow. If you guys do uh, subscribe to the podcast, it can be probably until tomorrow before I can upload it. Anyway, <clears throat> pardon me. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, type chronictable.com. Uh, and it'll take you to my website, fumidoro.com. I don't know. I hope that's not confusing. I don't, I don't think it's confusing. But if it is confusing, the website is fumidoro.com. That's that's the main website. Uh, but I bought a couple of different other websites. And, you know, you can basically uh, connect them to your main website. So I did that. So, for example, if you type the words, uh, uh, the, the website, basically, www.chronictable.com, it'll redirect to fumidoro.com. So if you can't remember if you Medoro, if you can't spell it or whatever else, just type chronictable.com. It'll take you right here. You can also type fumesofgold.com. It'll take you right to Fumidoro 
www.shopmyshop.com. Uh, when you get there, ladies and gentlemen, click on the shopping page or on the home page uh, right there. Basically, it says uh, the highest standards for quality genetics from living soil made with care and intent, always grown in established living soil using only natural inputs. You can click the bean scene right there. It takes you right to the shopping page. Click the, sh the smash and grab, ladies and gentlemen. That's the new uh, package deal, basically, from the mind smashed. A great idea, honestly. Three five packs for a special price. So you get a nice little uh, 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 savings there, honestly. You can get to try like three different interesting things you can just basically let me know i still don't know I, I i cannot figure out how to do it i would love to love to love to figure out how to auto complete when you buy these packages i would love to be able to like have you auto complete like oh i want these certain strains but i have not yet figured out how to do that ladies and gentlemen so unfortunately we have to do it kind of the primitive way when you buy one of these package deals you just email me oh hey uh fumador i just uh, ordered number such and such uh I'd like blah, 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 or I'd like your advice, or you can pick for me, or, you know, whatever. You can you can uh, give me any one of those versions, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, these two pictures right here, by the way, are testers. I believe this is, why am I forgetting? This is currently, was this Black Prince Ruby, or was this Morgana? This was, I think this is Morgana. I think this is halfway through Morgana. All right, now I'm forgetting. My apologies, ladies and gentlemen. It's a little bit late. Anyway, uh, if you guys like uh, package deals, savings, these are the ones right here. I see a witch, Morgana, and two friends. These witches, three package deal right there. It's basically three packs of Morgana. And uh, this one right here is the West Engine Swindle Bundle. There's no Morgana in that one, but you can basically tell me, oh, I'd like uh, three packs of such and such, or two packs of this, two packs of that. Whatever the frick your heart desires, ladies and gentlemen, let me know. I'd be happy to help. In the meantime, individual strains... Because uh, perhaps you're new to the webpage, perhaps you're new to the show, I, I'm welcome. Thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Take a look, ladies and gentlemen, at Morgana. If you don't know anything about me and you'd like to try one of my strains, probably this is the one that I would recommend more than anything else. It's the one that's been just most thoroughly tested. It's the one that probably has the most, uh, just the kind of most obvious, just dead-ass, just drop-dead sex appeal. Like uh, lots and lots of color, lots of really nice sultry phenotypes. Uh, really cool sour cherries in there. A bunch of people have found the sour cherries. Every once in a while, someone has found the sweet, short-finishing uh, cherry. That's a freaking nice one. By the way, if you're listening and you find that one, please let me know. I would be very happy to trade for that one again. Uh, this one was one of my favorites. Please click on the... There we go. Uh, sultry Gardenias. A couple of people have uh, picked up a version of this phenotype. Really, really, really just elegant and sultry as fuck. When you, if you come up to it, you'll know what I'm talking about. You'll definitely know what I, what I mean by the word sultry. Uh, very berry. Like, honestly, just a, a pleasant, happy very berry. I, I really, I, I've dug, uh, dug past tense, dugged. I don't even know what it is anymore. Uh, I've dug the variety of uh, this kind of V1, basically I'm calling it, of uh, Morgana. She's been growing outdoors, indoors, greenhouses, you freaking name it, ladies and gentlemen. She's done really well. Actually, she's uh, done really well against spider mites, powdery mildew. That's another one, actually, why I would recommend that, to be honest. This this right here, this was Morgana on the left, Lime River Rose on the right, uh, they actually evened up in size, by the way. These are kind of early. Uh, in fact, you can probably, I think, see that they even, oh, wait, one of these pictures. I don't remember which one. All right, I'm tired, ladies and gentlemen. Anyway, uh, they did even out. But the Morgana, here you see, there you go. Morgana on the left, Lime Rose on the right. Uh, I believe Kevin there said that the Lime River Rose did get PM. 
So that's unfortunate. We're going to have to work on the PM resistance for, you know, Michigan conditions. But Morgana took it like a champ. He said he kept that. Uh, he's keeping it forever. His wife called it sultry. Uh, held back mites, held back mildew, held back powdery mildew. I've heard that from a bunch of other folks. Uh, I have uh, 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 good reports from Morgana, my, you know, with my personal testing. So anyway, ladies and gentlemen, if you would like one strain, frankly, that you have no idea about my stuff, try Morgana. I think you'll uh, very much enjoy it. That's Kube F2 from Subcool, cross to Ruby Jack F2, basically, that I pulled out of uh, uh, my friend Stevie's stuff. By the way, I've talked to Stevie recently, and he is down for coming on the show, so we're just going to have to coordinate one of these days uh, when he comes on. Speaking of Stevie, really dug uh, uh, the weed he gave me years ago. Uh, we basically met one day, hit it off, you know, as, as weed friends do, and uh, he was like, hey, what are you growing, man? I was like, nah, some fucking, whatever. I was testing some stuff. It was okay. It was fine, but I wasn't super impressed with it. I wasn't super, like, it wasn't really my style of weed. Uh, and that's kind of what I told him. I was like, it's fine, but it's not really my style of weed. And he's like, you know what? Hold on a second. He walked to the other room, came back with a little stash of seeds, a little baggie, probably had like I don't know, 50, 60 seeds in it or whatever. He's like, hey, try this. And he just told me a little bit about it. And he was like, you know, I think you're going to like it. And he's like, oh, you like the Jack Herrera? Because we were talking about different stuff. I was like, yeah, man, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, you know, we were just basically shooting the shit for like two, three hours or something. So he gave me this weed. And literally, as soon as I popped the seeds, I could tell I liked this fucking strain. Like, I liked the way it vegged. I liked the way it grew. I liked the way the leaves looked. And wouldn't you know it, I loved the way it fucking smoked. And everyone, everyone, everyone that I've ever shared this with, and mind you, I've shared a bunch of my Ruby Jack and my Portland Cannabis Tasting Society meetings and, you know, with friends, on and on and on. Never once have I heard someone or had I heard somebody say they didn't like the Ruby Jack. It was fucking hilarious how many people were like, oh, my God. This is like Jack Herrera, but better. I was like, yeah, yeah, buddy. Yeah, it is. Anyway, uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you like something that has lots and lots of colors, this is, by the way, the Ruby Jack number eight. She's the mom uh, uh, three times, I guess, like two, three times on the dad's side and one time, again, uh, to the mom to create Thousand and One Nights, uh, essentially. So this is basically the mom. Uh, that's weird, isn't it? It's like with plant breeding, it's fucking weird because it can be like the mom on both sides, but it's still totally normal. Anyway. I, I agree. It's strange, but that's how plants work. Anyway, so this is the Ruby Jack number eight. That's an actual Ruby Jack. Uh, distilled her, like I said, uh, on the dad's side and uh, uh, bred it back to the mom's side to kind of technically create a BX. This is one of the examples of the BX. You can still see that recognizable shape. And this particular one right here was a really luscious grapefruit. Been getting really great terps off of this one. This is the one, this is the one of my strains so far that makes me really just giggly, goofy, stupid. The Morgana makes me giggly and happy and goofy and a little bit of the what was I talking about? But this is the one where I'm like, what's what? Well, what? What? I I don't even what? I really it's 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 a goofy effect, ladies and gentlemen. If you like that effect, take a look at Thousand One Nights. Let me wrap up, my friends, with uh, Lime River Rose. If you would like some delightful lime popsicles and a little bit of sour lime, potentially, uh, West Engine pulled out a fabulous-sounding rose. Remember, it's supposed to be called Lime River Rose. I was kind of hoping that there might be some serious rose in there. Sure enough, it was easy enough that West Engine found one. He smoked it with his wife, and apparently she basically took it from him, and there's none left because she smoked it all. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you would like to, in fact, see, you see some of the same pictures basically from, uh, uh the Michigan tester there. If you'd like to try some, uh, uh, really, uh, 
very surprisingly potent but giggly happy Lime River Rose. I would be happy to send you some, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, a nice color, nice uh, greasiness, nice hash production. Take a look, my friends. Again, from Subcool, actually, the Kaffir Lime. That was the Black Lime Reserve by Jack the Ripper. And then crossed to that same uh, Ruby Jack F2 Father that was crossed twice back to the mom and blah, blah, blah. And anyway, I'm tired now, ladies and gentlemen. I think you get the point. Please use the coupon code cuckoo. I can't even talk anymore. It's like a cuckoo clock code. Blah, blah, blah. Huh. Use the coupon code BRAINS, ladies and gentlemen, for 14% off. Use the coupon code Birkenstock also for 14% off. Uh, I cannot for the life of me. Remember any of the other coupon codes? I got to fuck off and go now, ladies and gentlemen. It is time. Thank you, my friends, for hanging. Stu, Stony Creek, Alcoholic, uh, Robert Greenfingers, uh, Atomic Spoon, as always. Cheers, my friend. St. Bernard's Observation Booth. Nice to see you, buddy. Uh, always passing the joint. Uh, look at that guy. Always passing the joint every time he pops in the room. Uh, Ryan, nice to see you, buddy. Jeff, good day, buddy. Nice to see you as well. Martial artist, uh, always sweet. Good to see you. Grace on Grow, always see you. Nice to see you, my friend. CTC, didn't say uh, hello earlier. Good to see you, buddy. Who else in here? Cascadian, Lars, uh, the grape, supreme grape. As always, nice to see you, my friend. The rest of you friends, for friends, woman's gentlemen. I can't remember what that's from. No, that's from Blazing Saddles, I think. All right, I'm forgetting. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, until until we meet again, I can't remember where that's from. That's not from Blazing Saddles. That's from, uh, all right, it'll come to me literally as soon as I finish the show. Cheers, Pip Jam. Nice to see you, my friend. Good to see you, buddy. Uh, if I have not shouted out your names, my friends, hopefully I'll see your, your name in the future. Consider yourself shouted out. Here's an honorary shout out for your name, perhaps you're silent, quiet, net, see buddy. I gotta go. Be kind, my friends. Be decent, be gentle. Don't be fucking dicks. Uh, be cool. What else? See you guys tomorrow. That's about it. Uh, be kind of your way. What else do I say? Alright.